Thursday, March the 31st, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Okay, we have a ton coming out this weekend, so the schedule is going to be crazy. It's just going to be everything. I'm just going to put it all out there on a couple different shows. So on this episode, you're going to get a full segment on everything happening in the NBA with Eric. We join. He joins me. We talk about how uh, every team looks with the last week or week and a half in the season. Everyone's got five or six games left. What do the playoffs look like? What do the standings look like? All of that good stuff. And we've got a deep dive, a full recap review, scene by scene, Spider-Man No Way Home with Tim Kelly. We're going to have Moon Knight coming up for you next uh, next week. Moon Knight just started, so we're back in the Marvel MCU world. So this episode NBA with Eric, and then a full deep dive into Spider-Man No Way Home, one of my all-time favorite Marvel MCU movies, and what a fantastic experience in the theater. So that's what you'll get here on this episode, brought to you by Better Than Vegas, at BTV Bets on Twitter. Give them a follow, flip those notifications on, free analysis, live streams all the time, and head over to oldsmokeclothing.com slash BTV and purchase that t-shirt that says, I don't bet, I win. Promo code G-I-N-O will get you free shipping on your order. Lots to dissect this weekend. Right now, we get into the NBA. Let's go through all the teams in the East. Top 10, looking at uh, what the next week and a half looks like for them, what, what's been going on, any news, any important storylines, and then we head over and do the same thing for the West. So everything going on in the NBA right now with Eric. NBA! Just about five games remaining in the NBA season. Eric, man, it is crazy how quickly we've got here. And now there's all this craziness uh, with the play-in and these teams at the bottom of the play-in trying to get in and and shift around. So uh, it's not the boring end of the NBA season that we've been used to. No, the play-in has made it a little bit more spicy. You know, teams fighting to the better end, so it's, it's good. And then in the East, we've got teams sort of, uh, sort of. It's funny. You can tell that the teams at the top, they're not tanking or anything, but they're not necessarily worried about getting that one seed because they don't want to have to play Brooklyn. The funny thing is, is that Brooklyn's got to be careful where they are right now because they're in the eighth spot, but they could very easily drop down to the ninth and tenth spot to where one loss and they're out. So it's really funny when teams start doing this. I know we've talked about it. Like, I'm never a fan of looking at the standings and trying to figure out where you want to sit or, hey, if we lose this game, but then we win that game and we lose this game, we'll end up being right here because you just never know, right? Maybe you, you line up with Brooklyn and then you don't want to wish for an injury, but like Durant gets hurt or something and all of a sudden that's an easier series, right? You just, I don't think it's ever a good thing to try to manipulate the standings. Yeah, I think all these teams are just worried about right now just going out there and trying to win. Um because like you, with the playing tournament, you don't know. There's an X factor, like like a team could like be Brooklyn, could be Cleveland, Hawks. could be yeah, Brooklyn dropping Hawks, down. Yeah, the Hawks are battle tested. You know, they made it to the Eastern Conference Final last year. So, and with a player like Trey Young, he can get hot in a one game playoff. Scenario. He could be the best so, player on the court yeah, that night. So it's just kind of it's just kind of tough. And I mean, I'll be honest, like just with the Nets. I mean, I think the Nets. You know, they have some stuff. You know, to be worried about. You have Kyrie coming back, and I'll be honest, he doesn't really look like he's in game shape. I know people are saying he's going to be rested, but when you play these, like, back-to-backs or, like, have, like, a short rest, you, like, 
play, travel day play, and he's not used to that, that's going to take a little time for him to get accustomed to that, especially in a stressful situation in this playing tournament. Um, those and first and those point, first couple games that when Kyrie came back, it was like he was pumped up, right? There was an energy, you know. He was sort of in this like, let me show you. But then it starts to settle in, and it's like, oh yeah, the guy doesn't really have legs right now. He you looked know? tired in the Hornets game. Yeah, he's not in great shape physically yeah. because yeah. he just hasn't. You can be. Like you said, he doesn't have as many miles on him throughout the year, right? Which is a positive. But Eric, we know this, man. There's no, there's no way to replicate game speed in the NBA yeah. or the NFL at the top levels. You can practice all you want, you can be in the greatest shape, but until you've gone out there for three weeks or a month, you're not used to the speed of the game, no matter how good and how fast. And we've watched Kyrie's drills, dude. The stuff that he can do with the ball, there might be five people in the whole world that can do some of the things that he does. Yeah, I mean, it's just, he's insanely talented, but this, you know, the back-to-back stuff, the play and travel, he's just not used to, and it showed up in the game against the Hornets, and, I mean, even a game against the Pistons. Um, they were know, down. They were they, down. And he wasn't playing well. Point, their three-point defense is a little is a little suspect. I mean, they this team isn't the juggernaut right now that we thought, and then the whole Ben Simmons thing in the Detroit game, Detroit started following um, Andre Drummond toward in the fourth quarter, they start following him and everything. He went to the line. Ben Simmons is sitting on the on the on the on the bench. I mean, dude, we we're all human. You don't think he's having flashbacks to going? What was he like, fifteen for forty five and again in uh, against Atlanta in the in the playoffs? I mean, he had to be thinking that. So yeah, I, I don't think the Nets are in as good a shape as everyone thinks they are. No, I mean. You you mentioned the Hawks. They're kind of quietly playing pretty well right now, and the eighth, ninth, and tenth spots they're all separated by one game. Brooklyn is forty and thirty six. Charlotte is forty and thirty seven, and Atlanta is thirty nine and thirty seven. And Atlanta they've won three in a row. One game back of Brooklyn. They play them on Saturday. Yep. Atlanta's got Cleveland, Brooklyn, Toronto, Washington, Miami, and Houston left. So they beat Brooklyn. They win these next two games. They beat Brooklyn. They're in Brooklyn's spot. Yep. And, and then Brooklyn's you got, got Milwaukee tonight. Yep. You know Brooklyn. I mean? They got there's Milwaukee, Atlanta, and then uh, following that, they've got Houston, which is likely a win. But then they play at the Knicks. And for as bad as the Knicks are, they will get up to play the Nets. Right. They're yeah. gonna. They don't want the Nets to come into Madison Square Garden and just crush them there. And then they got Cleveland, which could be a like a matchup. Of the play-in, and then you've got Indy So, that's uh, that's What the remaining schedule looks like for Brooklyn For the Cavs, sort of feel bad for them Right, like they've dropped down into the 7 now And so it looks like they are going to be the 7 Most likely and hosting a play-in game And so they will Likely be host, they'll be hosting either Brooklyn, Charlotte, or Atlanta It would stink for The Cavs after a really good year Everybody starts getting hurt You just can't keep everybody on the court And then you lose to Brooklyn and then you lose to like a hot Atlanta team Because that's not easy Think about it Atlanta won a playoff series last year And they've got like you said Trey Who could be the best player on the court Any night he steps on the court And Brooklyn when they're good I mean their A game is almost as good as anyone So that could end up being a really disappointing End of the year for Cleveland You know it's just the injury bug You know at the end of the day These teams can be hot But if you lose the key piece You know you're up against it And injuries have like killed this Cleveland team Which is really bad because 
they were really exciting watching them play when they're everyone was 100 percent and and like we said you never know what what your trajectory is like right compare teams like memphis last year and the knicks last year well Hell, everybody thought the Knicks had a fantastic year It looked like it, they were winning big games Julius Randle was awesome Everybody just assumed the Knicks would take another step forward this year Both the Knicks and the Hawks, right? They were the 4-5 seeds last year They played in the playoffs And both of those teams took major steps backwards this year That's what's the, the worry about Cleveland Is that you assume, oh, we're young No, don't, don't worry about it We're going to get everybody back and we'll be fine Just This doesn't work that way You, you might go like Memphis did and have an awesome year And maybe getting into the playoffs And just getting a couple extra games Helps you But maybe you go the other way Like the Knicks or Atlanta Maybe this was supposed to be The year for Cleveland Where if they just stayed a little bit healthier They'd be a top four seed And they'd get they'd get home court advantage In a playoff series It's just It's never a guarantee Eric with injuries With the, with the way that You know sports are So that's what's that's what's frustrating about a year that feels like it's going well. It's like us as a gambler, right? When you feel like, oh, I that that's a bet, or I was on the right side of that game. We know we're going to lose a lot of them. We want to we want to take advantage and capitalize on that win. Yeah, you want to be moving forward, and like like you said, injuries happen. I mean, just looking at the Hawks right now, Collins missed twenty games, Bogey twenty games, Hunter thirty games, uh, Gallinari fifteen games. Capella 10 games they've just been riddled by injury nothing's nothing in the NBA is a given and you just got to go out there and you know like I said some of these teams are a little misscrewed where they are just because of the injury bug yep so uh, that's basically the seven through ten spots we've been talking about uh Charlotte they're currently in the ninth spot they could finish in any of those eight nine ten spots they've got games left at Philly at Miami or uh, Orlando at Chicago and at Washington. So we'll see who ends up very important there because you know if you're in the if you finish eight you just have to win one game if you yeah. finish nine or ten you have to win two games in a row to get in so it's it's tough I mean it's definitely tough like it's it's a lot of basketball I mean and it's qu- back to backs too it's quick it's a lot of these guys think about the teams that we're talking about we're talking about a Brooklyn team that's banged up we're talking about a Cleveland team that's banged up. And that's had a lot of injuries and been dealing with a lot of uh, issues throughout the year So won't be easy for those teams trying to play their way in These top four seeds, they're only separated by two games Who the hell wants the number one seed, Eric? Miami, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston The unfortunate news, though, uh, was for Boston You and I were talking a little bit about this Robert Williams, the big man for Boston He's going to be out four to six weeks And... Boston has been playing as well as any team in the NBA, but even with Robert Williams, they probably they probably wouldn't have had as much enough size to win. Things would have had to go perfect for them. Tatum would have had to carry them. Brown would have had to been great. They would have needed Grant Williams to hit threes. Even you know, even with the big man, they would have still been up against it. And now without him, their combination of big men is going to be Tice, Horford, and Grant Williams. I mean, what are you going to do if you match up, even where you are right now? Like, who's guarding Vucevic? Yeah. You know, Horford? Well, we saw yesterday. I mean, Lowry driving in, he didn't care about Horford underneath. I mean, if Williams is there, you have the shot-blocking ability of Williams that's going to alter your shot. And And that was a struggling Miami team. Miami came into that game not playing well and not really feeling good about themselves. 
Well, Miami's got some issues with Bob sure. and Spolstra. So, I mean, they're right. Like, they're they're done in my eyes. I mean, I no matter who they play first round, even if it's something funky like the Cavs, I'll probably bet the Cavs to win the series just because there's some undergrounding issues right there. And once you get the quote-unquote star of the team challenging the coach. To fight? <laughs> like, everything's over just because oh, yeah. if I'm – if I'm hero or like whoever, like, I'm just going to be like, you know, this guy, you know, this guy gets away with it. Why can't I get away with it? You know? And then, then you get the ripple down effect. That's why Paul and Williams work so well together is because Paul lets him coach and he respects him. And then everyone sees that and they follow suit. Yep. And the, for me, I, I think take and looking at that Miami Boston game, sort of where you were going, like, I, I take way more uh, out of that against Boston than I even do for Miami, right? Like I'm not yeah, yeah. I'm not so oh Miami's going to win it because they beat Boston here. I'm looking at it going, wow, Boston without Robert Williams, they struggled against a Miami team who'd been really struggling yeah. already. That that to me is just a major sign and now you, now you start to look around and like you said, it's funny because 2 weeks ago when Boston started playing really well, Cleveland was still a few games better Brooklyn It's not as if Brooklyn's been playing bad But their defense has problems And we sort of have this idea of The thing about Brooklyn is Their their ceiling is the highest, right? So in our head we can always say Well yeah, Brooklyn and Kyrie and Kevin Durant Are out there and they're they're firing at cylind- On high cylinders, like they're going to be the best But now all of a sudden it's this East that looked Two, three weeks ago like it was going to be Really, really tough with all these teams Now you look around and you go, okay, well, Miami, I mean, they've got some issues. Um, Boston, they're hurt. Cleveland, they're hurt. The Bulls can't beat any good teams, and they're hurt. Like They can't beat any of the top teams. And Philly, you know, and this is sort of what my point is, is that Philly wouldn't even be my most likely pick. But now look around the East, and if you take my, if you take Milwaukee out, Philly looks like they're in a decent they're in decent shape, right? That that's sort of my point is that it's so hard sometimes do I think Harden and Embiid are guys that I'd want to go to war with and battle with as my guys I trust? No, but if you're telling me that you know Philly ends up being the 2 or the 4 and maybe Philly ends up having a you know you get Philly against a Cleveland team that's banged up, they can beat them and then after that they play you know Miami or Toronto and if they're on the opposite side of Milwaukee, if Milwaukee and Philly aren't the two three, that to me that feels like your conference championship, like your conference final. Yeah, I mean, I with what happened after the game, I'm not high on this Philly team as all, and the issues I've said have been there with the lack of leadership even came out more. I mean, like right now, let's say the top five players in the NBA are James. Durant, like right now playing James Durant, um, Joker, Giannis, who's the fifth? Just Curry, maybe. Whoever. Curry, okay. I have never heard any of those guys on the podium after a game blaming a coach for a loss. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I didn't hear it, but that's what Embiid did. And with what happened with the whole Simmons thing last year in the playoffs, with him going on the podium and basically – taking like throwing the blame in a public forum that's the culture that's been created now in philly and that culture doesn't win in the nba so in my eyes philly is 
even with Harden and and Bede and how talented they are with the lack of leadership, like they aren't winning anything. See that that's where we differ in that. I'm not going to say I believe in Philly, but if you told me right now Philly was lined up against Miami, or if you told me that Philly was lined up against any team in the East besides Milwaukee, I'd pick Philly. That and, and so that's sort of the way. But I, I mean, I, like I, I look at it like this: like in the playoffs, there's going to be so much adjustments when you get like two, three games in. And you already have the tension there with Embiid throwing stuff in. If Rivers is like, dude, you got to do this because every time you spear, spin left, Hero's coming on the double team. So you got to go right or you got to hit Maxi, Curry, whoever in the corner. Um, Embiid like, just questions that. That's what I see happening because already the disconnect there is there and it's growing by the day. And I think I think because of the way that I grew up and what I watched, it this bothers me less because I lived through the Shaq and Kobe years. You know, so for me, I've seen people be a little bit upset with each other or maybe things not not needing to be 100% when really talented guys could win. And so I still sort of like when we I'm not as hard as Embiid uh on Embiid I think as I am on Harden in these situations because it when I look at Embiid, to me he just sort of feels like a kid. Like he just sort of feels like a big kid who hasn't really learned, and I don't know how much how much of that his fault that is. So I, th- I think what ends up happening is it's hard, right? Because we com- we can't we can't look at Embiid without comparing him to the guys around him, and when you do that, you compare Embiid to Joker, and then you compare him to Giannis. And the problem is, is that those two guys in particular are two of I mean, super outliers. Like they are two of the greatest players that's the, that we've ever seen in the NBA, and they're also like two really pretty good leaders and like really good dudes. And and just like so, Jokic may be a little different. <laughs> we saw what Jokic did with a couple times when he gets pissed off, but he seems like he's a cornball. You know, like he's not a bad dude. Like I don't think Jokic is out partying in the strip clubs with Harden. And that's the same thing with Giannis. Like Giannis is doing the dad, the corny dad jokes and stuff. So I think what ends up happening, I think for you in particular, because you're such a Giannis guy, and you're right, Giannis doesn't get talked about enough or as much as someone like Embiid. And it's because Giannis is a little bit more boring than Embiid is with the things that he says and the way that Embiid looks. So I think, I think sometimes maybe you or overall, I think we may be a little bit hard on Embiid the way he acts. Um, because I don't know if he know. Like, I think it's sort of hard to compare him to Giannis because Giannis is like one of the greatest teammates, players, human beings ever. The dude is just so like most people aren't like Giannis. There are more people in the NBA that are like the Harden types that party. I don't think Embiid is that way. And what I, for me, why I kind of like Embiid, um, at least is I feel like he's added to his game on the court. Uh, but I do agree with you in the sense of I don't know if all of those personalities can work because I think Embiid, like if you threw him with LeBron, let's just say, like if you flipped Embiid and Anthony Davis, you know, I think LeBron would get to Embiid and, and Embiid would listen and learn and take and he'd grow up a little bit. I, I just worry about like Embiid comes in and they're losing and they that's all he's known. He came immediately mm-hmm. in. How many games did he play at Kansas? Like 13? 15 he didn't play any He didn't and that's what's hard Is that like you say that about Embiid and you say well you know we can't expect All that much from him but then you look at Giannis And Giannis does all the things 
that I'm saying that you know, oh well, we can't hold Embiid. We can't expect that from Embiid. But but you see what I mean? It's sort of weird because he's not Giannis. I agree, but I feel like if Giannis wasn't here right now and we didn't have this other guy to compare him to, it, we would like him a little bit more. Because I don't. Embiid's not like a like a. He hasn't done anything like a like any sexual assault. He hasn't committed any crimes. He's just sort of like kind of a snossage. I don't think he knows I mean, how to act. You know. Um, I don't think but, anybody's I mean, taught him even, to be mature. Even if Giannis isn't there, my whole thing with like, and it started last year with like just the throwing the teammate underneath the bus, like what he did with Ben Simmons, and what he did yesterday, just like and and see to me saying, that's like, that's me, nobody like, you, telling yeah. him because I would come, you would win. tell me, you and me are buddies, right? And yeah. if you and we worked with each other now for a couple years to where if if I said something on one of my shows or you said something on one of my shows that was like. Bad or that was like uh, That wasn't good I would tell you But I would tell you after the show right I wouldn't embarrass you in the middle Of something I would say after Hey look man you that was bad Eric what were you doing right and if we were on the court I think you would do the same we would do the same thing You do the same thing to me I don't mind him Saying it I don't like him saying it publicly I agree with you and it does Feel like last year with the Simmons stuff And I do think it's It's that nobody's taken him and just Said dude you gotta learn he came in from another country And then all of a sudden it's like Oh yeah you're a great basketball player at Kansas Then you get hurt Then you come in you don't play for like two years Your team is trying to lose I wonder what's going on in his head And then all of a sudden you're good And now you're an MVP candidate um, I think as a coach If I were a coach and, and I know you are I would freaking love To have a chance to coach Joel Embiid and I would hate, I would never want to coach someone like James Harden. Because I think there are the things in Embiid that I like, I can get the positives out of him. And I think I could change his attitude. Like, I don't think you can change a work ethic. Like, somebody wants to work hard. See, I, I don't think Embiid would be here if he didn't want to work hard. Because the dude didn't wasn't even like a great basketball player. It wasn't even like he was some basketball prodigy. He was just a dude who had to work to play ball. He had to work to stay healthy. Three years ago, if we would have been like, ah, oh, Joel Embiid was Greg Odin, it would have been like, oh, yeah, I guess he just never got on the court. So he'll be one that he's not like a baker for us, but I like, I just don't think he's a bad dude. I think he just is, is like immature. He needs a dude like a Monty Williams, someone like that. Or if you put Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry with Joel Embiid, I think Let's put it this way The best Joel ever Embiid ever did Was when he had Jimmy Butler there with him And I don't even think Jimmy Butler is like a great player But it's the it's more of the attitude You know what I'm saying Eric Like they're not going to let Joel He needs someone who's not going to let him get away with shit Yeah That's what he needs Someone who's going to keep him accountable Whereas like Harden Because I think I think if, if Embiid was around someone that he respects He would listen to them Harden I don't Like Harden's just He rolls his I'm eyes just- does he does, thing. Yeah, he does that meme and he leaves. So we'll we'll have a lot of fun in the East because things are changing and shifting quite a bit now. Who wants that number one seed? Uh, one more team I wanted to mention because they've kind of been quietly flying under the radar too. You got Toronto. They're not going to be a fun team to play in a series, Eric. They're like they're long, they're lanky. They've got a lot of those wings that are switchable. They play really good defense. Late in the game, they might have trouble when it slows down getting a bucket or two. But they're sure as hell not going to let you just walk in there 
and and crush them. They're going to fight you, and they're not going to be an easy out in a playoff series. And like if, if they're a six right now, them against a three six against Philly and and Toronto would be a pretty fascinating matchup because Toronto could go really small there and make things difficult for Embiid. And also, it came out yesterday: the only two teams that in the Eastern Conference that are fully vaxxed are the Heat and the Bucks. So that means there's going to be players from the Sixers, the Celtics, Celtics, Bulls, whoever that can't play in Toronto, Toronto, can't play in Toronto. That's like whoever can't play in Toronto. So that's something like, and we don't know that because of the health stuff. They obviously can't announce your vaccination status unless you make it public. But we, the, none, the Heat and the Bucks are the only two teams that said, hey, all our players are fully vaxxed. So that's something to monitor. Um, but you're right. The team's playing great. And Siakam and Nurse, whatever issue they have, seems to be buried because Siakam mm-hmm. has been playing some great ball over the last five to six games. Yep. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're tied for the five spot with the Bulls. That's over in the Eastern Conference. We head out west. So here's my question for you. And I say this as a Lakers fan. When you look at the play-in in the east, it makes sense to me. Because even the, the 10th seed, the Hawks, they're over 500. And those... Those last three teams, they're all separated by one game. So we could say it makes sense for all of these teams that are close at the bottom to to have a way to play in. Like looking at the West, why should New Orleans or the Lakers or the Spurs even have a chance? Yeah. I mean, it's just it, the, these teams are the, they're 10 to 15 games under 500. The West is weak this year. And, they're not, um, it's they're just, not deserving if the Lakers. Get a chance to get the plane and play Like I said, I'm going to root for them I'm always going to I hope they win I'll hope and I'll You know They don't deserve to be in a play-in game This year If I were a top team Like if I were Phoenix or Memphis And the Lakers Were to win a play-in game And then Anthony Davis is back And now all of a sudden You have to play against them in a series I'm not saying they would win But I'd be pissed off if I was the top team Like this team was under They were bad The Lakers have been yeah. bad They don't deserve Even the Spurs The Spurs have been bad The Pelicans They were bad I think they started the year Like 1-11 1-12 These teams haven't been good I, It's fun It's fun right now That I still care about Some of these games For the Lakers I'm sitting here last night As a Laker fan Watching the Spurs Memphis game And rooting against the Spurs because now the Spurs lost, so the Lakers have jumped back into the tenth spot. What the hell am I doing, Eric? I mean, but it's what the play-in was supposed to create. You no, know? you're right. I mean, it is. You got it teams, is. You got drama. You got people watching. But I mean, I guess my question to you is, what's least embarrassing for LeBron not making the play-in tournament? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, what's the narrative? Because LeBron is like so conscious of his public image. Like, what makes him save face most? Not making the play-in. Making the play in and losing, or making the play in and then getting swept by the Suns. Yeah, you know, see, like, I think he—he's you know I mean? his numbers amazing. this year. Just, I think, just in his head and like his numbers this year have been good enough to where I don't think he's going to be like legacy wise. I don't think he's going to be embarrassed about this year. I think more than anything, he'll sort of use it as the chip to motivate him for next year, which is what a lot of the great guys do. The, the Jordans and those guys—they find the motivating uh, the way to motivate him. I mean, honestly. I would have the the thing that I guess bothers me as a Laker fan is I'm I'm thinking of like like this was just a year that was a shit year from the moment they traded for Westbrook we've talked about it on this show it was not going to work I don't think we thought it would be this bad I don't think anybody thought they would be this bad but I don't think 
We thought they would be a top tier I thought they'd be like you know maybe a five or six In the west and then they would struggle When they got into the playoffs against good teams I thought they'd still be able to beat The bet- the bad teams And it you know from the combination Of Westbrook to AD getting hurt To LeBron getting hurt to the uh, the I mean Caruso instead of THT You know Taylor Horton Tucker has not taken Any step forward at all this year That was someone who was a big asset This was a guy who was helping the Lakers In playoff moments last year This guy has done nothing Nothing hell the Lakers signed Kendrick Nunn to be their sixth man They paid him one of the few Actual contracts they could pay anyone Other than minimums The guy hasn't played one game I, I, I think that this is one of those years where you just put a line through it And I'm concerned now because What is this doing to LeBron Physically Every time he hurts his knee or he hurts his ankle And he tries to ramp it back up Like why are you doing it? What's it for? You're going you're gonna to ramp all the way back up To get either a 9 or a 10 spot Then you're going to have to win two games in a row The Lakers haven't won back to back games They have not won two games in a row since January Literally two in a row So then you're going to have to win two in a row And then go play a series against Phoenix Who has looked like the best team All year long in basketball And they're completely healthy now with Chris Paul Coming back like why do you Why do you do that to LeBron Like what's the point Normally I would you would have shut him down If there was no play-in but Because there is he feel and the Lakers are in The play-in spot he they feel Like they have to go for it and Now they're going to bring Anthony Davis back And that's I'm worried about the same freaking Thing Eric this is what happened last year the Lakers brought Anthony Davis back They kind of hustled him up to get him back The last week to two weeks And then he got hurt in the middle Of the playoff series they were beating the Suns Two to one and he got hurt I don't I, As a fan and I think <clears throat> You asked me about the AD uh, rumors And like should we trade and I, I want to talk a little bit about that Too I think one of the worst things you Can do as a fan as an organization Anytime you're running something is like You make a mistake Don't double down with another mistake Sometimes you just make the mistake and you just got to say App this year was screwed and like Let's just punt and move to next year If you start Like what if LeBron gets hurt right now And what if AD gets hurt right now And now you got both of these guys hurt And you're worried about what are the start of next year Then you're really screwed The only chance that this team has moving forward Is those two guys And there's not like a group anymore It, It used to be LeBron, AD, Caruso, Kuzma, and KCP And that was a fine little nucleus You got five guys there, you got a big You got a couple wings, you got your score Like everyone's kind of got their roles Right now it's just LeBron And AD, everybody else Could be gone next year I mean I look at it like this, like what is LeBron's Window, two, three at the most Yeah, two, two I'd say two, yeah So you have a two year window To do something Um the Wessel, the the Westbrook trade has happened. You know, you can't like go back and redo it. You need to try to do something. No, you got to move forward. You got to yeah. you got to have like some sort of plan to get something going. Um, so this is my suggestion, and just hear me out, okay? Before you say no, and tell me if this team would be better next year compared to what they have this year, okay? You trade Westbrook. He's been long rumored to be traded to the the Knicks because the Knicks want like a showcase guy. They want a one on one guy. So you trade Westbrook to the Knicks. You get back um, Evan Fournier and Julius Randle. Okay, 
So now you have Fournier off the bench. You got Randall, who's a good guy, but he can't be the one. Okay. And then you trade AD and Horton to the Hawks, and you get back Collins, Hunter, and Bogey. So now you have nothing but athletic wings, and you got two bigs that can play down low, but also stretch the floor with the way the NBA is played in Collins and Randall. They're and better Randall willing to be, be the center. Well, they're better this year. The only problem is that team won't win a title and they just don't have enough shooting either. I don't think that's the only, that's the only problem, but you're right. They're better than they would be this year for sure. No doubt about it. They would be, they would be like a top four right right now. That same group of players would probably be like a fourth seed, but I don't think mm-hmm. they could beat a good team in a playoff series. Um, my my issue is with is like with AD. I was kind of going going through it with you. I think he gets, you know, if you're for me, I'm a Laker fan, and so what I know of Anthony Davis is the the three Laker seasons. That that's what I know about him, and uh, so I know that coming into AD's career or AD's like over overall, I had always heard ah, Anthony Davis can't stay on the court. Anthony Davis can't stay on the court. So we, before the Lakers were going to trade for him, I kept looking at it. I was like, ah, you know, I'm, I want to dive into this a little bit more. So 2000 AD started in 2013. So he played 64 games, 67, 68, 61, 75, 75. He didn't even miss. He missed 20 games one time in his first seven years. The two seasons before he played for the Lakers, he only missed a total of Six, seven games in those And a few of them were at the end of the year When they were sitting out Now in the season right before he came to the Lakers He played 56 games And he missed the 25 Because they sat him out He wasn't hurt They just didn't want him to get hurt Before they traded him Then they traded him to the Lakers He played um, the 62 games for the Lakers In the shortened season I think he missed six But it wasn't like yeah. he had any major injury They were kind of sitting him That's in and like out That's like the norm though like Yeah Six is like the norm six, Yeah, for like anyone And then he plays every game in the playoffs They win in their run through the bubble And then what ends up happening At that point, everybody's talking about Anthony Davis Like he might be the second or third best player in the league Because his playoff run was incredible And on both sides of the ball I think what people forget is So that the the, And I agree with you When we talk about the bubble But I think some of the things Like there are major positives and major negatives And so I think it all evens out Because some teams we're never going to operate well in the bubble because they didn't have the kind of leadership. But then on the flip side, like the Lakers, they've had to pay the bubble tax. That's what we've called it as a Laker fans for a while because games end in October. They tell the the NBA tells the league we're going to start at the end of January. So a lot of these guys are like, oh, cool, we got a little bit of time. You know, we'll start ramping back up. All of a sudden, the meetings happen, and then it's now it's like. Early December and they go oh yeah by the way We have to play on Christmas day or else we're Going to lose millions and millions of dollars So we're not starting at the end of January We're starting in a month three weeks And the Lakers had just finished playing four Weeks ago so I I think They tried to ramp back up That was a brutal year AD got hurt LeBron got hurt Hell the Lakers played their asses Off without those guys All they like they played great Caruso Kuzma KCP they played their butts off They played great defense without them and then what happens is Anthony Davis tries to get back for the playoffs. He comes back probably a little bit earlier than he should have. Lakers are up two games to one. AD gets hurt. They lose. Then, you know, he ends up hurt last year. So what do you do? Well, I'm going to bulk up. I don't want to have, I don't want to get hurt. 
And he bulked up this year and then he was just too big I think for me like The way that we handicap games and the way I handicap Races I like going through Game by game or year by year or race By race and when I I dive into AD I go oh yeah it makes sense To me why he was banged up The the major Point that I agree with you on Is just you can I don't care if you get pennies On the dollar for Russell Westbrook Or if it is I myself wouldn't make the AD trade But if there is something out there That's good That you look at and you go we have to do it right now This team cannot come back With LeBron, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook Those three guys They can't They just don't They can't They don't fit Yeah they definitely need to make a move Because you know The the window is closing Um, You know But I I mean I'm looking at I mean how many games How how many games were in the season last year 70 something Yeah in the short 70 so like last year So I mean last year he played 36 And and so last year I'm com- you know but see that's the thing I'm I'm willing to say last year the only reason why he played 36 is because they started the season a month earlier than he was ready for you know he wasn't ramping up and the only and if you look at like all of the Lakers that had to to play in that shortened uh the, the quick turnaround they all got hurt Caruso Kuzma KCP all the guys that played deep in the bubble They all got hurt the next year Even LeBron and the only one Who like LeBron's a freaking maniac That's the thing it's hard to compare like Poor Anthony Davis What we can say about him Is his body's sort of fragile And I think it's because of the way he grew The guy was a guard when he was a junior In in high school and he shot up like Six inches in one year So his body's kind of gangly And he had never played a deep playoff run And then he's got to come back on a quick turnaround So I I wish As a Laker fan I wish Anthony Davis wasn't getting ramped up Right now I would have loved to see him And LeBron not having to get ramped Up to come back for this and then just Start next year Fresh and say hey look yeah. We've had three years together and we won In one of them I'll take that I'll take that mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna give me Three seasons and we win a title in one of them That's fine um but I can completely agree with your point in that I cannot as a fan sit here with three with these three guys coming back. I just don't know if you're you're trading Anthony Davis right now is trading him and you're going to get back what you should get from him for, get back from him. That would be my only concern is that both the all the Lakers stars right now like their assets are are shitty. Like what are you going to give up for what who's going to give the Lakers a lot for Westbrook or THT right now? Yeah, I mean maybe like the only team that comes to mind is the Knicks. Yeah, because I mean, the Knicks. That's it. That, that's it. I mean, like right? you can get maybe like a D Rose and a Fournier or a Randall and a Fournier, but Randall and Davis, they won't work together. And like, and LeBron you even. Move. You know, it's sort of like because LeBron and Julius want the ball both. Like Julius is a really high usage player, and I like Julius a lot. I just don't. Yeah, from like a fit standpoint, we're kind of back to where we were, where we're like, oh, cool, we got a couple of good players, but none of them shoot well. Fournier you know. though, Fournier would be, Fournier would be a good fit. He'd, yeah, Fournier be he would be great for you guys. He would be I mean, a per, that, like a great that's fit. That's the type of player. Hundred percent. And her, Herder and um and another guy um uh from Atlanta that you were mentioning. Like those are the types of guys Hunter, the Lakers like, need. Those are the Hunter, guys like you the need. wings, like, the wings yeah. and the shooting guards that can shoot. They need a bunch of twos and threes. The Lakers do. Like guards or, that can shoot that you know can shoot. And wings that are like versatile wings that can play defense and guard, you know, threes and fours. Like that's they're, so they're maybe like you throw in like 
because you guys do need a big. Go to Atlanta, and Atlanta throws in what's his face, Capella. Oconwu, you, the big, you get, you get, like, Capella. Like, like, yeah, you know they got to put a couple big men. I mean, like the Suns, they haven't extended a ton. They, like yeah. uh, the may, like you throw in um, him, Bridges, Cam Johnson for Davis, something like that. But I doubt the Lakers would trade him in the West. I think if yeah, they trade too. AD, they definitely ship him out East. I agree. I think so too. So we're talking about the bottom of the West right now. We've got the uh, the Lakers who have now jumped back up into the 10. The Spurs are a half game behind the Lakers. They lost on Wednesday night. And uh, the Pelicans have won two straight as the Lakers have lost three in a row. So now the Pelicans have jumped up to the nine spot. They're a game and a half in front of the Lakers. And the Lakers have a brutal schedule. They've got at Utah, although Utah's really struggling. We're going to talk about them in a minute. Uh, at Utah, Pelicans, Denver, Phoenix, Golden State, OKC at Denver. I mean, they could lose every one of those games, honestly. Every one. And- oh, yeah, for sure. And then the nice thing about the – not for you, though, but the Pelicans have a nice little uh, nice little schedule. To Easy add, schedule. Easy yeah. schedule for the Pellies. And the uh, Lakers, we don't know with LeBron. We don't know with AD. And it's funny, the only easy game that's on their schedule is Oklahoma City, who beat them twice this year. <laughs> yeah. Even with it. So the um the let's go back up to the top of the West. So the top three in the West, they're all playing really well right now. They just keep winning. Phoenix, man. They've won nine in a row. CP3 is back. He's played three games now. He played 33 minutes on Wednesday. So from a health perspective, you know, Phoenix looks really good. Yeah. I mean, if they can stay healthy, it's theirs. Yep. But Especially in the West. Thing. Especially in the West. It doesn't seem like like everyone around them, we have major questions about. But, and I don't know if you saw it. Like the Draymond in the past, he would run his mouth. Nothing would bother him. Nothing yeah. at all. At the end of the game against the um, Suns, he physically walked over and got in Crowder's face. So obviously whatever Crowder was saying to him during the game got underneath Draymond Green's skin so much, he felt the need to go after him after the game. And just get in his face. So, I mean, that definitely speaks a lot to me about the situation for the Warriors. And the Warriors are in a free fall. They're down to four right now. They've lost four in a row. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Steph's health. Clay was just one for 10 from three point range. They got 38 points from Poole, but they lost because they only got a combined 21 from Clay and Draymond. Draymond's not a scorer, but when, when Steph's not there, you need Draymond to be able to pick up the slack a little bit and know that, okay, I got to get like 15 points tonight without Curry around. You can't have Clay and Draymond with a combined 20 points and losing out on a 38-point effort from Poole. I mean, the four and the the six, you've got the the, the Jazz who've lost four in a row, five in a row. They're, they've dropped all the way from the three to the six. I mean, it looked like the Warriors in Utah were the strong number two and three seeds for a lot of this year. They are playing really bad, Eric, at a bad time. Yeah, I mean, and then you got Mitchell after the game with um, losing to the Clippers, saying it's the same stuff again. Um, you know, you mentioned the issues with the Warriors. They're just not getting enough production. I mean, the fact Clay's even out there is remarkable. And, I mean, I think we need to kind of taper our expectation for him with his legs and everything. Um, they definitely need Curry back. Utah's got some major issues. It wouldn't maybe – I mean, I doubt it happens, but what Mitchell and Mitchell straight up for Davis? I don't know. Like, I mean, I see yeah, that was me that would be one. Mitchell is still in Utah. At me neither. Next year. 
It would not but shock me. Mitchell and Gobert, one of those guys is getting traded, and it feels like Mitchell is the guy who would maybe force his way out a little yeah. bit more. Hey, Eric, I got to mention this, man. Memphis has won six in a row. They are 19-2 and two without Jaw this year. That and that's going to cost That's going to cost them the MVP. I know, because of that. You know, um, I mean, they're playing great. Their coach has them completely locked in. Um, and But it just kind of shows, like, when you get these young teams and they get in a playoff series and they compete and they win a game in a playoff series, the next step they make the next year is a huge step. So, that, I mean, that's why for the future market, if, like, Cleveland gets in and they win – a game or two against whoever in the series, it's going to be, it's going to be huge for them. So we got to remember that going next year when we cap ourselves for the futures. Shout out to my boy, former Trojan D'Anthony Melton, his last eight games in uh, playing extra minutes with jaw out 17.8 points per game. He's shooting 56% from the field. He's actually shooting better from three 57.4% from three on 7.6 attempts a game. Shout out to Melton. Who is just yeah, he's playing great. It up I mean, right now. Whew. He's playing uh, good. And the scary thing about Memphis, when you really think about it, is we're probably like a year, a year and a half away from Jackson, Josh Jackson realizing his potential. The yeah. kid from Michigan State. He, I mean, he like, missed he still, a lot of the year last yeah, year, he, and he's this year just starting to get back into flow. Yeah, once he comes in and you got him and Morant, and when you throw in all those other guys like Bain and um Dylan Brooks. I mean that that's a scary ass team. Like that is a scary team moving forward. They definitely got something going on in Memphis. But I hope like the NBA cuz the NBA never really embraces the small market teams. Like I'm going to be upset next year if Memphis isn't on isn't, isn't national TV. A Christmas, a Christmas Day game. They better be on like, a lot more TNT nights, yeah. ESPN well, nights. A, I mean with what they have, they should definitely be playing on Christmas Day next year. Completely agree. Number three right now is Dallas, man. They're 19 and uh, six in their last 25. And the thing about Dallas last year, Eric, you know, Luca could carry them the last couple of years. You'd think, yeah, maybe Luca could just have a monster game, but they're awful defensively. Last year, they were one of the worst defensive teams like in the last 10 years. This year, they're awesome defensively. They're number they're four in defensive team. rating. They're number two in defensive rating in March. They have a better defensive rating than Boston and Milwaukee this year. Yeah. Shout out to Jason Kidd, man. He's getting them to buy in on the defensive end. Yeah, they're playing great. Dean is definitely showing. Um, you know, they got a couple people that can make some plays and everything on the wings. I really feel like the trade from Dimwitty is taking some pressure off of uh, Luca to close games because you got someone else that can kind of play and. I mean, Jalen Brunson is like the perfect teammate for him. He's a point guard. He just doesn't, you know what I mean? He's he's not flashy. His dad used to was a role player in the league. He knows his role, and he just kind of does his thing. I mean, Brunson is a great teammate to have along Luka to start the game. Denver, Utah, battling for those five, six spots. We talked about Utah. Denver, unfortunately, is done. I, mean, I know. They just. They're I tired. Mean, they're tired. Uh, Porter had another relapse. Um and, Murray doesn't uh, look like he's going to be back. They yeah, said that he's still far away. Yeah, unfortunately, they're done. So, I mean, you know, they're they're just, I mean, they may win a series. But, I mean, for them to be in this position, when you really think about it. And you look at who really, they have on the court. Yeah, who how truly good. Jokic uh, is. Jokic. And, and Eric, I know we got we to gotta get out of here because uh, we got to let you go. But the final thing I wanted to ask you about are the, uh, the two teams in the 7 and 8 spot. You got the T-Wolves. They will likely host a play-in game right now. 
I don't think they're going to make up three games in the last five uh, on Denver or Utah, but they've lost two in a row. It could suck for the T Wolves because they could have to play the Clippers with PG and maybe the Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron. Could you imagine feeling like you maybe had a chance to get a series and then now all of a sudden you're 43 and 34, you're going to be 10 games over 500, and you could end up having to play a Clippers with PG, who was awesome the other night. And maybe the Lakers with LeBron and AD, that would be a, a brutal, a brutal way it's to just, finish your season if you were the team. It's just tough. And I mean, that's another team. That's another team that's young. And like I said, you know, that's like Cleveland and the other yeah. side, right? Yep. For them the just to get a series would be so huge. Yep. And then you see the the stuff that Davis and Towns would make once they just get in a playoff series would be huge. So hopefully they can get in, but it's going to be really tough for them. Eric, my man, thank you so much for helping out in the middle of your day. Uh, I have to go uh, to Dallas this weekend to party it up. So you helped me. And for anyone who wants to hear a little more, we're going to be talking some WrestleMania on your podcast this weekend. So we'll preview some wrestling there. And uh, we also have our Cutting Nets uh, Final Four previews that, uh, that'll be fl- uh, playing on Saturday morning also. So thank you so much, buddy. I know you got to get back to work. I really appreciate your, uh, your helping out in the middle of the day. Uh, no problem, man. Talk, talk to you later. Okay, that's uh, our good friend Eric Etoff21. Make sure to uh, give him a follow there and don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more on this episode. So, you want to set the mood? You're looking for something all natural. Soy wax, non toxic, baby. Scents for every season. Now, don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm -hmm. Don't forget about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. The website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right kind of vendors if you're looking for a home improvement, landscapers, painters, gardeners, people that she's worked with and has experience with in her own homes. And if you need help with a loan, she can connect you with the right kind of lenders to help get you pre-approved. Check out that website, cindycarava.com. It's got all of the listings that she has available. You can find out more about her on Yelp and Zillow with reviews from some of the people that she's worked with. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. Cindy Carava, someone I've known for over a decade. She's going to make your life so much easier. It's going to be less stress. She's going to check off a lot of the boxes for you. If you need anything in the world of real estate, cindycarava.com. Time to talk some Marvel. We head back into the MCU. Spider-Man No Way Home is out on digital. So I'm sure many of you have watched that at home. And uh, we've had plenty of time to rewatch, to recap. So it's our deep dive with Tim Kelly. And uh, in the next few weeks, we'll have Moon Knight as we start diving in to the weekly recaps for Moon Knight. Right now, Spider-Man No Way Home. Spoiler alert. We get into everything in this massive recap and review. After a little bit of a hiatus, we are back talking Marvel, talking MCU here on That's What G Said Podcast. We're going to recap and do our deep dive on Spider-Man No Way Home. I guess it's it's kind of a lie because I just watched this movie in my home, TK, Tim Kelly. I miss you, buddy. It's been a while. Uh, We were talking every week. We had so much going on in the world of Marvel. And then for a a bit now, there's been a little bit of a a respite, but we have... 
Spider-Man mm-hmm. that just came out on digital And I'm actually glad we waited Because the way that we talk about movies and stuff I need to be able to watch them a few different times Pause, yes. stop, all that stuff It's really hard if you just go and watch it once or twice in the movie To be able to really, really dive in And, and now I've seen this movie a bunch of times yeah, I've seen it at least three times now, uh, at least two times in the theater and uh, one time at home. And uh, I, I've gone back and forth on it, you know, uh, the, the whole time. The, my first experience with it was, was incredible, like the, the audience experience uh, blew me away. Uh, but there were some flaws to it. And I've, I'm kind of mixed on this movie, although it's something that I truly love. And I'm so excited to be back here, you know, talking with you about it. Uh, the floodgates are opening again. we got Moon Knight just around the corner. And uh, yeah, we, we, we've got a deluge of uh, of Marvel properties coming our way to talk about. So I'm really excited. There's also a, a huge shift in the discourse, I think, over this movie. Uh, so it makes it a great uh, opportunity right now to talk about it because people have had, you know, different waves of fandom, you know, embracing this movie. There's been backlash against it. There's been uh, a little bit of a Twitter hate against it recently uh, compared to the Batman, which I I think it's somewhat unfounded, somewhat, um, you know, reasonable. But I uh, can't wait to talk to you about that today. We uh, we have, I think, a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it is worth yeah. talking about the, like, the time when this came out. This came out in December. And this mm-hmm. was one of the first getting people back to the movie movies from the COVID era that we've been in over the last couple of years. There weren't a lot of movie-going experiences. Heck, Marvel didn't release anything for about a year and a half. And some of the yeah. things they did start to release were on Disney Plus. So this was one of those first movies back in the viewing experience. I'm gonna remember <clears throat> forever. I think some of the moments in this movie and what it was like yeah. being in the theater, you know, experiencing that with people. When hey, spoiler alert, we're gonna talk about everything. Like when uh, <laughs> Gar- Andrew Garfield pops up. I mean, the moment that he walks through incredible. the portal, it was incredible. It's a goosebumps yeah. moment. Just. Continuing to think about it right now When Doc Ock shows up You know and you see him there And and it's like oh no how about even right away Early on when uh, Charlie Cox Matt Murdock shows up Yeah and it's like, honestly, okay, that, that we're, we're going the movie for me. That we're was going maybe here. one of my favorite parts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to do this now. We're going to do this because this was right yeah. around when Hawkeye was happening. So this was our entrance into oh wow the Netflix Marvel characters are going to be part of this world And now those shows have been brought over Onto Disney Plus and we know we're going to Get a lot of crossover with them So there were a lot of things That this movie did And it makes you you, you do many things Right it makes you sort of laugh it makes you cry It makes you think like you were saying You kind of Mm -hmm. start to put two and two together Does that make sense I don't know if that makes sense You know you start adding some things up in your head A little bit but um, One Constant that we've talked about With all of these movies And shows that we've recapped And I think one of our gripes with maybe A movie like Eternals Or some of the things that we haven't loved As much is that Didn't feel like they had the moments This movie I think whether you you Liked it or whether you weren't as high on it It has those moments There are so there are a lot of those Moments that when you think about great Marvel MCU moments you can make a, yeah. a nice list of like five at least from this movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll name one right now. I loved how the Spidey sense was used throughout this movie. There's a number of Spidey sense moments in this movie that really uh, 
just blew me away. And uh, those are, I think, the ones that don't get the most uh, attention. But beyond that, there's those huge, you know, crowd, uh, you know, bursting into uh, applause moments. Uh, like like you mentioned, when Andrew Garfield shows up on screen, totally uh, unexpected, um, unless you've been, you know, following late night TV and all the interviews and the clips going around and everything for a few months. But, uh, you know, it, it just blew me away uh, on several different levels. This This is a movie that is packed full of those moments you mentioned. And man, the three Spideys, like yeah. you say, we all knew it was coming when the multiverse mm-hmm. had been something that was discussed and yeah. and everybody had heard the rumors and stuff. But I guess for me, I thought that we would get maybe like a scene, these guys together mm-hmm. for like a couple minutes. These three dudes are on screen for almost like an hour together. It's yeah. a lot. And they... I just thought the chemistry with the three of them, I really loved. And some of my favorite mm. moments were when it's just like he's cracking his back, right? You like the, yes. the real, like the real, real low level stuff between the three Spider Men. The conversations Absolutely. that they have that only they could share stuff with each other, how they're just marveled that the Toby Spider Man could shoot the webs out. And they're just like, right. and you know, Andrew Garfield keeps looking. How does that even happen? You know, and he's, yeah. he, I got to say, he, he maybe stole the movie for me, Andrew Garfield. He, um, he and yeah. it, it, they do, this is the, this is one of the things that um, the, all of the team in charge of Marvel right now, the MCU and Star Wars does a really good job with this too, is you could tell with particular characters, they go in and they go. We want to make this a little bit of a reclamation project for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think when people talk about spider man and the Spider-Man movies and when they ranked them and stacked them, I don't think it was as if people thought Andrew Garfield was a bad Spider-Man or that, mm-hmm. you know, his I think his second movie wasn't very good. But I, I don't think they thought that his movies were awful. But you just kind of compared right. them. It was like, oh, Toby was sort of the original one for a lot of people in our generation. And then you've got, yeah. you know, Tom Holland, who's been more of the Spider-Man in a bigger sense, and he's played it more times. And so he he always ends up being the, the last one that you talk about. And they played mm-hmm. into that. They made a joke of it. And it felt yeah. it just felt really fun. Like I came out of this like I want to see more Andrew Garfield Spider-Man now. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if that was what they intended to do when they brought him back in here, uh, but I believe there is a real demand right now to see him back uh, in, in, in the suit in Amazing Spider-Man 3. You see it online, a lot of people pushing for it. Uh, there seems to be the context to allow for it right now with what Sony's doing with the um, with their you know Sony Spider-Verse. That they had this plan for a long time. They wanted to do it way back uh, with Andrew initially. And have him, you know, battle out uh, against the, the the Sinister Six, uh, but it seems like we're getting around to that right now. And uh, there's the Morbius movie coming out on uh, April first. Rumor has it that that has a multiverse um, post credit scene, and uh, I believe the director of that just confirmed that that movie takes place within the same universe as Venom. So. Theoretically, if there is a Spider-Man in that universe, and he also confirmed that there is, uh, we know that Venom was already covered in the Sam Raimi movies uh, with Topher Grace. We know that uh, 
we we know that it can't be the Tom Holland Spider-Man. So theoretically, this Morbius and Venom universe might be the same universe that Andrew Garfield occupies. So I think there's a real case for making this movie and it could be in the pipeline. I like it. I like it. Um the they had to do a lot of things and as you mentioned, we'll get into our 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 deep dive and we'll go through the movie. I think they did a lot of them right and it was the movie was coming off of uh, being in a weird spot, right? It was coming off of Eternals, which mm-hmm. for Marvel and MCU stuff, that didn't get very well received. And I, I agree with you. I, yeah. I think I think like anything, the more people watch this Spider-Man movie now that it's out on digital and people can watch it at home, people seem like they're critiquing it a little bit more than they were initially where everyone was just yeah. like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This is so cool. But mm-hmm. it's not at all. Received like Eternals was And I think this movie needed to be pretty good Because We started to get worried about All of the content coming out now And we're moving in a different direction We're sort of heading out and away from These like major Major characters Um, Mm -hmm. You know the Iron Mans And the Captain Americas and the guys that carried This this era So this movie felt like it needed to be At least pretty good And so I think it, this was a good like okay mm-hmm. we can pat ourselves on the back again now we we did a good job here yeah and now i go out on a limb and say this is a great marvel movie um and and a great movie uh it does have its flaws and it, it does have um reason for people to kind of you know screenshot it and be like what the hell's going on here what's with all this blue screen why doesn't this look better for you know a 300 million dollar movie or whatever they spent on it um but at the same time there's other shots in it which just blow me away um, it's almost bipolar in that way. I, I've been thinking a lot about it, um, and I think that's just a consequence of, A, the times we live in, uh, the COVID context of the, the making of this film. There was limitations on that. B, this, the Marvel pipeline, the sort of uh, factory filmmaking that they're doing, the changing constantly the the pre-prep isn't all there because this train is constantly moving. So a lot of times it seems like what they're doing is – they're, they have a plan and they kind of scrap it in the middle uh, and, and just have guys in post fix it. And it looks like that on screen sometimes. So that's that's the real downside, I think, to this movie. And I think that's one of the key things that that uh, fans are, are sort of keying in on and saying uh, this is the big flaw here. Uh, that being said, like you mentioned earlier, this movie's just packed full of moments, visual moments gags uh great story beats callbacks to other franchises and to uh, moments earlier within this this franchise yeah it does so many things so 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 well that you can absolutely forgive those negative things about it um Mm -hmm. that said i i don't want to forget those things no I, i would love for marvel to correct them they have more money than god uh and they can do this thing right um but you know that I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. This was a really fun experience for me. I'm going to watch this movie for for years to come and and discover things that I love about it and, uh, moving forward. So and it, in the rewatches, those mm-hmm. moments still feel momenty. You know, like when you <laughs> watch them again, you still get those feels. Yeah. Like I when I watched them back a couple times now, and uh, yeah, that um there's a few that are just awesome and the the, the bringing you know doc ock norman osborn green goblin lizard yeah. dr connor's um electro max sandman bringing all mm-hmm. of them back and 
all of them the way they were portrayed i i loved i thought they all were yeah. given good moments they all had scenes where they were able to to kind of shine and they were yeah. they were taught they were tossbacks to their movies their worlds their universes this is something that couldn't have been done without the successes of movies like infinity war and endgame so it was a build on those but mm. then it was way different because yeah this isn't just going through the MCU this is going through like the Sony mm. Spider-Man and yeah. different completely different directors and actors and people that they this group hasn't worked with it's one thing when the people from you know Captain America and then they do you know they're crossing over a little bit into Black Panther or to this next movie and a lot of these people are the same people on the cruise right they've worked through a lot of the mm-hmm. same stuff we're talking about dealing with movies and storylines and actors and stuff from 10 15 20 years ago yeah there there's no continuity there in in terms of like who made these films really uh, but they had to find the continuity, you know, on screen and and blend it together seamlessly. And I think they did an incredible job of that. I had a a concern that it would feel awkward. I didn't know how they were going to do it, but they were able to just add little touches of, you know, um, they were able to keep the 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 suits that the the initial Spideys all had in their movies, or at least you know close approximations to them that tied them to that world. They were able to use music cues from those films to kind of um, cue us into those uh, to that world again and remind us of that. And they even did little touches like how the Spider-Men moved relative to each other, that their signature poses, you know, uh, to quote Black Widow there, um, they, they were posers. Uh, but they all did their, you know, their <laughs> moves from the previous films that were, you know, so it, it felt very uh, coherent and cohesive, uh, for the you know all the films together, and it, I, I love just how it's created a new life for those previous films. It's made them relevant again. They're able to sell them and market them, you know, in box sets and call them the like the legacy edition or something like that. So they can look at all these characters uh, and give them new life and and new audiences, uh, and then build upon that. It, it's really really cool. Uh, it's not erasure. It's inclusion in a really great way. Uh, so you have multiple generations of not just, you know, characters, but the fans who appreciated those characters coming together uh, to enjoy something new. So I think that's a beautiful thing. Let's jump into it. We've got a lot to talk about and we're going to yeah. hit on many more things, I'm sure, in our deep dive as we get into Spider-Man No Way Home. And they picked this thing up right where we left off in Far From Home, TK. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just immediately where... The reporter, uh, the NY1 reporter, is telling us that uh, ab- last week's attack in London, an anonymous source provided a video that shows Quentin Beck, aka Mysterio, moments before his death. And it's uh, it's the video of Beck, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, who talks about how Spider-Man attacked him, and he's the, he has an army of weaponized drones of Stark technology. So he spun this whole thing to make it look like Spider-Man was the bad guy. This was what happened at the very end of Far From Home. And yeah. so they they just pick up the footage exactly there. J. Jonah Jameson lets us know. There you have it, folks. Conclusive proof that Spider-Man was responsible for the brutal murder of Mysterio. And uh, Mysterio, who will no doubt go down as the greatest superhero of all time. <laughs> and that's not all, folks. 
Uh, <laughs> brace yourself. You might want to sit down. Spider-Man real name is Peter Parker. And so they show uh, Quentin Beck, who has let everybody know that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. So the world knows. And now everybody who's closest to Spider-Man has been put in a precarious situation because as MJ looks up, people around her all of a sudden notice that, oh, wait, that was Spider-Man's girlfriend. And like when you have a big celebrity around, everyone wants a piece of her. Everyone wants to ask her questions. What's going on? What's this? What's that? What's that? She gets overwhelmed and Peter has to kind of come in and and save the day. So we get action right off the bat. In this movie, TK, we see them swinging around MJ doesn't like being swung And it's sort of like a a frenetic pace to start Where the whole city is like, oh my gosh We just, we know who Spider-Man is And it's very funny because it reminds me a little bit Of the political climate that we're in right now Where it's like, half of the people seem like they love him And that they're on the Spider-Man side And then the other half are like Oh, screw Spider-Man! Hey, he's a murderer! Like they're—they took our right. job, you know. They're like screaming like at it. It's just—it's really funny to see how divided people are. But it just reminds me of how the world is right now. Yeah, it's just very true to life in that. And I, I love this opening right here. Uh, be- beginning with Mysterio. Not not only does it you know pick up right where it left off, so it feels like uh, you're coming out of the gate hot. Um, but it, it also nods to the multiverse thing. If we look back to the previous Spider-Man film, Mysterio was pretending to be this multiverse hero. So it's kind of introducing that concept into the world. Uh, and it also had um, J. Jonah Jameson, not just J. Jonah J- Jameson, but the J. Jonah Jameson that we knew from the Sam Raimi film. So again, just nodding to that idea of the multiverse and the interconnectivity of, you know, different worlds uh, out there. I love the the subtle ways that they do that throughout the, uh, throughout this film. And even, you know, previous films, Marvel, and I've said this before, they've been, you know, just dropping little, they've been sprinkling little uh, trinkets here and there to kind of guide our minds toward this multiverse idea to, to, to condition us towards accepting and embracing and understanding uh, what a multiverse is. I think a lot of audiences probably wouldn't have heard that word maybe a year or two ago. And then what do we have right around the corner? Multiverse of Madness. Uh, and they're already uh, showing that Professor X is going to be part of that. So we know it's going to be some 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 big crossover stuff going on in there. And we've got Sam Raimi directing that as well. So again, this multiverse stuff, we're, we're in the thick of it right now. And this is the first true Marvel live action multiverse movie Very cool off the bat So Spidey swinging all over the place And uh, J. Joma- Jameson Talking in the background And you can hear like a voiceover As he said I, uh, I'll i tell you what I call him public enemy number one And Funny moment where They you know they're like swinging through New York in Times Square And you see everybody talking about I love about, those shots right? The swinging shots here oh, They're I, really cool with the, the jumbo screen yeah. in the background And then they land yeah. on top of the Queensboro Bridge And mm-hmm. you know Somebody calls him and he picks up the phone And it's Ned So he like he leaves MJ for a second And she just kind of stand in there Like well, hey yeah. what am I, what's going on here You know and he's like oh it just it the pace is so fast. I love it. It's like a yeah. It's like to, it reminded me of a wrestling show that starts with this just like hot match right off the bat, and the crowd's just like all over the place because it's like boom, 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 boom. Right. And that's that's kind of what we got here. As he, like Peter's just 
Because we're sort of in Peter's perspective, right? He's like, oh shit, everybody knows who I am now. And he's yeah. trying to kind of hide. He doesn't know what to do. Where do I go? Do I go home? Do I not? I'm just trying to get MJ safe. She doesn't want to go to her house. You know, no, my dad probably hates you now. We can't go there. Where do we go? And uh, so they, in what reminded me of, of you know, like totally Ninja Turtles, we see them dive into the sewers, like right behind Flash. You know, and we gotta just, we gotta mention a couple things here before please, we move on. Please do. Uh, when they're up on top of the bridge, there's a great uh, Raimi verse. Uh, Connection yes. there there's that yes. cable car Thing I don't know that the proper name For it maybe it's called a cable car I don't know but It's the same cable car uh, Thing that you see that in um, In I think the original Spider-Man mm-hmm. Spidey has to choose Between saving MJ and This cable car full of uh, full of You know bystanders there yep. uh, innocent Civilians and uh, it's a great Nod there we see that cable car the same Exact one it's, it's got the same Name and everything uh, so I thought that was Really cool Additionally, uh, they go into the sewers, manhole cover. That's the last we see of Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man in Amazing Spider-Man 2. He's swinging mm-hmm. a manhole cover with his, uh, with his webbing at, uh, at Rhino. So many little Easter eggs, too, and things, like you said, in the first five minutes, just kind of, hey, remember this world? Or, hey, this is a multiverse. Just letting you know that <laughs> right. these things are coming. Exactly. Uh, they, they're going to be here soon. And... Yeah, I mean, just quick, they roll through um, into, like, straight from the, the like, high up, right down through the manhole, in through, mm-hmm. like, tunnels, and then right back up, and uh, and so MJ's, like, freaking out as they're all over the place. They finally get to Peter and May's apartment building, and so they come in through the window, and they're, as they're getting cleaned up in Peter's room, we actually... See Happy and May And and May is just dumping Happy And <laughs> This version of John Favreau I know that they yes. had to be leaning into The Swingers version a little bit Right oh, so, because yes, the, he's the answering machine Oh my god the <laughs> phone call It's like yeah. hey oh that is one of the most Awkwardly cringy But great scenes yeah. ever It's so real and he's doing the whole like What did I do wrong you know I could be cooler <laughs> I could have been more fun. Yeah. I could be more fun. And Aunt May's like, no, this was a fling. You know, that's all it was. Is <laughs> this was a fling. And uh, so I thought sad. that. Yeah, I, I thought one thing <laughs> I, uh, worth mentioning too is that in the Daredevil movie, John Favreau yeah. actually plays Foggy. Yeah, the character Foggy, which is just kind of a funny uh, thing worth mentioning here. Um, so we we I actually. I actually heard of that Charlie Cox in an interview said there's a deleted scene with him. I, heard, I saw the same where, interview. <laughs> yeah, where, where Favreau has a line where he's like, "I'm trying to remember, but my uh, my memory's a little foggy." Yeah. So they, yeah. They, they they tried to like pepper in little you know Easter eggs like that throughout the whole film, even in the deleted scenes, they're chock full of them. So as Happy and May are talking, they hear Peter. They hear like a crash from the other room, and it was it was Peter and MJ coming through. So Happy. You know, okay, I gotta go see what that is. So he runs over to to check, and and they walk in, and it's this funny moment where it looks like Peter and MJ were just about to get down to business. You know, Peter's yeah. Peter's shirts off, and they're right <clears throat> they're right up next to each other, and so it's just like this this awkward moment where like your parents would walk in on you and the you and your significant other when yeah. you're young, and there it's just that awkward like no no no, and MJ um and and Aunt May is so funny because. 
initially she's just kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, be safe. And she right. turned and she kind of like turns to walk out. But then she's like right. so comfortable with sex and sexuality. <laughs> she just walks right back in. Yeah. And she's like, Wait, you're MJ, right? Oh, my gosh. It's so great to meet you. And yeah, Peter's yeah. all she's, uncomfortable. She's cool, mom. This part in a lot of these things They felt Very real Which is what I love in the superhero world Is these like little awkward Interactions it's like this is what would happen In your bedroom even if You're not Spider-Man Yeah and they heightened the reality too uh, Not just because of the great performances which were just On point but it was It looked like all one take I think For like two minutes or so Full two Uh, minute all the way through Yep, that just really puts you in the moment right there, and that's what the, the beginning here is. It, it feels like this just real time, moment to moment. Oh shit, things are going down. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna react? I'm scrambling to to cover my ass here and, and figure things out. I have no idea what's gonna happen next, but I just need to like get get a second to regroup here. Uh, it's such a funny scene. I love it. I think it starts off the the film with a, a really great balance of like tension and comedy it's just fun in general and i love how that scene with uh aunt aunt may walking in on them it also echoes an earlier scene from a previous film when she walks in on him and ned in the exact same fashion and i believe she has a similar reaction then too where she's totally cool with it so peter is trying to keep happy and may from finding out that everybody now knows about him but it's all over the news. There's helicopters all over looking into their apartment. There's people on the streets that are yelling up because they know where he lives now because he's public knowledge, yeah. Peter Parker. And um, Peter's trying to, you know, uh, distract from that while he's at what's what happened? Happy, I see that you're crying and you know, happy, you could tell he's sad. Yeah, we broke up. And, <laughs> and it's just funny because like happy's all bummed out wall. It's like Everybody just found out who Spider-Man was. This is a big deal, yeah. but but we're worried about happy, you know, and the, the tone funny, of this. Both of their worlds are falling apart in just completely different ways, like right? totally different scales. It's a great way to put it. You're right. And um, so uh, the, the one line I thought was funny, too, that, that May was like, I didn't know you were so awkward about sex, Peter, which just made, just made, <laughs> right. made me laugh. It was like, oh, great. Is um, we... Then get the moment where they're all standing in the living room and behind Peter on the news, it says like Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And we see helicopters like right outside of their apartment. Yeah. And then they all realize like, oh, crap, everybody, the whole world knows and <laughs> and, yeah. and they're all watching us. So it, it was funny. This the first few yeah. minutes of like the build up and the pace and the pace kind of all come to this climax right here where it's just this like, oh, yep. Peter kind of, I like the way he walks over. He's just in his underwear too. You know, he's standing there in his underwear. And he has to just yeah. walk over to the door, to the window and just pull the window, pull the blinds up while everyone's just staring at him. He's like, yeah, and maybe it's not, maybe it won't be that bad. <laughs> um, I feel like there's a trope in that too. That there's something familiar about the dynamic of that scene. Not in a bad way either, but just like, like a slapstick comedy. Where, Right. Yeah. And where, and where that dynamic is where all of a sudden, like everyone's outside your house and you don't know it. I feel like I've seen that a bunch of times before. This time didn't feel like like a boring retread, though. This felt like no. a fun spin on that. Uh, but it just felt familiar. I can't think of one example, but I, I know I've seen that before in like a dozen things. So now everybody is investigating 
Peter Parker um, all around the the world. The governments are uh, launching uh, launching investigations. We see Peter's face on wanted for murder signs, criminal all over the place. And J. Jonah Jameson has never been a fan, so he's really pushing this now. And uh, you know, people are either on the the Mysterio side or the the Peter Parker side. They're calling him the the web headed war criminal who's been terrorizing the citizens of New York for years and. So for for Peter, I mean, he can't go anywhere or do anything. They're calling him a murderer all over the place, and mm-hmm. it's so much so that it's really impacting all of his friends and family. I mean, we see news anchors from all around the world, British reporters, Irish reporters, um, you know, federal agents now knocking at the door, and uh, the Department of Damage Control wants to speak with Peter and May and his friends. So they. They arrest them and they bring them all in for questioning. So that's the thing that we are finding out now. When you, the, it's it's what happens in these Spider-Man movies in in general, right? Um, I mean, I guess in particular that the people around you seem to really get impacted by what you're doing, by who you are. Right. It always seems like one of the people closest to Spidey gets killed, dies. Um, loses their life Their life gets thrown off course Because of them just knowing Spider-Man Just because of them being friends Or family with him And that's what happens mm-hmm. throughout a lot of this movie That's really what this movie One of the, the the deep themes of it Is that Peter doesn't want The people closest to him To be affected and impacted by his decisions By his choices It's not fair right. to MJ And to Ned And to May that May's gonna die because of Peter. That MJ and Ned, they're not gonna get into college. They're not gonna they're gonna basically mm-hmm. be blacklisted and blackballed from from having their future. And we see that right here at the very beginning when Aunt May's brought in for questioning, MJ and Ned are brought in for questioning. The the moment when Ned sort of incriminates himself is really funny. Yes. He's like Loved it. He's talking. He's like, you know, I was, I was basically his guy in the chair. You know, I was his, <laughs> his, his other guy. And the, the, the department head agent Cleary goes, oh yeah, I, I have a lot of those guys. I've got a lot of guys in the chair. He was, <laughs> he was playing the bad cop, good cop, like himself. Yeah. It was pretty good. I don't know if you've seen a recent show called Inventing Anna on Netflix. It's I'm one, aware of it. I haven't seen it yet. He he plays a major role in there um, oh, as a okay. lawyer, a Agent Cleary character. It's pretty good. You should check it out. It's it's, it's at least worth a, a bingey uh, watch as a background show. And so this is, you know, this is <clears throat> all of Peter and everybody around him now getting questioned so much so that they have to go enlist the services of a lawyer. So things are mm-hmm. ha- <clears throat> things are happening really quickly here, and this is. What ends up leading Peter soon to go ask Doctor Strange for help because, man, like I like and I, I see this. I think you see this as a father right now. Right. And, I, and and we're getting sort of grander. My decisions impact my family. Right. So it's no longer when I stay up and have to do a couple hours more of work or if I do this or that, that will definitely impact my Significant other, my son, what happens the next day moving forward. It's just one of those things that when you don't have others to kind of care for, or when you're younger, you don't really think about it. But as you get older and become more of an adult, you realize what your decisions and, and what you decide to do and how that impacts everyone else. Great responsibility. 
there, there it is. That, that, right. Exactly. That core theme for all of Spider-Man stories. And I, I love how you mentioned there, um, the, you know, him worrying about his family and friends and how, you know, his actions affect them. That's inextricably tied to the idea of his secret identity. And that's what drives this whole film, right? I mean, it starts off with the revelation that he's Spider-Man. He loses his secret identity. And then what's his motivation moving forward? He wants to regain that secret identity um, so that, you know, his family and friends can, uh, you know, they can get by in life. They don't, they're not, uh, you know, deterred from achieving their goals or harmed in any way because of his identity as Spider-Man. That ends up being even more complicated, though, because he doesn't want to have a secret identity or keep a secret identity with those close to him. You know, he wants them to know. So he's in this really tough spot of like, he's damned if he does damned if he doesn't. Um, and it, that's the whole arc of, of the film there. And, and I love the way it, it ends. And I will get to that later, but it, it ends with him in a, in a completely new dynamic from that kind of um, carved away from, from all those responsibilities and yep. starting anew. So it, yeah, it's, it, I love the themes. It's, it's very Spider-Man. All Spider-Man has to deal with these themes. And uh, the, the, it was a great choice for this film to uh, to go that route because they got to also explore that with the other Spideys, with Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, mm -hmm. see how, you know, he gets his redemption. One of my favorite parts of the film. So really, really cool. And when each of uh, MJ and Ned and Aunt May and Peter are having their one on ones with Agent Cleary, you just see their personality come out like Peter's more genuine. Yeah, it's like, hey, look. This wasn't me. They were your drones. And we do get a key line that uh, Agent Cleary says that Nick Fury has been off planet for the last year, which is something that yeah. we knew as viewers, but yeah. Peter didn't know. That we, blew his mind. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? I was just working with Agent. With, I was just working with Fury. What do you, huh? And yeah. and then Aunt May says better. You better get lawyers. We're not going to take this. We're not. You know, she's like super combative. Yeah. MJ is being her snarky self. You know, she's just yeah. like, no, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to answer you. I'm not going to do this. Yeah, I'm not, just, you know, and then you got Ned, who's like Ned's just sort of the excited friend. You know, I, I'm a yeah, I'm, I'm part of the whole the whole thing, too. You know, I'm part of the operation. So it, <laughs> I just loved how each of them were so true to who they were in their little one on ones yeah. with uh, with Agent Cleary here. And yeah, Ned's so proud to be the guy in the chair. Yeah. And I love MJ here has a great revelation slash Easter egg too that she gives away uh, in this um, interrogation her name yeah her name gets clarified here yeah we all we never we never knew it was it was just MJ and it is so funny how you know when like Norman Osborne comes in and he asks MJ Michelle Jones and she no no and it's um, I loved how Ned all all movie too is sort of very curious mm -hmm. and if there's other Neds and the other Peter friends what they're like and you know, even at the end, I promise Peter yeah. I won't be, you know, become evil and kill you. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> that part's great. Yeah, just real, real, uh, real fun stuff with all, uh, with all the uh, the friends and 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 Peter's um, closest, uh, the, the people closest to him throughout this movie. So after uh, Ned incriminates himself, they mention that they need the lawyer. Then we get the snarky May and. We get we go back to the apartment and it's Peter and it's Aunt May and it's happy and they're sort of talking 
and they're talking to a lawyer. And this was one of those moments when the mm. the movie theater popped that I was in. Oh, you know? yeah. They Me were too. really excited. And so was I because I I yeah. was just coming off of watching like, like rewatching the Daredevil show, oh, which is dude. so good, man. It's really I'm about to really yeah. good. And Matt Murdock pops up and he says, I have some yep. good news, Peter. I don't believe any of the charges against you are going to stick. So Matt Murdock is representing Peter. He's the lawyer here. And he says that the feds are actively investigating Happy and the, the missing technology. And so he lets Happy know, I understand your loyalty to Mr. Stark, but if you were involved, I advise securing a lawyer. And now Happy's all, I need a lawyer because I'm what I thought I was a Peter. You said that I, you were under, he's like freaking out. Under, I, <laughs> what if I just say, like, I could say, under advisement of counsel, I refuse to answer the question respectfully because I could, I, I could incriminate myself. Is that, is that what they said? It was a good fellas. It was good fellas, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's just like rambling, like rambling, incoherent. Favreau loves to, to mention good fellas. I don't, there's, you mentioned swingers before. There's, there's good fellas references in swingers, both in the dialogue and in the, the visuals. Uh, they, they recreate this uh, great track, long tracking shot uh, in good fellas, kind of similar to actually that tracking shot that happens in the apartment earlier. We mm-hmm. were talking about that long two minutes scene. So very, uh, very cool. I love that. So, um, he, Matt Murdoch says, which I like, um, you're going to need a really good lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> And then he turns to Peter and he starts to talk. Peter, you may have dodged your legal troubles, but things are going to get worse. This is the court of public opinion. And as he says that, something gets thrown right through the window. And it was a brick. And Matt, he just catches it and snags it out of the air. Like he backhands it. And yeah, that that was so cool. The way he caught it. The, the moment. It, it's just so, it's violent and it's uh, shocking. And he. He, it's so badass the way he does it. You know, he gets his one little action moment uh, in this mm-hmm. film in a great, great cameo. It's like he plucks it out of the air, too. It's just yeah, like he yeah. just it's snag. It's with ease, you know, and um, Peter and, and Aunt May and Happy are like, what the hell just is this guy's blind. He's, he's yeah. in what the hell just happened. They're looking at him and he says uh, they Peter asks, how did you just do that? And Matt says, I'm a really good lawyer. Which is just Hilarious. kind of a play on what he had said earlier to Happy that yeah. hey you're gonna need a really good lawyer hey hey I'm a really good lawyer so I like I like that it's a small his moment mm-hmm. in this movie was mm-hmm. very little but he's one of the things that I and I think like you said a lot of people remember moving forward mm-hmm. because his character was really cool like he to yeah. me the way that the, he was portrayed on this show and everything he sort of embodies. What a superhero is he's a lot of Spider-Man in him too yeah just A guy New York street yeah, level Yeah like real like Very So preachy and kind of holier Than now sometimes that you're almost like Oh come on <laughs> like it almost makes you Want to cringe but then you see that they'll have Those moments of being okay like No there's that badass in him too so Yeah, yeah. I, a lot of parallels With these two guys and welcome To Speaking the world. badass yeah Speaking of Badass though uh Peter also had a, uh, his spidey sense reaction there, and his hand is up to catch the brick. I saw this pointed mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. Uh, in some stills online. I thought that was a really cool detail that even if Matt didn't catch that, uh, Peter still would have had it. Yep. Uh, that I, I just love that. And like I said before, there's a lot of great spidey sense details in this. And the way that they show the spidey sense um, using the, the – um, 
what's that Hitchcock, that vertigo effect. Yes. Uh, yeah, is great. And there's a couple of long takes uh, where you kind of you, you see the spider sense being triggered in Peter and the way that they shoot it and the way that they draw out the uh, tension in those scenes is really cool. So they all decide that you know, people are throwing bricks through their windows. Everybody knows where they live. <laughs> they better go get off the off the grid a little bit. Just get off the uh, off the radar. So they're going to go to Happy's place. Happy's very happy to have May <laughs> over there, right? Sure, come oh, on yeah. over. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> so they uh, they head over to Happy's, and they're, you know, getting settled in there. Happy. Uh, I like, he says, welcome to the spiritual oasis. You like Donkey <laughs> Kong Jr.? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's just like, those are the funny things that I really liked the little, little, he's talking about Goodfellas and Donkey Kong Jr. within, you yeah. know, a five, a five minute stretch here as, um, the condo now gets t- turned out for the night as Peter lays down and he talks to MJ. And this is another one of those, like, oh, this is just real. He's just on FaceTime yeah. with his girlfriend on the couch before they go to sleep. And happy, happy's laid in the background with this sleep apnea machine yeah. that he and the mask. And he's just like, oh, that's not my dad is, or you know, someone that you would see. Yeah. Just like you don't think of someone in the hero superhero universe with like a sleep apnea mask or whatever. I just don't. So yeah. it, just, it made me laugh a little bit. And, and those little see, human touches that bring, yeah. bring you into the world and make you believe these characters are real. Um, you mentioned before, like the crack and backs uh, scene that like that yeah. stood out as one of my favorite things. And it's <laughs> it because it's those little moments in between. And we've talked about this moment before, but Age of Ultron, when the Avengers are just kind of hanging out, they're at a party. And you get to see them in that light and you can see them as as like people. There's just it's, something about that, that dynamic that really draws you into the world. The picking up the hammer. in love with the characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, 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 that whole sequence, just seeing yeah. them kind of, you know, extemporaneously just ch- chit-chat and stuff, yeah. stuff like that. Small talk, little human things like uh, curiosity about how, uh, how, um, how webs come out of you know peter's arms you know that that sort of thing like that like natural human curiosity and and like just things that make us human and and are relatable that don't often get shown on screen when those things uh are there all of a sudden it just just becomes that much more real of a world you're that much more invested into it and it's it's funny too just seeing like a guy happy in this scenario with a sleep apnea mask <laughs> it is. really funny and i love the, the line he says at the end this i was gonna say trying to like he's telling him to wrap scene, it up i liked way more than i think i should i just it was so funny to me he said what does he say yeah. at the end? he goes hey wrap it up there's no new ground here right we're not breaking any yes. new ground here nothing new it is developed you like her that she was my favorite you. line it was like yeah. no new breath yeah, no new ground I, I, that's that's a line i'm gonna use me too i'm gonna use that line like, there's no new ground here like let's, let's move on so funny and it's they're just cute talk back and forth and uh you know they're talking about their college applications and he says uh one of it, you, mj says i'm being too pragmatic and peter says no it's okay it's one of my favorite things about you and she says, what are some of your other favorite things? And, and he starts going like in just the, the total sarcastic way. I love your relentless optimism. <laughs> she goes, yeah, I am kind of a glass half full kind of gal. He goes, I really like that you're a people person. And she goes, I love people. I just love them so much. <laughs> he goes, you like sports. 
she says, yeah, the Mets, they're going all the way this year. And so it's just like real, real cute stuff. They hear happy in the background, you know, and then Peter has a, the, the serious moment where he says, you know, I've only had one week where my life felt normal because you and everyone that I wanted in my life to know knew that I was Spider-Man. But now that everybody knows I'm the most famous person in the world and I'm still broke. <laughs> you get then they get a, they have a laugh yeah. there. And then this sweet moment that they're having rap uh, happy goes wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what he just said. And yeah. You both like each other, we get it. Hang up. There's no new ground being broken, okay? I need my eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> Peter but, goes. Uh, ironically, though, there was you know key information being passed was. on to us, the audience. There, what's really important to, to Peter? It, what was super important to him was like that the people that know and and love him also know that he's Spider Man. Like that is something that like freed him essentially. And now that everybody knows, he's back in a, a new type of prison there. So like uh, that's very important because it, it informs. His decisions, you know, moving forward throughout the, the rest of the film. So now we have to see what life is like for Peter trying to go through the world where everybody knows he's Spider-Man. I mean, he can't even go through high school. He he walks in and it it looks like when he's walking in what it was like when they had like like rate like when they were doing like racial stuff in the South. I mean, people it's like half of these people are going nuts. The other half are nuts. It's just like. This incredible um, Divided Nation everyone's Like one side or the other This should he shouldn't be allowed there what's Peter This and that I mean it's just real crazy (laughs) Then they they Walk up into the uh, they walk up Into the school you know in in People in the crowd are you know He's a murderer and then other people like him So it's a very um, you know Like 50-50 sort of uh, Sort of crowd flashes out there Flash is always acting like he's Peter's best friend, you know. And he he's trying to get the rub off of Peter here. He wrote a book, Flashpoint: One Spider, yeah. Two Hearts, A Million Crazy Ass Memories. <laughs> that title uh, being a little bit of a nod towards DC's essentially version of what we're seeing here in the Marvel universe. Uh, Flashpoint. They're going to be making a movie about that uh, with the upcoming Flash. Uh, Film that's coming out I think it'll be out next year Now I think they just pushed it back uh, But apparently that movie is a Flashpoint movie Flashpoint being this comic book event Where there's a multiverse that happened Multiple versions of Flashes Converge there's some effects with Batman and his history that happens In that story it's a very iconic story And sort of the, the counterpart uh, to Marvel's Multiverse stories So we're going to be uh, Getting coverage of Peter and his uh, his struggle with college admissions all year long. Betty, the local uh, high school <laughs> reporter, lets us know as uh, she kind of vo- via uh, voices over as we see Peter walking into school. And, th- and then we got Mr. Dell, Coach Wilson, and Mr. Harrington. And <laughs> so Mr. Harrington and and Mr. Dell are both fans of Peter's. We remember them from No Way Home. And or from uh, from far from home and they've built like a little shrine for Peter in um, in the in the hallway. But then you have Coach Wilson who's calling Peter a murderer. He hates him. He's like, you murderer. He's like, it's, it's, it's an honor. The, Mr. Harrington said it's an honor to serve you. And Coach Wilson's like, it's not. 
Mysterio is right. It just, it just totally reminds me of like, if you're, you're nowadays, you're at holiday with your family and it's like, oh, don't don't start talking politics because you know what's going to happen, especially nowadays. They used to always tell you don't <laughs> talk religion or politics, but nowadays you better, better be very careful about that. Um, in the uh, JB Smooth, which I, I love, says, uh, so feel free to walk or uh, swing through the hallway or crawl on <laughs> the ceiling to avoid everyone. We know you can do that. Is uh, <laughs> <laughs> so these guys are funny, man. Like yeah. the, the actors that play these teachers are great. So this is like a scene that oh, I'm yeah. sure they did a few times and just ad libbed it different ways, and it would it would be funny as hell at any way you caught it. Yeah, it seems like from behind the scenes and and uh, interviews that they did a lot of improv. Uh, so so I'd imagine those actors especially were just riffing. Now, Peter and. Uh... MJ have escaped to the rooftop. This is sort of Peter, one of Peter's quiet spots on uh, on the top of the school here, and MJ's reading through some of the stories in uh, the New York Post, and she likes one that talks about how Parker's powers include the male spider's ability to hypnotize females, <laughs> which he's used to seduce Jones Watson into his cult of personality, <laughs> and then she says. Yes, my spider lord. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> then they they have this moment where they kind of laugh and they're about to kiss, but here comes Ned. So every time oh. they're about to have their kiss, they get interrupted. Yeah. And this has been the running joke with the two of them. They never get to have yeah. their their moments, you know. Um, Ned Ned's up top and uh, with them. So the three of them now are just sort of talking about how crazy everything is, and they're. Talking about MIT I love how he says Even if we don't get into MIT If we all match our backup schools you know, We'll be together in Boston um, I can Spider-Man there right I mean they, they've got crime in Boston <laughs> I, like, I can, I can Spider-Man there You know it's like I can, I can serve over there There's some good restaurants Or you know I can be a, a general con I got stuff over there just, I, can, I like the, the use of, the, of Spider-Man Spider-Manning like a verb You know <laughs> It's a uh, Right, it made me chuckle as Peter, you know, tries to be optimistic here, but MJ says, you know, I, I feel like if you don't, if you expect disappointment, then you can never really get disappointed, and that's that's her personality. You know, she's one that isn't optimistic, and she is sort of always expecting the worst of things, which we will see as this movie goes on. Actually, flips because I think she realizes that. You know, with people around her, it's okay to have faith, and I think it's okay to believe. Um, and then, and, and we see that starting to work out for her as the as this story goes on. But we're back at Happy's now, and we see, unfortunately, the string of uh, college admission letters come in. Man, this is a brutal process. I remember this. Wow, this yeah. is- this isn't fun, you know. You get these, you get these letters coming in, and you're like investigating the envelope every time. You're like, ah, shit, it's a small envelope. I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, like you know. And then the big one comes in. You're like, yes, big envelope. I got it. I'm, you don't even open it, and you're doing the dance before. You know, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. And then for me, I had really <laughs> typical like guy that was you know 16 through 18, right? I had. Fantastic SAT scores But I had like one or two years Where my grades would be off a little bit Because I would just like Not 
pay attention. You know, I just would have those little stretches where it's like, ah, I didn't do my homework as well for there. And I just had a couple classes that weren't great. So I overall, my resume wasn't my, as good as it should have. And I didn't get into USC. And that was where I always wanted to go. And I remember just being crushed. Like I was sort of just imagined I was going to get into USC. And when I saw them here with the MIT, and when they all were opening the envelopes together and just knowing yeah. that they weren't going to get in, yeah. it was like, ah, oh, I remember that feeling. And I remember for yeah. me, honestly, it ended up being a blessing in disguise. I went over to PCC, but then I was mm-hmm. like dejected to even, it's not like people going to a city college and transferring is fine. But for me, that wasn't the plan. So my whole plan was thrown off track. And I remember being like, just going yeah. through the motions. I wasn't even trying hard in class over there very much. And I was just like, I was never mm-hmm. going to go somewhere else and be all in. And it was, it's a bummer, man. This it's tough. And, and then we find out when Ned reads why that it's not even because they weren't smart enough or they weren't good enough. They literally weren't even given the opportunity because people knew who they were because they were friends right. with Spider-Man. Yeah. They were discriminated against. Uh, discriminated against it's just for being spidey friends uh, it's not fair <laughs> but um uh, apparently uh peter didn't think to go appeal this directly to uh to the you, board wait you mean i can do that i can do <laughs> yeah, that yeah. So, uh but i'm getting ahead of myself there uh but yeah it's it's devastating right like to have that happen I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that with usc i had the exact same thing happen with nyu believe it or not but Lucky enough, I went to Temple University instead. That's where I met my wife. I have a beautiful son now. Never would have had my son if I, if, you know, didn't get rejected by NYU. So maybe my destiny uh, benefited from that. Maybe yours did uh, did the same by you exactly. not going to USC. Exactly. I did, ended up getting hired at TVG, which led mm-hmm. me to get there, which led me to a lot of the work that I did and the people that I work with now, which led me to talking to you right now, even uh, thinking about exactly. that, you know, in the, in the grand <laughs> scheme. And then if I didn't leave TVG at the time I did probably wouldn't have uh, linked up with Stephanie and had Milo. So it is funny when you think of the journey that you're on yeah. and, uh, and where it takes you and it, it takes these three to unfortunately not get into MIT flash gets mm-hmm. in. He's kind of, you know, rubbing it in their face a little bit and he's going to go to a, a mixer and um right. you know we we feel we feel bad for them and peter doesn't know what to do at this point he, he said he didn't think about uh just maybe going and talking to the admissions officer officers and uh, and asking them for help or to reconsider he goes to the people that he knows that are very powerful he goes to talk to doctor strange and he heads to the sanctum sanctorum and when he gets there it's completely covered in snow all over the yeah. place and uh we see wong like cleaning things up and wong's just like hey it's the most famous person in the world i know you you know and he's uh and it's just kind of weird like the energy is weird it's like oh okay there you don't see strange initially wong's just kind of moving back and forth he's obviously preoccupied with something happening and then boom here comes dr strange he pops up and Doctor Strange and, and Wong are kind of joking back and forth like like always about why why the snow is all over. Someone forgot to cast the monthly maintenance is uh, and Wong kind of mentions that Doctor Strange is a, a little bit bitter and kind of butthurt because Wong is now the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. 
<laughs> because Doctor Strange blipped. So once he blipped, Wong was the uh, the higher power, uh, the highest power around. So he's the Sorcerer Supreme. You can tell this is a, a sore subject with Doctor Strange <laughs> as they kind of go back and forth on this. It's a technicality. Yeah. Asterisk. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Peter um, asks Doctor Strange, uh, hey, when Mysterio revealed my identity, my entire life got screwed up. I was wondering... Could you go back in time and make it so he never did? And he says, "Hey, look, you know, he he first he tells him, remember when we go back in time, it changes everything. We can't just go back in time and tweak things. And then two, I don't have the time stone anymore, even if I wanted to. So he can't do that. But what he can do is something different. He can create a spell, the runes of cough call, and that will." It's basically a standard forgetting spell It will have people Forget that he was ever Spider-Man So that that works Until Peter realizes I don't want everyone to forget That I'm Spider-Man I just want most people to There's like four or five people in my life That I still want to make sure to know that I'm Spider-Man Right? Because dude right. This is what's going to be hard you, you, <laughs> Nobody knows who you really are You don't have anyone to share it with And one of the things we see in all of these superhero movies Is yeah. the struggle In sharing that story And when does someone mm-hmm. share the story And who do they share it with And does the person or the people they share it with Are they someone that ends up being Like their Robin And someone who's their sidekick mm-hmm. Or do they are they end up being someone that turns on them And right. uses that information for a bad Reason So this is like a story that's in every like every level of superhero stuff When they become a superhero And they have to look to their friends or their family And confide in someone And so as Doctor Strange Is doing the spell Peter's kind of realizing Like oh wait this isn't This isn't what I This isn't exactly what I want So he keeps interrupting him Tim. Yeah, It's like if you're cooking You're cooking <laughs> something And you're putting these ingredients in And then like someone's throwing another ingredient Or like taking an ingredient out it's like, hey, that was already in there And it's simmering around What are you doing? Like, there's already that flavor in there um, So this yeah. is This is where I guess this was one of the things that I thought peop- I think people were maybe a little upset with Going, was Doctor Strange yeah. really just going to do this? I was right. just going to say that uh, This was my first big logic jump here Where I had to kind of suspend my disbelief uh, Because it just That didn't read as, you know Probable That this brilliant guy, the Sorcerer Supreme, would be so willy-nilly about it and not think it through, not talk to to Peter about, you know, what the ramifications would be before he started. And then he's all of a sudden getting frustrated with Peter and blaming it on him when it's like, why did we just jump into this so fast? It, it seemed a little bit rushed, a little bit illogical. Um, that said, not the, not the biggest complaint I I have. I, you know, you can chalk it up to sometimes people just don't think things through. Uh, but to me, that seemed like a little bit of a bridge too far that he would have thought at least those things through, (laughs) but you know, whatever we, we don't have the movie if, if we don't do that. And yeah, I guess we'd have to think the the writers would have had to think of, of a more clever way to, to bring them in, but you know, we, we got what we got and it worked uh, well enough for me. And they kind of played on how. Doctor Strange is just cocky. He he's True. really he's really powerful, and he thinks that he can do anything. He right. he wants to he wants to be challenged. You know, I can do that. I can do that. And when he mentions this, Wong 
Wong says something like, no, that's not a good idea. You you shouldn't do it. And Doctor Strange says, hey, you remember that night in uh, you know, the Taj Mahal? And Wong says, no, what are you talking about? He said, exactly. You know, this works. So he he's he made re- basically made reference to the fact that he's used this similar spell on Wong before. And Wong right. just said, hey, leave me out of it. So he almost sort of t- challenged uh, Doctor Strange, which is something that we've seen even even in What If, right? We understand why what if was placed where it was now it was sort of another one of those teasers kind of stepping uh, dipping our toe in the water of the multiverse and and what would be coming they were just sort of preparing you for some of the things that would happen in uh, in the show what if so mm-hmm. we realize now that this spell is not going to go off how peter and doctor strange wanted it as strange as Having to keep adjusting the spell First he adds MJ in Then he adds Ned in Then Aunt May she should really know And then there's one point where you could tell Doctor Strange is really frustrated Because he's like mm-hmm. Straining trying to to, to do this to, to work this spell and, and Peter keeps changing it And then Peter goes Happy? And he goes No I'm annoyed and he goes, no, no, I mean, I mean, Happy Hogan, Harold Happy Hogan. It's a nickname. He used to work for. T- I just, it was just funny because yeah. you could see, st- you could see Doctor Strange was so visibly annoyed, and he says, ha- he says to him, Happy, and he goes, No, Peter, I'm not happy. You stupid kid. It was just like, No, you dumb shit. I just, I, I love the look that he gave him back. That was great. Yeah, it's a little who's on first in the middle of a spell cast. So very that, much. That's, very that's much. Great. And uh, just to throw them off more, yeah. And that there was a lot of just like we said earlier, kind of even slapsticky stuff in the early parts of this movie, you right. know, where it's just yeah. the the physical comedy that just kind of made you laugh too. Um, simple, simple stuff that worked. And yeah, I'm thinking of that manhole, that manhole uh, scene with Flash Thompson in, in, exactly uh, in the foreground. I'm thinking of the way Spidey uh, in the apartment shut the. Um, the, yeah, the, the window in his apartment. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some really good little little touches there. Slapstick. So Peter and Doctor Strange now are in the middle of this spell that is basically like the the broken. The room is shattering and and shaking. You can hear things, lights, and noise all over the place. And Strange is trying to to shrink this spell, and finally he kind of. Traps it into this little sort of like a box Looks like a little orb kind of thing And yeah. he So it the everything sort of calmed down And Peter asks if it worked And Doctor Strange is all pissed No you changed my spell six times He said you don't do that And this is why And he said the, the spell is completely out of control If I hadn't shut it down something catastrophic could happen And So right there Right there when he Compresses it into that orb Is that essentially the same thing we saw in what if When he compresses his That reality down to like a pocket Dimension yeah, right I, I, I felt like that was the same thing or similar mm-hmm. Completely agree If That's what it felt like we were We were playing on that And mm. there was a, a kind of a running back And forth between them where When Peter came in he called Doctor Strange Sir and Doctor Strange right. Hey man you don't have to call me sir We saved the world together you know, yeah. we're 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 past that, and so Peter called him Stephen, and and he said, ah, that I don't know, that feels kind of weird, and so now at this point, no more pleasantries anymore. 
Because when Peter calls him <laughs> Stephen, listen, he says, call me, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in Doctor Strange does kind of kind of take a step back and give him a little like take it a little easier on him and say, look, you know, after everything yeah. we've been through, I, I forget you're just a kid. Right. And yeah, uh, just a kid. And, and like the idea that. Uh, Peter didn't even think to appeal to the school board. Uh, like that, that's the thing I think that really triggers that for him (laughs) is, is it, um, just, just, it just crystallizes the idea that this, this kid's brain is not fully formed yet. Like he's not 25 years old. He's not thinking things through. He's not making rational decisions. He chose magic over a letter. So, like, it, let me just take a step back here and uh, reset my uh, boundaries for this relationship. You're telling me you didn't even think to plead your case <laughs> before you asked me yeah. to brainwash the entire world? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, Peter uh, Peter grabs the phone and he calls Flash. He asks about where the MIT mixer is because he wants to go try to talk to somebody from MIT to see if they'll reconsider to give MJ and Ned um, another chance to, to get into MIT. So he sees the vice assistant vice chancellor leaving the event. And so Peter starts to follow, follow the car He's literally stalking that stalking this person, you know, <laughs> that's a great, it's a great call. Like, Let's stalk this person and and let's do it Spider-Man style where he's like swinging around and and following the car. And um, so he he drops onto a bridge and it we're really getting to see him using like the nanotechnology and the new Mm Spider-Man Iron Man suit that that he's got. I mean, it's really cool how quickly he can go from Spidey just to walking back around in his regular suit. Yeah. Wrinkled suit. Very wrinkled. (laughs) Suit. <laughs> no doubt about that That's and, the one downside of that That very snug Iron Spidey suit And as he's you know Swinging around people all over the place Hey that's Peter Parker look that's Peter Parker So they all know him yeah. And He gets to he gets to the car of uh, Of the assistant vice chancellor And she's basically in gridlock Traffic and and he just knocks on the window of the back seat of the back to car back seat, and she's like, "Uh, hello, you know you're in the street, right?" <laughs> he, he's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. I just I just need to talk to you." And in true Peter, uh, you know, Spider Man, um, yeah. sense he just has no r- real plan of what he's gonna say. It's just his verbal diarrhea. You know, yeah, just I'm just like, gonna say that diarrhea <laughs> of the mouth, man. It's like yeah. it's just like everything that he's yeah. been thinking. He says, uh, uh, "MJ Watson and Ned Leeds are the two smartest people I've ever met in my entire life, and I'm the dumbest because I let them help me. But if I didn't let them help me, then millions of people would have been would have died. So please don't don't let MIT be dumb like me." And she <laughs> says, "MIT is dumb." He goes, "No, no, yeah. I'm saying don't let MIT be dumb. I mean, like the dumber <laughs> version of me that wouldn't have let them help." She says, "You didn't rehearse this, did you, Peter?" Uh, this is like, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. And as he's trying to to plead his case even more, he gets the spidey sense, the tingle. Is yeah. it the tingle? Is it the, the, the tingle? Is your tingle <laughs> yeah. tingling? Is your tingle tingling? <laughs> I love the yeah. the way yeah, that I love that he calls it that. The way that other people reference the 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 tingle and the spidey yeah. sense, like when Happy mentions it, or when May, or when MJ, it just makes me. 
it makes me chuckle every time. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just really funny. And um, we get our first sense of like a real sense of the multiverse here. People are rushing off the, the bridge and you know, Peter can sense something is happening. And now he sees people running and he's asking, what's going on? What's happening? And, you know, he, he starts to try to get people to move, move, get out of here, get out of here. And boom, a big crash. And all of a sudden appearing is Doc Ock, Alfred Molina from Spider-Man 2 with the, yeah. the big arms. And he looks fantastic. And yeah. a lot of these villains and the characters that they brought in from the other Spider-Man movies, they stayed very true and authentic to a lot of their look. The technology yeah, with, with, with I think one notable exception But we'll get to that Yeah at, yeah, yeah. Um, and It's crazy how this scene just happens too. Right? Did it feel like that to you like, I know all, It's like all of a sudden Doc Ock is there The original Doc Ock and we kind of knew it that, that, was, that was one of the specific things that they had led on Before you know In, in the advertisements for the film mm-hmm. Like So we, we knew Doc Ock was going to be in it We knew Green Goblin uh, Some of the other villains So it's like we kind of knew we were getting this multiverse thing, but then all of a sudden in this film, it's just happening. And we're, we're, we're like, it's, it feels like zero to a hundred r- right now, even though we're, you know, several minutes into the movie. Uh, it, it's just like, at this point, we were realizing the, the potential of this movie and the, the, the true like idea of it, you know, this multiverse thing that's like, this is the first taste that we're really getting of it, you know? So Doc Ock, Says hello Peter And Peter's a little bit confused He says I don't know What you know Doc Ock says what have you done with my machine He's kind of picking up where He left off with his Peter And Tom Holland Peter Parker is very confused Like what are you your machine I don't know like hey sir You know I I can help you if you want to work Together and Doc Ock Says you want to play games you know and he starts (laughs) Picking up cars and just Flinging them all over the place And he You know Spidey tries to catch One and he's doing his best But uh, Doc Ock is just Creating havoc all over the place And The assistant vice chancellor's Car is Like kind of pinned To where it looks like it's gonna start to Fall off of the bridge that they're on So like always you got our hero here He's trying to Defeat the villain but he's also got people That he's he's hoping to save yep. um, Doc Ock Even makes a quip about your fancy new suit You think your fancy new suit's gonna save you But yeah. he so he hasn't realized At this point that this isn't his Peter Parker This right. is a different world that He's in he doesn't know He even mentions Right after I should have killed your girl Your little girlfriend when I had the chance And that was when Spider-Man said like, what did you say Peter's like really confused now I don't even know who the hell this guy is He just popped up on the bridge and now he's talking about Killing MJ like what is What is this And and then what's cool is uh, He he kind of Presses the button and he Deploys the iron spider arms So yeah. now we've got like The spider versus the octopus Here like yeah, the arms yeah. versus The tentacles and this like cool I feel like this is something that should be on like National Geographic, you know, here, like one of those battles. <laughs> um, they had to do it. They had to do it. It was a, like a perfect setup. He already had, they'd already introduced that 
armor. Uh, and we'd seen it in previous iterations of, you know, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. So it made perfect sense for them to battle like that. So uh, I loved that moment. Had to come. So Peter has to help save the, has to save the assistant vice chancellor who her car is teetering and teetering. And as he heads over to save her, Doc Ock is, is, you know, trying to uh, keep him from doing so. And Doc Ock basically grabs Peter and is about to lift him up into a helicopter, like the spinning blades of a helicopter. But Peter, um, it, w- it was really funny the way that this happens because you no know, technology and in and having these these computerized suits and weaponry, the one thing we know about computers is they can be overridden. Computers yeah. can always be hacked. And so there's a moment where um, we actually see Peter get power of Doc Ock. And yeah. he he has the ability to actually override the arms and Doc Ock can't do anything. So a cool sequence again here with the car falling and Peter saving um, this uh, assistant vice chancellor. And we're seeing it all hanging off a bridge here. So lots of action and very Spider-Man-y, you know, having to to save people falling and hanging and use the webs. Just a lot of the like the go-to Spider-Man tropes here. Absolutely. It's, it's classic Spider-Man uh, through and through. And uh, I love that you mentioned that the use of tech and that na- the nanotech specifically on Peter's suit. It's Stark tech, of course, but it also kind of highlights that uh you know peter parker in this universe as well as every universe that we've seen uh is very science-minded and a brilliant scientist and somebody who who knows and understands technology very well and same thing with doc ock uh, all these villains uh most of them are scientists if you really think about it um i, I actually just occurred to me i think every single one is a scientist yeah so um, they're all smart yeah they're but, all that, but smart. yeah but that that said, it was just a, a very cool moment that, that highlights that. And there's a lot of science throughout the film. Uh, if you think about it, there's the scene later on where all three Spider-Men are in lab coats. Uh, just, again, highlighting the, like, the brilliance there. I mean, early on, they're trying to get into MIT. They're just hitting us over the head with it. You know, this Spider-Man is brilliant. Uh, he's his own Tony Stark, and he's always been that in this universe, uh, as well as the other universes. Uh, um, and even in the Raimi universes, there is reference to nanotech. And so, therefore... Doc Ock, when he sees, uh, you know, this Peter using nanotech, he instantly recognizes it. So that's another great touch right there. Peter saves the day and he's able to place the car in himself. And that was kind of cool. He he uses Doc Ock's arms to just like place the car and place himself back on the bridge. And then he's just kind of messing with Doc yeah. Ock. He's like, hey, I'm in control here. Don't you act up. He keeps waving his arms around and moving them around and and uh, and the doc is just frustrated. But the assistant vice chancellor realizes that Peter is a hero. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm going to talk to admissions about your friends and I'm going to talk to them about you. And I like the moment here where you just get to see the little parts of Peter where he said, no, man, this isn't about me. And she stopped right. him. She says, I'm going to talk to him about your friends and about you because that was yeah. cool. How many people in that situation would have said something like that, honestly. They would have just said, yeah, and, Oh, cool, thanks. You know, and, and taken it and, and that's it, right? 
But that helped sell his case even more so to her, you know, that it showed her how selfless it was that he was being. Yep, you're 100 percent right. That's that was the that was the another one of the line, another line that she needed just affirmation to know, oh, this guy is 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 the right guy. If you keep your noses clean, maybe you'll have a fair shot. I like that she gets she like walks over. And yeah. it's like to Doc Ock, come here. That was not Justin okay. Man. Unbelievable. <laughs> get that. Get out. Just like yelling at him, which was really funny. Um, and Peter continues to joke, "Hey, look. Until you stop trying to kill me, I'm in control, buddy, of this whole tentacle yeah. situation. So, um, you know, <laughs> it's all <laughs> that made me laugh. As um, we we sort of have like a a moment that we feel is like is light, but then we get. A pumpkin bomb on the road Boom It's the Green Goblin Willem Dafoe pops up From Spidey And he's on his glider And Doc Ock knows him He says Osborne And he's seen a ghost at that point If you you think about it Uh, We we learn of that later uh, About the the timing Of when these characters were kind of pulled From their universes uh, Which is kind of important but uh, I love this, that they're just you, – you think we're getting the multiverse villain. You know, uh, we, we get a Raimi uh, villain right here, and that's probably going to be it, and it's all done. And then they go back to back. They bring Willem Dafoe out. And, uh, I mean, let's just say right here, he, he – besides Andrew Garfield, I think he steals the movie. He's uh, so he's, good. Uh, this is one of the all, all-time great villain performances uh, right up there with Ledger as the Joker and his first yeah. uh, and his original portrayal of the Green Goblin all, all the way back in uh, Sam Raimi's uh, original Spider-Man film. The talking to himself, yeah, you know, and just the 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 two face kind of back and forth thing is so good. And when he yeah. goes from the evil the Green Goblin to the like the scared Norman, what did yeah. I do? What yeah. did I? What, what I didn't do this oh no Peter no Peter it's just Oh my it's so good So well done and it's One of those things where you think of someone Like Willem Dafoe and you don't Think of him as being someone in a superhero Movie but it just works mm-hmm. Like it works he's such a Perfect villain in this world A fantastic work from him As Peter All of a sudden now is Back in the Sanctum Sanctorum And he's in the chamber so uh, he's kind of standing there. He's confused. He's just literally been transported from being out on the road. Now he's back in the Sanctum Centaurum. And then all of a sudden, yeah. there's this big lizard. And yeah. and the way they set this up is it's like there's all these little individual cells that are glass. So you can see through, just like how it would be like a maximum security. Think Hannibal Lecter, you know, in his cell. Yeah. You could see through and talk to him fine. But there aren't any bars or anything. And it was Lizard from The Amazing Spider-Man. And now Doc Ock is in there. Yeah. And Peter's like not sure what's going on. Doctor Strange has to let him know. Okay, Peter. He says that spell that you botched where you wanted everyone to forget that Peter Parker Spider-Man. It started pulling in everyone who knows Peter Parker Spider-Man from every universe into this one. Peter shocked every universe and he says uh you know we shouldn't in- engage with them cuz frankly the multiverse is a concept which we know frighteningly little about the multiverse is real peter is <laughs> flabbergasted can't believe it and 
Doctor Strange lets us know he couldn't stop the spell, but he could contain it. He said he thought only a few would squeak through. Uh, oh, but it does appear that a few squeaked through. After you left, I detected an otherworldly presence. I pursued it, found Lizard, some slimy green yeah. son of a gun. Doc Ock keeps chiming in. What is spells, magic? Where are we? Who? He says, "What is this? A birthday party?" As a <laughs> play on uh, Tony's Tony's uh, interactions with Doctor Strange in the past, and Doctor Strange puts it simple: just watch. And he asks Doc Ock, "Do you know a Peter Parker who's Spider Man?" Yes. Is that him? He points to the Tom Holland Spider Man. No. Well, there it is. <laughs> so we know. <laughs> There's a world where multiple Spider-Men exist And there's a world where Doc Ock has interacted with Spider-Man And it's not this one So there must be other Spider-Men out there Doctor Strange says, here's what we have to do We we have to get all of these people back All of these visitors back to their time Before they destroy the fabric of reality Or worse, Wong finds out Peter's a little reluctant He's like, hey, look, they just told me I might be getting into college now. Like, I don't want to screw this up. You know, I'm right. good. I don't like, sorry, Dr. Strange, you, you take care of this. Uh, Dr. Strange isn't having any of that. Like, no, uh, you're going to do this right now. So he gives him uh, like a web shooter, which is which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's like a, a magical web shooter. And what it does is when he shoots the, that magical web It will transport them into Those cells so basically They gotta go collect everybody Right now <laughs> they gotta go find all the people yeah. That are in this world that don't fit bring them Here and then transport them back to their Worlds before things get too screwed Up yeah. And that's how they start that's that's Their beginning uh, Goal but I love How this goal evolves Along the way uh, we haven't gotten to that yet, but I love how it shifts from, you know, we got to get these guys back to we have to save these guys and get them back. What I uh, I like is Peter understands that it's going to take some work and he apologizes. He says, hey, Dr. Strange, I know this is my max. I'm going to fix it up, but I am going to need some help. So they bring in Ned yeah. and MJ. I like that. That's cool, right? We, yeah. One of the big struggles that a lot of these people These superheroes have is that they don't know Who to talk to, they don't know when to ask for help At least Peter knows now Hey, I'll bring in the people who I trust Who can help me, they've helped me before And uh, MJ is So excited Or I th- so happy that he included her You could tell that, right. that she's just been included She's like, she's not mad or bothered by anything She's like, yeah, just talk to yeah. us, talk to me and Ned is just beaming. He's like, I'm in the <laughs> Sanctum Sanctorum. Like, yeah. Ned's like wanting to take selfies and stuff. Oh my God, I'm here. Like he's just he's just geeking out as he's walking around. Um, Doctor Strange yeah. asks them to Scooby-Doo this shit after a, <laughs> a funny little interaction with MJ. You know, uh, there's a there's an important little uh, tidbit here. I didn't notice until rewatch. Cool. But just after Ned says, I can't believe I'm in the Sanctum Santorum, uh, Dr. Strange, funny, he says, neither can I. Uh, but Ned then goes on to mention that uh, his Nana says that they have magic in mm-hmm. their family. 
Yep. And sometimes he gets tinglings in his hands. That's some yep. very direct foreshadowing to what we see later in this film. And I think overall, the arc in this film is foreshadowing of bigger things to come with Ned and his character, you know, down the line in future films. Absolutely. We see even some of the things that are hanging up around the house of Ned's yeah. Lo- Lola, is it? Or Ned, uh, Ned's grandma, we, we're uh, assuming. And that, yeah. that was funny. Even when they have a, a, a handshake with Peter, there's a spark. When the ring's on too, so you could tell yeah, Ned's yeah. Ned's got a little uh, a little something there, yep, and yep. so they go into the Undercroft, and Ned, Ned the Undercroft, <laughs> and it's basement. just it's just a basement, like total yeah. boring basement. There's a dryer in the in the corner. <laughs> you can hear like the dryer being run, like. Yeah. He's, even, he's still so wowed by it Even even if it's just a basement Like there's a Pilates machine I think. Yeah. He's like, He calls it a torture rack and right. MJ's like no dude It's a Pilates machine yeah. <laughs> So He's um Yeah he's he's great here because he just Loves being a part of this And, and loves being uh yeah. the guy in the chair yeah. As um Yeah they, they start to get to work They try to figure out what they're gonna do Um so Peter lets her know, okay, we got to get the rest of these guys. You zap them. And MJ says, Doctor Magic will send them back. And when we get into MIT, around a stale donuts, my treat. Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty simple. There, they start to talk with Doc Ock, who lets them know that his name is Doctor Otto Octavius, mm-hmm. and they all just start laughing. No, really, what's your real name? Um, and then uh, we see Lizard in another one of the cells, and. Peter so basically now we get like We get one of those little montages of Of them working right they're trying to figure out What to do Peter's getting ready Cleaning things up MJ's looking through TikTok they're trying to find On the internet any Any signs of something out of the ordinary Did did any of these crazy Other villains pop up other places so Peter can go try to find them and bring Them all back and Peter talks to May on the phone uh, just kind of briefly, she mentions that she's uh, she they're having a, a canned food drive, and she asks him to come by, and then Ned finds something, and he says uh, there's a disturbance near a military research facility outside the city. Witnesses say they saw a monster flying through the air, so they assume that that's Green Goblin. Doc Ock chimes in now, and he says, "No, that can't be." That was Norman Osborn. He's a brilliant scientist, military research. He was greedy. He was misguided, but he died years ago. So either we saw someone else or you're flying out in the darkness to fight a ghost. Doc Ock doesn't understand how they how it could be Norman Osborn. He's seen Norman Osborn die. Right. Yeah, it's um this is the first clue we have to like the timing of um of 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 the transfer, you know, between uh, universes here, yep. because it's it's unclear at that point. Like, okay, yeah, they are they know Peter in their own universes, and they're over here. But like, at what point were they moved over? It's not explicitly told at yet at this point the exact moment, but we know obviously it was at some point before they died, and so that's why we're picking up with Doc Ock when he's still a villain, because as we know from you know the Raimi uh, Spider Man two. Uh, he had a redemption before death. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, a, I think, a big reason why 
in this story, uh, for the most part, he actually plays out as as a hero and, and um, an ally to, to Spider-Man because we already know that uh, deep down he's you know a good character. And uh, I think that informs also us as an audience rooting for Spider-Man to, to save all these guys it's because mm-hmm. in that way it kind of applies to all these characters. They were all caught up in something. Um, they were all victims in their own way. Uh, and then they made choices or had their minds corrupted um, generally from something that was totally out of their control. You know, some technological force that got out of, out of control, whether it be the nano and the serum and stuff uh, with with uh, Norman Osborn or the tentacles taking over uh, Doc Ock's mind. Um, th- these things, they're, they're victims to those things. So Spidey ultimately has to save them from it. And I, I, um, I love the, the, the confusion at this point. I think it's, it's, it's smart that they don't just outright tell us and lay it out for us, but they kind of piecemeal the reveal uh, so that we understand, you know, where these guys are coming from um, just a little bit at a time. Uh, but at the same time, it's really cool how we just jump in here and like this scene, uh, you know, if we take it back a little bit, that all of a sudden the lizard's just right there. Like we didn't see um, Doctor Strange go after him. No, We're just yeah. kind of introduced to him right there. And I thought that was a, a nice economical storytelling. I, uh, I for a moment thought, oh, I wanted to see that. But then I go, no, well, that doesn't really tell us much Uh now it's better to just be in it now. Oh, oh crap. Like this is, this is, we're doing this thing. Um, and uh, yeah, at this point, the movie is like firing on all cylinders. It's like, mm-hmm. we're at the point in the movie where we're realizing the potential for this movie. This whole multiverse thing is real and we're doing it. And I, I, I love it. We're doing it, Peter. We're doing it. <laughs> a little uh, nod to a, uh, to hook there too. As, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you're playing with us, Peter. Flip, Peter, Pan the man. Yeah, love, love that. Bang Peter, bang orang, Rufio duct tapes the cell phone to his chest. I thought this was funny, so that way MJ yeah. and Ned can see what he sees, so they can watch and maybe help give him advice. Um, another yeah. pair of eyes, but but they can't see shit. <laughs> but they can't see anything, and as they try to direct him to stuff, they're just like. They're telling him to go one way, he's going to go the other way They're telling him this, yeah. they're going to go that And he realized pretty quickly that this isn't who he thought it was He thought he was going after the Green Goblin mm-hmm. This is Electro, Jamie Foxx yeah. From Amazing yeah. Spider-Man 2 And so he's uh, spiraling all over the place Crackling bursts of electricity We also just... see some dust kicking up, I think, in the foreground mm-hmm. here If I'm not mistaken, yeah. we see... Sandman a little bit of uh, yeah, traces of do. him We don't see him fully For a moment first electro yeah. But we do see you you see it So you can you can yeah. like you said it's another Little tease that it's coming soon And then You know he's He's trying to avoid This electricity and that's When Ned and MJ are telling him go left Go right go here go there right. And electro Charges at him kind of shoots a bolt At him and that's when Sandman comes in to, to help Spider-Man And it's Thomas Hayden Church from Spider-Man 3 yeah. He, again, doesn't realize He says, hey, it's me, it's it's Flint Marco You remember? Yeah. Peter says, hey, look, mm-hmm. I'm Peter, but I'm not your Peter I'll explain everything, but first, can you help me stop this guy? So he does, he says, uh, you try to surround him, I'll pull the plug Alright, let's go So, But Flint here, though, he's 
immediately put off by that statement. Like, what do you, he says, what do you mean, not your pe-? Like, he's mad what at that. Mean? Yeah, like, not all of a my Peter. Very, what the hell is um, going on? Yeah, he's, like, critical of it in that moment. Very um, suspicious of of what the hell does that mean? Who are Who are you now? Maybe I shouldn't be helping you, but I'm going to help you anyway, because they did have that reconciliation at the end of spider-man 3 again keeping it consistent with the the characters these villains aren't all bad they've been painted in a lot of ways as um as uh, empathetic uh and like i said victims in their own right so um mark clinton marco he already had his uh his redemption at the end of spider-man 3 so it it makes sense here that he's introduced in you know a, a, a positive light so we get Spider-Man, Sandman versus Electro. He's tossing electricity, electricity yeah. bolts. Sandman's with the sandstorms all over the place, and Spidey's trying to to launch webs, but that's not working. There, he does finally get to the point where he the lines are beginning to rip. Electro's body is growing dimmer and dimmer, and uh, Spider-Man. Before uh, he falls to the ground um, Sandman and, and him get the better of Electro And Sandman says a different Peter Weird And uh, he thanks him And now it's Jamie Foxx Electro Human form yeah. And he says I got my body back uh, Peter explains to him this isn't your universe He says I can I can understand that I can, there's a, the power It's different I can feel it I like it mm. But he's naked <laughs> Jamie Foxx is like yeah. So what you all just gonna stand here and act like I ain't butt ass naked <laughs> And then <laughs> Sam is like I am Peter looks yeah. around And there's a, a utility shed With some clothing from Like some of the, the workers over there So he goes and grabs that and he hands it to Electro But the next we see of them Is them being trans Transported back into the chamber So he was able to use That magic web to to capture Electro and to capture Sandman, but yeah. before before he captures Sandman, we actually see, like you said, the character of Sandman being very. What's going on? What did you just do? Did you just kill yeah. him? What? Yeah. Huh? He's getting like Peter's trying to calm him down. Listen, I can explain everything. Trust me, because I don't trust you. I don't know you. Yeah. And then boom, there he is. He's also been transported into the chamber. So now we've got. But Doc Ock, we've got Sandman, we've got Electro, and we've got Lizard all there in the chamber in their separate little pods, basically, like they're standing in. Yeah. And then we get this these next few minutes. I thought like all of the times when these guys are interacting with each other down here yeah. was really funny. Just the like the quips yeah. and some of the back and forth stuff. So I I really liked and, and laughed at it. Another Instance where I don't think the Jamie Foxx Electro Spider-Man in character was all that well received, and right and right, and they changed know. a lot in this iteration too. I think that's worth noting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they didn't overtly explain uh, the reasons for it, but I do think that they provided a, a bit of logic um, to 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 explain it, um, and th- that. That said, uh, I think it starts with the color, right? So he starts off blue. Uh, Peter notes that uh, he's blue, not green. That reminds us of, okay, it's Electro. We know him from Amazing Spider-Man 
uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, that he was blue in color. I think that's different from what he is in the comics as well. Mm -hmm. And in here, as he's charging up with this new power, he turns yellow, which is a little bit more in line with his his color in the comics. We see even later uh, a more direct um, nod to his look in the comics with these lightning bolts coming out of his face that uh, mirror the look of his mask in the comics too. So I thought that was really cool. And then he gets his new body. He says he's got his body back. So since he's been reformed uh, like with a fresh body, he also gets his hair back. Uh, he, he's got he's got a new uh, type of energy, mm-hmm. and that energy translates into a, a sort of je ne sais quoi uh, that uh, differentiates him from you know the more nerdy character uh, that was in the Amazing Spider-Man uh, film. So I think that it was a opportunity to just use the difference in power in the two universes as sort of the catalyst for those. Those, those changes in, in the character Those revisions in the character And what's cool about corrections. Yeah, yeah and, and what's sort of cool about the way They set it up is each of these Villains knows a little Like they all know a little bit About one of the others To where they can sort of fill in some of the yeah. blanks For Peter right they give us a lot right. of the Exposition here and say oh no that's this guy Died you know right. uh, the Sandman talk, talks about how I read about it I read about it. Doc Ock died and Green Goblin died. And then you've got Electro Mm. who's telling us about Dr. Connors. Says he was a scientist at Oscorp. I worked there. He was a brilliant scientist. He turned himself into a lizard and he tried to turn the whole city into lizards. It was crazy. And and then he goes, It wasn't crazy, Max. It was the next step in human evolution. And and the dinosaur can talk. And, uh, you know, that's when. Lizard makes a joke. He said, "Last I recall, you had teeth, glasses, and a comb over. Did you get a makeover?" Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, so they're sort of, kind of going back and forth, snarking at each other, and they ask, "Where are we?" And MJ says, uh, "A wizard's dungeon." Yeah, there's really no way to sugarcoat <laughs> that. It's literally the dungeon of a wizard. <laughs> they, yeah, I think Doc Ock does this really funny Albert Molina, where he kind of does this really funny, like, "Uh." He kind of like looks for a second and shrugs like, yeah, she's right. It is a yeah. dungeon of a wizard. Go figure. <laughs> it's like he thinks he, he wants to say something smart and snarky, but he doesn't. It, yeah, she's right. It is a, okay, let's, let's move along. And now Peter calls MJ. He tells her, you know, he asks, did these guys show up? Yep. So we know we've got Electro here. We've got Sandman here. Peter's got to clean some things up out there. He wants to make sure that... uh. He doesn't get blamed for all the damage, which I think is hilarious yeah. because when you when you see like the scene of Peter finishing up out there when uh, right. when May calls him, he's like using the webs to like duct tape these power lines back together. <laughs> They're yeah. like it was just it would, it would be how like you or I would like tape something that our mom got us together when we were five years old. Yeah. Look, it's it's, it's sick. It's, it's yeah. good. It's just sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, it's just absurd to think he's uh, he's gonna clean that mess up. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, they showed just a, a, a fraction of it, but like, like uh, I can't even imagine that being the case. Most most films would just not acknowledge that that part, and then that would be a thing that like fans complained about. Like, who cleaned up that mess? Why he's just gonna leave that there? So it's it's nice that they included that little detail. But I also uh, before we move on, I'm confused about one thing, and that is the presence of. Electro here, Jamie Foxx. Now we talked about, you know, some of the revisions that were made and how that was smartly done. But am I incorrect in in remembering that he didn't know Peter's identity? I, I don't recall him learning Peter's 100%. identity. Percent. 
He did so not that know. Part he did not me. know Peter's identity. That's a thousand percent correct. Yeah, and because even when he sees. He sees Peter at the end. Andrew Garfield takes his mask right. off and he says, I thought Spider Man was black. Exactly. He's, yeah, he opens the door for Miles Morales, you know, um, which yeah. is cool because we, I, th- they didn't make that comment with, we're getting, we're getting that right at some point. There's no doubt about yeah. it. He's coming, but that's, that is, maybe they can. Have some way to explain it moving forward in another movie or something. I don't know, but it doesn't, it doesn't. Add up with the the rest because Doc Ock knew Peter Parker, Norman Osborn yeah. knew Peter Parker, Sandman knew Peter Parker. So that one is one that didn't it didn't really add up. No, yeah, they it didn't. didn't. I don't think they explained it. Um, no. they could go back, you know, in a future installment and and go back in time, show us something that happened that revealed it. Um, but you know, I don't know how they would do that. But you know, it's it's a it's a little bit of a, a um. A quibble or whatever <laughs> it's not a big deal For me but it, it was something that stuck out As like mm, I wonder if that was just A, a logic hole or maybe they're pl- Planning on something or they had something In mind that got cut um, Interesting to note though So <laughs> There's a in one of the chambers The little pods there's a tree And Ned, <laughs> Ned says Hey uh, Peter is it like a Tree monster or like a scientist that's Turned <laughs> yeah. into a tree And Electro's a it's just a tree, man. Just a tree. Yeah. <laughs> that, that line made Love me it. laugh. Because like, there's lizards, there's crazy electric men, there's stuff all over. Like you're everything is more than just what it seems. And then yeah. there's just this tree that's just a tree. Like, oh, okay. So reasonable read, question. <laughs> yeah. It's a good it's a uh, yeah. Needed to be asked. One of those great Green Goblin scenes with uh, Norman Osborn and Green Goblin kind of doing the two-faced yeah. thing where he's con- coward. We have a new world to conquer. You make me sick. And then yeah. the Norman versions leave me alone. It's this very like, you know, the two-face is what comes up. Psycho makes me. I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of of the movie, you know, and just good mm-hmm. stuff. Good stuff here. We see the green. Yeah, goblin. some of my favorite parts of the original Raimi films are uh, uh, is, is the Defoe Green Goblin in the first one, and the back and forth, just the scenes that he chews up with himself, and the way that that was shot by Raimi and edited was was absolutely phenomenal. So they were nodding to that in a really good way, and I think recreated the magic of that in a great way uh, with with um, with thanks going to uh, Defoe on that one, just being a, a brilliant. Uh, actor and bringing his all to this role like uh not phoning it in for a second um and also worth noting here that i i read that this scene was recut and and changed uh from the initial release in theaters it's not something i overtly noticed hmm, uh it's not either. something i can even confirm is true or not i i actually read that it might have been a mistake like people misinterpreted something about different aspect ratios from IMAX uh, versus the uh, other theatrical releases. Uh, but yeah, apparently this was something that they recut very slightly and re-released, uh, you know, because it's digital. That's how they release films nowadays. They just sent an update to the file from what I understand. And uh, maybe a week or two into the, into the uh, release of the film, it was a, a different version going out. Now, he smashes the mask, the green goblin mask, and he walks yeah. off as we hear the the green goblin laughing evilly yeah. in the background. 
is uh, Peter continues to finish up uh, his cleanup. He gets a phone call from May, and she says, one of the guys that you're looking for just walked in. And so he books it over to the shelter where May is, and he's looking around. You know, he he's nervous. He's, he figured, you know, Goblin, one of these evil villains, they're going to be wreaking havoc. But he walks in, and it's the Norman Osborn version. All, like, meek. You know, just kind of looking not evil at all. Said I saw Spider Man in an ad for this place. I thought he could help me, but you're not him. So, and Peter says, "Wait, so you want Spider Man's help?" And Norman is dejected. I don't know where to go. Someone's living in my house. My business, Oscorp, doesn't exist. My son. Sometimes I'm not myself. I'm someone else. And every time he's in control, I can't remember. And now I'm here in this place, in this city. I don't know why. What's going on with me? I don't know. May's trying to kind of calm him down and to comfort him. She tells Peter, "Look, he's lost. He doesn't. He lost his mind. I, uh, you know, are they all like this?" And you know, Peter says, "Yeah, they've they've got mental and physical issues." And May says, "He needs help. They all need help." Peter says no this isn't my problem He's 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 just telling What Doctor Strange has told him Hey look we can't do this right This isn't about us right now We gotta just fix what we've done And Peter just Mm -hmm. wants To send them home that's the best thing That we can do for them Mm -hmm. She says for them Or for yourself look around You Mm -hmm. this is what We do we Help people that's a line that pops Up a lot in the in the rest of the movie This is what we do We help people It's a very right. Steve Rogers Captain America way of thinking Right This is why right. we have these movies We help people We're not in the business of sending people home to die Yeah Spider-Man is not an Avenger Think about this Like it's not about punishment uh, It's not about revenge uh, And that's the lesson that he learns early on In other iterations of the comic uh, Especially the Raimi one You know we, we even Get some references to that later on here of when Uncle Ben got killed and, you know, Spider-Man wanted him dead, wanted the guy that killed him dead. He got what he wanted. Um, but that's ultimately not good for for Peter and for Sp- or Spider-Man, the same guy, obviously. But it's uh, it's something that I think here within this story, we're kind of also seeing at um it's it's marking a, a cultural shift, I think, some cultural ev- evolution here where we're moving away from the idea of like punishment and and uh, revenge and things like that. We're going more towards understanding the ideas behind rehabilitation and, you know, circumstances that lead towards, you know, bad behaviors, whether they be, you know, mental issues, physical issues, you know, things that can be helped and addressed and uh, that people are worth saving, even people who do bad things. Um, so I think it's a really important moral that this story is is uh, telling here. And it's uh, it's something that I think we wouldn't have seen uh, maybe only a few decades ago. I think the dynamic of punishing the bad guys was a lot more ubiquitous back then. And it still persists to this day. And it's something that I don't think will ever go away because it's human nature to want revenge and and, and things like that. But this is evolution. This is like moving forward this is progress here that we're seeing even you know our superhero stories kind of shift the their perspective a little bit towards you know we're not going to punish these bad guys we're not going to defeat the bad guys we are going to save the bad guys that's yeah. a, that's a new thing yeah and 
we see that some of the bad guys might be the people from the Daily Bugle because they just want to try to spin Spider-Man as being uh, a a criminal. They want to try to get anything incriminating they can on him. And mm-hmm. and we see May and and Peter, they just want to help Norman. And they she she lets him know, he trusts you, so do I. And May puts you know, a lot of pressure on Peter As like you said, it all comes down to the responsibility She knows what he can do And what he should be able to do And yeah, And so Peter and and Mr. O- Dr. Osborne I love when he says, this is Mr. Osborne, doctor This is like yeah. one of those things that like A doctor will always do that, right? When you're out sure. somewhere, you call someone Like a Mr. or Mrs. and they'll be like, oh it's doctor It's just like a very <laughs> It rings very true well, he is something of a scientist himself. So. Yeah, and he's very like he's fascinated by Michelle Jones, the fact that she's not Mary Jane. Yeah, and then uh, he's kind of looking like, oh wow, it's like a, another universe. And then he sees all of the 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 villains that are in their little uh, in their little cells, their their pods. He notices Octavius. He says, "What happened to you?" And Doc mm-hmm. Ock says, "Me, you're the talking corpse," yeah. and and this part was just cool. I mean, you get Doc Ock and Norman Osborn. He Norman calls him insane. Electro says, "God, I love it here." And then, then <laughs> Peter's confused. What's going on? He couldn't have died. He's he's right here. That's when Sandman explains they both died fighting Spider Man. Was all over the news. Green Goblin, you got impaled by the glider you flew around on. A couple years later, Doc Ock drowned in the river with your machine. Doc Ock starts to think, "No, what do you mean? That's nonsense." I was, I was fighting Spider-Man, trying to my. Uh, he was trying to stop my fusion reactor. I stopped him. I had him by the throat, and then, oh, Electro does the same thing. Man, I was whooping Spider-Man's ass. And then he caused an overload. I was stuck in the grid, absorbing data. I was about to turn into pure energy, and then. Oh shit, I was about to die. <laughs> that was a great line. <laughs> yeah. It that was... got a big laugh in my theater too. <laughs> Me too. And that was Jamie... that's all that's all Jamie Foxx too. Like 100 sold that line. It was just the timing, the like Yeah. Oh shit. I was about to die. It was perfect. <laughs> Lizard asks, Max, do you know do I die? Which is never answered because he doesn't. Right? And what we we never really right. saw him. He was someone that got imprisoned and then was I think was they had new plans for him moving forward, so we don't really know what what his fate would be. As uh, yeah. Doctor Strange pops back up, and so it's this moment where it's like, oh wow, now we're we're starting to realize if they send these guys back, they're dead. Right, they're dead in their worlds. And like instantly, pretty much, because we know at this point it was like right at the point before they're about to die for for the most part. Like that's. Pretty pretty true for all, all of them So it's like they have When they go back They're probably going to have A couple of split seconds To to save themselves If they're in their right mind So this is a Very dicey situation Morally And Doctor Strange He's just He's not as Emotional As Peter Right He's, he's This isn't going to be something That weighs on him as much He says You know I've got an ancient relic La Mahina de Cadavis I've trapped the corrupted spell Inside of this once I finish the proper ritual, it's going to reverse the spell. It'll send all these guys back to their universes. And, and they're starting to realize now, and then what? We die? Electro yeah. says, no thanks. I'll pass on that. Norman Osborn is now in one of the uh, 
the cells and he says, Hey, let me out of here, Peter. And so Peter's trying to he's trying to explain it to Doctor Strange. Hey, listen, look, let's not send them back. Let's investigate this a little bit more. But Doctor Strange has done this. He's seen it. He knows what happened what happens when you try to tweak things and change things. It sets forth mm-hmm. a, a butterfly effect and it's gonna change things moving forward. And it could impact everything just by trying to help one person tweak one small thing. In the grand calculus of the multiverse, their sacrifice means infinitely more than their lives. I'm right. sorry, kid. If they die, they die. And this is why what if was so important to watch. Like yep. if you wanted exactly. to stay up on everything, like all these concepts were really introduced there and, and reinforced uh, through the lore that was kind of established in that what if there. I don't believe that there's, you know, examples in the live action Doctor Strange that really um, that foretold this or, or, or would have informed this other than just the, the what if there. So uh, it just makes that program that much more um, essential viewing for MCU fans. Now, Doctor Strange and Peter start to uh, to, to go at it here. Peter webs the box and steals it yeah. from Doctor Strange. Ned and MJ are like, what are you doing, dude? So they all start to run. And now Peter and Doctor Strange are chasing each other around. We end up mm-hmm. getting Doctor Strange. He he ends up opening all these portals. And yeah. this part is is pretty cool. Like Peter's trying to web Doctor Strange, but it's not working. And Doctor Strange is using magic. And he at one point pulls Peter out of his astral body out of his physical body and so you see peter from above like a ghost like looking down he says oh my god i'm dead dr strange says you're not dead you've just been separated from your physical form but because of his spidey sense yeah he's still able to like maneuver and control his body which dr strange can't fathom he's like how is he doing that this this shouldn't be what the hell's going on and uh, like reading through the script it's cool because when you um when we do a lot of our tv show recaps a lot of times i'll have the um, a script of all of the um of all the dialogue so i'll have all of the dialogue but the scripts when i've done that i've had for a lot of the tv shows that we've recapped they're not like the actual script with all the right. stage direction and that kind of thing um, For Spider-Man I, ha- I have the full script Which is really cool because you can see The stage direction right And yeah. like all of the stuff that they want you to know That that may not even come through The dialogue And it, it literally says Peter swims back to re-enter his physical body um, right. And that's kind of like What you're seeing he's like out of his body And he moves back to it He even says that may have been one of the coolest things That's ever <laughs> happened to me but don't ever do that again And they keep chasing yeah. each other and fighting each other The cloak of levitation goes after Peter It grabs onto him and he Hey get off that me And this is I mean this is crazy It goes from that into The mirror dimension mm-hmm. As Doctor Strange is like Pulling the strings of the mirror dimension Peter's trying to Web all around and it just keeps bending And now he's Going through what looks like A department store and now he's going through what looks like Central Park And it says all these different like mirror 
Flashes here, there, here, there Now he's on the top of the train And Doctor Strange tells him This is the mirror dimension where I'm in control And it's like the worlds of New York City And the Grand Canyon They're fused together And there's this standoff on the train There's a lot happening here visually And this is Mm-hmm. This is a lot of what we saw in What If, Tim. Oh, big time, big time, and it's it's more of that visual language that we saw established in the uh, the first Doctor Strange movie too. Um, you know, all the portals, obviously, which is carried over into all the various MCU films, and most famously in uh, I think um, Endgame when everyone returns through these portals, and we see that again a few times here. But we we that kaleidoscopic Im- imagery that we see of like reality folding in on itself, which I think initially was inspired a lot in by uh, Inception, the film Inception, which predated um, that Doctor Strange film. I will say some of the special effects here took me out of it a little bit. I felt like a little of it was underdone, undercooked, not quite pulled off. I don't think they quite pulled off I some of the blue screen compositing it was stuff they were that trying happened to during do the a sequence. Lot, and sometimes when yeah. you're trying to do a lot. You just can't, you know. It's like yeah, you're just trying to flash between worlds and then mm-hmm. dimensions and universes, and so they're trying to get all these different special effects in that represent this. And I agree, yeah. there were some holes there where you're like, ah, eh, that didn't look as good as it could have. Personally, I thought it looked better when they did that stuff in the Doctor Strange film. I thought it looked cleaner and more just. Seamless where you're not It's you know it's they're using CGI But it's not like super obvious that they're using CGI and blue screens and this For whatever reason my mind Was just going soundstage 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 like just throughout That the the, this Whole thing and it that took me out of it Unfortunately because you know On the page and you know conceptually This was a really really cool sequence And I think overall it was really well Done and the Parts that you mentioned before, especially when they're outside the Sanctum Sanctorum, that stuff to me played out pretty seamlessly. I loved the moment where um, we, we just talked about it, but when he you know, goes out of body and again, like I said earlier, the Spidey sense was one of the stars of the show uh, for me in this film. And that was such a cool use of it. We've now got to see Strange do that, like, I think three times, four times, something like that. We got to see it happen to Bruce Banner, Hulk. Where you know he knocks Bruce out of the Hulk's body, I thought that was really cool and a nice twist on this. Uh, but now we see another twist on it, where you know how it affects Spidey is a very unique, uh, a unique thing. And that was uh, really well conceived and just a smart idea, I thought, uh, to show his, his Spidey sense actually being able to compete against the, the Sorcerer Supreme like that. And we get Doctor Strange. You know what we know about Doctor Strange is he's more of a, a by the book. Guy right this is the multiverse There are an infinite number of People who know Peter Parker as Spider-Man If the spell gets loose they're all Coming here It's their fate you can't change It any more than you can change who they Are but Peter says look I know I just can't Send them home to die What if we could change their fate And Doctor Strange is About to trap Peter in the mirror Dimension and there's this Vortex he's spinning all over the place And uh, He he and Doctor Strange are, are battling back and forth With uh, uh, you know Trying to get the uh, the box And Peter, Peter lands and he Looks around and he goes wait is that An Archimedean spiral the Mirror dimension is just geometry 
You're great at geometry. You can do geometry. So he starts to like web, square the radius, divide by pi, flat points along the curve. And Doctor Strange is just finishing up. He's about to he's about to trap Peter in this dimension while Doctor Strange can go and, and fix the mess. And Peter says, You know what's cooler than magic? Math. And then he is actually webbed Doctor Strange. He's got him suspended, tied up. And Peter actually gets the better of this exchange. He can't believe yeah. it. He portals back through. He uses the uh, the ring, and he opens a portal. He heads back to the Sanctum Centaurum, and he's so jazzed. I just had a fight with Doctor Strange, and I totally <laughs> won. Look, I stole this ring thing. I would swing it through the city, this massive thing, and this mirror thing, and I was back in the city. And I don't like. It. I love when he gets on his like nervous energy rants. Because yeah. it, it's so funny. It just seems genuinely like Tom Holland, too. Yeah, again, it's more of that diarrhea of the mouth, only this time it's it's more fun and he's he's celebratory about it and everything. Um, and he would be hyped. He just beat the Sorcerer Supreme. I mean, this guy's got years on him and he's got powers beyond his, like, imagination. So the fact that, you know, he could use some geometry and, and get the better of him uh, w- was really cool. And it, it's just also a nod, I think, uh, to, to math, you know, pushing – stem out there pushing that uh that peter is a, a smart guy like i said before he's got an engineer's brain uh, you know he's, he's basically a rocket scientist um he can do whatever he wants he should be in you know valedictorian at mit so it makes sense that he can do all this stuff in his head and that just reinforces that aspect of his um super heroism and it, uh, really cool really well done and uh and it's a good message for kids too like yeah yeah study up on math math is pretty cool it's like it unlocks secrets of the universe it's literally that it's literally a way to understand the universe and then this is is implying that it's also a way to understand the multiverse peter says i think i can help you guys if i can fix what happened to you then you will go back things will be different you may not die fighting spider-man they don't really like the word fix nobody would right Nobody likes to mm-hmm. think that they're broken Maybe right. fix, fix just comes off Poorly Says look our technology is advanced I can help you Norman says look I can help too I'm something of a scientist myself Octavius <laughs> knows what I can do uh, Doc mm-hmm. Ock fix you mean like a dog I refuse Peter says I can't promise anything But at least I can actually give you a chance A second chance I mean isn't that worth trying And Says you know um, Peter's kind of surprised that the lizard can talk at this moment. He said, "If you, but if you have to stay yeah. here, you're gonna have to deal with the wizard. So it's basically go along or die." Yeah. Um, Sandman just wants to go home, and Electro says, "Hey, I don't want myself to get. I don't want to be killed, especially by a guy dressed like Dungeons and Dragons. So, <laughs> what's your plan?" And Peter's got it all under control. So, uh, it's nice that Peter's got help from the friends, MJ. And Ned are helping him out here They know That if they can Change some of the He says fix but if he can change some of the the Things that happen some of the reasons why They become these villains you pointed this out These these aren't innate Genuinely bad people These are people Mm -hmm. that something happened to That turned them right that changed them And So he um, He gives MJ the box and he says, if I don't hear from you, I'm pressing the button. And uh, and and he goes to work now. I thought it was funny where uh, Lizard says, no way, that's his girlfriend. <laughs> <You> yeah. <know? laughs> Afterwards, and uh, Peter 
turns to the villains And the one thing that Doc Ock notices right away When he, he says like You know you could have let us die Why didn't you And MJ says that's just That's that's not what he does That's not who he is Right. That's not what we do Yeah it's exactly What we do <laughs> And uh, Peter and Ned have their handshake And uh, Peter says goodbye to MJ And then the villains Come along with him And they leave Because they know Doctor Strange is going to be coming back some soon So they got to go somewhere else where Peter can work a little bit Try to figure out exactly what he needs to get them back home And where else But Happy's They head to Happy's yeah. living, living room And um, once they go in It's so funny how just Pissed off Doc Ock is And just bothered so this is your plan, Peter. No lab, no facilities, performing min- uh, miracles in a condominium. You're going to cook us some yeah. cures and frozen burritos in a microwave. <laughs> and <laughs> the Osborne's like, I could go for a burrito right now. It's so sincere. <laughs> yeah. And Doc Ock just keeps repeating, he's going to kill us all. He's going to kill us all. As Doc Ock doesn't realize what Peter's working with here. Mm-hmm. Electro does, yeah. though. He says, man, he's got right. something back there. I can feel it. That that weird energy. Yeah, yeah. Which is the the reactor, right? What, the fabricator. It? Yep. Yep. And it's the star. Isn't fa- it powered by an arc reactor? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yep. It's okay, powered yeah, yeah. by the arc reactor. So the the Stark fabricator is a portable version of the machine Peter used on the jet and far from home, powered by an arc reactor. Can analyze, design, construct basically anything. Aunt May joke. She thought it was the tanning bed. That happy broke <laughs> So this is what Matt Murdock was sort of talking about too With some of the technology mm-hmm. The Stark technology Because this was this was covered Happy was obviously hiding this stuff Some of these things that he probably Shouldn't have in his apartment You know like the, this thing that can That can do yeah. this um, So Peter goes to work And As he you know, it, Norman is just fascinated by the technology and how far things have come in the years since he's been around and, and what what can be done in this universe. So yeah. Peter explains to us what's been going on with Doc Ock. The chip was designed to protect his brain from the AI, but if you look, the chip is fried. So rather than him being in control, the tentacles are now in control of him. That's why he's so miserable all the time. So just a little bit of exposition here. For us right it explains a little bit More to some of us who may have forgotten About the Doc Ock character Or what happened or just reminds us The point that you were hitting on these are Or were good people that got Changed for some reason Um Yeah Aunt May even jokes uh, She offers Doc Ock some water She says do you want fresh water (laughs) or salt He says what He says you know because you're you're an octopus He doesn't find it funny (laughs) She 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 goes okay. Um, she delivers it so dry that it's almost uh, you're almost unsure if she's being sincere or not. Like I, know. I, I think part of her is like maybe he actually does want salt, but she's just yeah trying to be silly about it. Yeah, uh, it was. I like that moment. And Me Marissa too. Tomei, like as much Marissa Tomei as we can get. Me too. She's fantastic. She was yeah. someone my dad always had a crush on, like uh, mm. growing up. The movie, it's funny to think about because there's the movie. Have you ever seen a movie called Only You? With no, her, no, with Robert Downey Jr. and her, so no way, <laughs> yeah, which is really funny to think about now. Um, she's is going to she is engaged to be married in the movie, and and so it's like 
her last hurrah with a couple of her friends uh, in her bachelor mm-hmm. bachelorette party kind of thing before she gets married, and she remembers a name of a guy, Damon Bradley, that was like the guy she thought she was supposed to marry forever. It was like a name that she heard on a Ouija board when she was young. So she sets off to go see if she can find this Damon Bradley guy before she actually gets married. And Robert Downey Jr. is like a swindler and he hears her kind of talking about it. So he pretends to be this Damon Bradley guy and thinks, you know, so that way he can try to uh, fall, like make her fall in love with him. And it's just, it's funny to think about these two years back and like now like I'm thinking of them as Iron Man and Aunt May, you know, in, in this world. But uh it's it's they had good chemistry in, in the first uh yeah first MCU when study. they were sitting together. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. we now get Electro and Sandman talking. This this made me chuckle too as uh, Electro's looking outside and Sandman asks him, How'd you end up like that? And he says, Oh the place I worked at, they were experimenting with electricity created by living organisms and I uh Fell in a vat of electric eels <laughs> And then Sandman says You're kidding I fell into a super collider <laughs> Jamie Fox and just just Like another instance yeah. where If somebody yeah. else said it it wouldn't be Good but he yeah. goes Damn gotta be careful where you fall Dude, <laughs> Seriously it Just was, ate that line <laughs> It was so good It was yeah. so good And uh so Norman Osborn is just marveling at the uh, the technology here. The fabricator has worked. The chip is finished, and they're able to fix Doc Ock. There's a moment where he's raised up. Peter puts the chip in the back, right around the back of his neck. Doc Ock is upset. He doesn't want to be like a guinea pig. He doesn't want them to to test this on him. But yeah. sure enough, Peter does. In it looks like for a second maybe maybe he dies. He's kind of like powered down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he wakes back up. He says it's so quiet. Those voices inside my head I'd almost forgotten. And he says it's me. So it worked. It worked. Doc Ock has been fixed. They have the technology now, TK. And and honestly this is what is is true about the world we live in at this present day. Things that we're not capable We were not capable of doing a year ago Five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago Every day you move forward Those things might be possible now Did you just, speaking of like Brain implants and and that type of tech uh, There's a story That just came out this week Of a a man, forgive me if I'm butchering Some of the details here, but um, Using like a direct Brain interface uh, This is somebody with um, ALS I believe so you can't move anything, but just through electrodes in his brain, he was able to communicate uh, like whole sentences. Uh, it takes him a long time still, but he can literally speak just with his brain and Incredible. no movement. Incredible. Incredible. I believe the thing he asked for was a beer. He said, I want a beer. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was one of the first things he said. Um, forgive me if I messed any of that up. But no, but up I heard I was story. reading about it's that remarkable. too. And I agree. I don't know enough. Yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it or if if yeah. you would be wrong on some of the stuff, but in just <laughs> sure. it, it was like un, like incredible to think about where we're going uh, right. with technology. And so now Peter wants to get to work on everyone else. Uh, he says, OK, uh, Electro, you're next. But Electro is kind of mad because he doesn't want to leave. He likes this new energy. He mm-hmm. likes this new um, experience Sandman wants to get home to be with his family So we've got these conflicting Sort of um, 
uh, feelings from from these villains that yeah. maybe do they want to go back? Do they not? Now Doc Ock has been been fixed, and Peter is uh, yeah. What's cool is like the different suits here: the holographic Iron Spider he's got mm-hmm. in, in here, and the nanotech going on. Um, he's got the hybrid suit, and we see Doc Ock very thankful. Now he wants to help, and <laughs> and as they try to get to work on everyone else, Happy calls. Hey, have hey Peter, this is Happy. I just looked at the doorbell camera. Who are these guys? Huh? Is that a cyborg? <laughs> Did you bring a cyborg with robot legs into my house? One of these guys is made of mud. What's going on, man? Call me back. <laughs> just, like, imagine those guys are walking into your apartment. Like, you would be so upset. The, the guy with the People dirt just sits on your, your house. Couch. It's like yeah. that's imagine, dirt. Imagine He's dirt. Yeah. Imagine you're Happy Hogan. You you have this like te- teenage uh, like mentor of yours or mentee, I guess, uh, and. He's all of a sudden bringing a bunch of friends over, but it's not just like his teenage friends. It's like all those people, like super villains. <laughs> the guy made literally made of mud. Really? Like, that's the worst person you want to let in your house. <laughs> so uh, Doc Ock is talking to Norman. How does it feel, Norman? You're going to be yourself again. No more darker half, just you. But you can tell that he may not be talking to Norman. It may be. The goblin version who's kind of playing it off there because he, he's got these these looks sort of these twinkles in his eye as Peter's working on Electro says okay here um, keep an eye on the lights when it's all green let's put this in your chest it's going to power up here and it activates and um, okay he said we all need you we know that you need electricity for your brain to function your nervous system says okay I'm not really sure why I'm explaining electricity To you but he basically <laughs> says uh, Okay this is what's going to happen um, Electro asks A question and uh, He asks about the Legos Which is, is kind of funny Yeah. And uh, there's a moment Where Peter he hears something He kind of moves and, and he leaves And he's going to come back That you can tell Jamie Foxx Electro is not Into this he says something feels off Sandman's yeah. letting him know Hey just leave it alone the sooner you get through this The sooner we go home And uh, he's not liking it He's not liking it yeah. You can tell Jamie it's it's like when you're I don't know this is a scary thing to say It reminded me of when I got like I, There was one time I was in the hospital And they were doing chemo on me And they were mm. they screwed it up and I, could, and I could tell they like did it wrong And they like didn't give me the right amount of Like the medication I was supposed to get before And I you don't know, but you're just like, this isn't right. This doesn't oh, feel man. right. You don't really know what is wrong, but you can't explain it. But you're like, you just know that like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. That's kind of what Jamie yeah. Fox is feeling like. This isn't, this isn't right. Something's up. Like it, this electricity, this like power from him is getting, getting sucked out. He also physically, he, he didn't know what to do. I'm sure he, it was a weird feeling for him. And so he wasn't, he wasn't going all in. He wasn't. Uh, behind this Now while this is going on Out front Lizard is in the van And he, we're able to overhear that The people from the Bugle and J. Joma Jameson Again they're trying to find footage of Spider-Man Anything they can To make him look like the bad guy To make him look like the villain So mm-hmm. we can we can sort of sense that Shit's about to go off right now <laughs> You can yeah. sort of feel it right? Like you got these villains all together In this room there's been about 15 or 20 minutes where things have been going pretty well. Yep. Yep. Everything's been going a little too smoothly. 
right now. Yeah. So, I mean, Jamie Foxx doesn't want doesn't want to do this. So Electro's not into this, and Peter can sense something is wrong. So immediately yep. he looks over to Aunt May. Yeah. And Spidey sense tingling. The sense. What is he sensing? What's about to happen? He's staring and he looks at to him. May first. May is May. May the one that's in danger at this point? Is that foreshadowing? Yeah. Yeah. I saw um uh I think Eric Voss on New Rock Stars pointed out the um the red sash she's wearing uh in this scene. Uh could be a nod to you know a, a mortal wound that she gets later, you know. We're not there yet, but we're it's it's all being uh planted here and uh, foreshadowed here. So it's it's remarkable how this scene plays out um and goes from May, you know, kind of scans the room in this very tense moment, and uh, the way it lands on Green Goblin in the end, really, really well done. And again, this is that that Spidey sense I think stealing the show in a lot of ways. Yep, Peter webs Norman's hand, and Norman, uh, who's the Green Goblin, starts to laugh. That's some neat trick. That sense of yours. Says, Norman's uh-huh. on sabbatical, honey, and <laughs> Peter and May look at each other. And uh, the Green Goblin says no more Darker half you really think I'd let that Happen that I'd let you take away My power just because you're blind To what true power can Bring you is uh, Peter says you don't know me And the Green Goblin says don't I So they start to Scuffle a little bit he says I saw How she trapped you Fighting her holy moral mission We don't need you to save Us we don't need to be fixed these are not curses They're gifts mm-hmm. and, and that's a nod to uh, the, the Raimi Spider-Man I mm-hmm. believe the, the end monologue um, Or voiceover I believe uh, Where he says it's uh, a gift and a curse Peter does So Doc Ock is trying to He's trying to plead with, with Norman Look you know, they knew each other They were colleagues He says Norman you know no And Goblin says quiet lapdog I've watched you from deep behind Norman's cowardly eyes And he's talking to Peter here Struggling to have everything you want While the world tries to make you choose Gods don't have to choose We take And now Green Goblin is He's talking to Electro And to Sandman And to the other villains He's trying to plead with them Hey look, screw this We've got these powers these aren't their curses, these are our blessings Let's Let's lean into them And he's uh. he's convinced Electro now Because Electro rips that thing off his chest And a big yep. bolt of electricity And now the arc reactor It tears And flies into Electro's hand So he's got all the power in the world Basically <laughs> uh, Goblin Jumps on Peter And then here Sandman leaves So it just the whole plan, which looked like it was coming together, is now in complete chaos because all of these villains are separated, and now they're even more powerful and even more motivated. Yeah, and that, that scene—it's so great the way they build the tension in it from the from the uh, Spidey sense at the beginning uh, to the way that that um, the electrodes, like the, whatever that device is, it's just beeping and filling up like one LED at a time, and it gets. All the way to just being about to be finished before he rips it off. Like the, they build that tension so so well. And again, you've got just an incredible performance from Willem Dafoe playing essentially two characters, turning on a dime, 
uh, and he and letting on uh, a little bit, you know, beforehand that it was the Green Goblin in control, just kind of uh, trying to to keep that under wraps though until he could surprise them. Um, I thought it was uh, uh, an absolutely great scene, and then the subsequent uh, battle here, the fight that takes place, and the consequences of it are extreme it's really oh, well done there's some great spidey action and it's long like really it's long visceral from, brutal battle throughout this apartment complex we get the flashes and the electricity stuff with electro you get the sandstorm with the sandman you get the goblin flying around and then you get yeah. the physicality the the couple of of goblin spider-man bros yeah. were intense i mean we're it's just brawl. punches yeah. punches like Real, real, like, like fist fight, bar brawl type things here, and smashing I, through walls in a yeah really dynamic way. The way the camera would would chase the action, and uh, I thought it was really well done. Like I mentioned uh, before, there's some sequences and special effects, especially within this film, that stand out to me as being that they don't fit in that they're not at the level of a 200 million plus dollar movie uh that said none of that in this sequence this is like triple a plus stuff from from bell to bell uh and and yeah there's i have no complaints about this sequence whatsoever it looked amazing uh and it was paced amazing and ultimately it it was impactful not just because of the crazy blows that were landed in it but because of what happens to the characters in the end. And we we get J. Jonah Jameson and uh, yeah. some of the Daily Bugle there outside. So they're seeing this all happen. So they've got this on film. They're getting footage of all of this as it's going down with the swirling cloud and Electro. and Lizard escapes. Lizard escapes. And so they're police and everyone's watching outside as all this chaos is, is going on in the night sky. Goblins smashing Peter through a window Lights flickering all over Maze running down And Peter He's up on the, the balcony With the green goblin He smashes him down And uh, you know they continue to brawl And Goblin As he fights Peter You know he, he's kind of shit talking him As he's fighting him too Um he says you're too weak to take it you have you're strong enough to have it all but you're too weak to take it he punches peter in the chest and uh he's you know smiling then peter's just taking punch 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 and he smashes peter through the floor and peter's really kind of hobbling around he's barely able to get to his feet we've got helicopter lights searching through all the chaos now and j jonah jameson is out there and and lizard like yeah. lizard leaps onto Peter here he says I told you there'd be consequences so lizard comes out and he hurls him through a window now we get lizard and Peter going at it here so this yeah. is just chaos Peter's trying to fight off these villains um and we we then get the real serious moment with Aunt May she's running from yeah. the stairs she's running towards the door and Peter and the Goblin, they crash through the ceiling, and now they're in like the lobby of the the floor of the apartment complex. And Green Goblin tells Peter that his weakness is morality, and it's choking you. Can't you feel it? It didn't work. Norman was right. He got it from you. That's pathetic 
sickness You tried to fix me Now I'm going to fix you And We hear The glider starting to rev up And The glider explodes It crashes through And it takes out Aunt May Just nails her And then Goblin hits her hard Hits her hard He jumps back on the glider and he takes off And he says no good deed Goes unpunished You can thank Mm -hmm. me later So So message to to, uh, Peter and to Aunt May In that moment It's a a message to her ethos you know, And her general uh, outlook on life And what she's wanted to impart on Peter Uh, And that That glider we know from experience That glider killed uh, The Green Goblin in the first uh, Spider-Man film, the, uh, the Raimi film, so we know that it's equipped with these like daggers. What at, getting hit the with the glider could do to you? Yep. So we've seen it before. We have the case study. We have the yeah. proof there. So my assumption when she got hit was that she was just impaled and she's dead. But they play it off in this moment, like she's fine, like she, she's okay. That it just she knocked her up, down. So she's a little groggy, like you would be if you got knocked down, right? Yeah. Which she's. Talking fine she's kind of covered in dust And Peter and her are talking like No problem she's kind of stumbling a little bit Peter catches her she says it's okay we're okay She says I got knocked on my ass But that's all Peter says I think I broke my ribs He's kind of clutching at his stomach This is all my fault May I should have just listened to him And sent them back She says you did the right thing They would have been killed You did the right thing he says, but it's not my responsibility. And that's when she stops him. She says, oh, because of what Norman said, right? My moral mission. No, Peter, you listen to me. You have a gift. You have power. And with great power, there must also come great responsibility. Did you and just say goosebumps? I do. I, I didn't get it. I, get <laughs> I didn't know I get them when I was saying it to you. And I get them like when you – because that's what this whole – the yeah. comic, the this whole story of Spider-Man, it's all built on this. And you get goosebumps thinking about yeah. when they all three, the Spider-Man in a minute, reference the line. And oh, yeah. it this line, the way it was said, is actually the way it was supposed to yeah. be said, the, the way that it was initially written in the comics. So it's perfectly yeah. word by word, word, word true. Yeah. It was in the um the narration, I believe, right? It was like Stanley's narration. There, uh, uh, with great power must come, must also come great responsibility. And that, that phrasing here, that the, the fact that they used the dead on phrasing here was brilliant, I thought. And the, 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 the inversion, the twist here of like, we'd already had the Uncle Ben death prior to, you know, this moment, prior to the first Spider-Man film. Uh, so our assumption in, as an audience member up until this point is that Ben already said that in one way or another. But now that, that we're closing this loop and having May say it, uh, and this it, it's just a it adds to that level of, of there being a multiverse with like there's little changes to every variation on the on the universe uh, that that exists, and it was just so meaningful and impactful because we've got May, who's I think beloved in this franchise, like she became a, like a full fledged character, especially in this movie. Um, beyond just like a supporting character. I know she still is supporting technically or whatever, but she feels more fleshed out in this film as a, as a, as a person than in any other 
complete um, iteration. And she's got a relationship losing... with Happy. She's got she's got yeah, things on her own. She exactly. doesn't feel like as much of an extension of Spider Man. Great, great point. The, the inclusion of Happy in her relationship with him is a very specific thing that you you can't. There's no counterpart to that in any other iteration of Aunt May. It's, it's well, it's a much more uh, fleshed out version of the character. And then to see this fleshed out version of the character ripped away from us and, and killed on screen, replaying this iconic moment that you know we were told and fans have been saying we don't want to see this on screen again. We've seen the origin before and we don't want to see it, but they showed us that we were wrong. They showed us a new way uh, to actually top what's what's been done before and, and put a new spin on it and make us feel this all over again. Um, I think it was brilliant. Honestly, it was one of the best parts of the film, and uh, they, they absolutely nailed it. And who wasn't devastated to see Marissa Tomei go down and die here? It's just uh, yeah. it's a huge loss. You see the the blood. Peter kind of sees the blood, and uh, she's yeah. like, "I just have to catch my breath." And he says, "Okay, catch your breath. I'm. We're, we're going to take your time. We're going to catch your breath, and then we'll take you to a doctor." And he realizes when he sees the blood, and he calls out, "Somebody help! I need an ambulance, please! Somebody help!" And so he goes from being really scared to then May asks what happened, and he doesn't. Then he wants to try to be tough for her. Oh no, yeah, no, you're okay. Her. Yeah, nothing. You're fine. We're good. I, you know, we're good. I'm, I'm right here. We're okay. May and May and then she starts to slow her breathing and she falls still. And Peter says, "May, May, will you look at me? May, May, will you talk to me?" And she's gone. It's one of those where, like you said, I don't think. We knew with the Spider-Man story it was going to come at some point, but I think we we maybe thought ah, by now maybe they've just tweaked it. Maybe they're going to go in a different direction with this, and maybe this isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. But this is what what we are becoming to know, and I think we find out in just a, a little bit that to me this is one of those things that feels like it's uh, – what do they call them? An absolute point? Yes. This is yes. something that had to happen. They, this Again, could never, what this, if stuff? What if yeah. stuff? We saw it with with what if stuff. Yeah. Um, TK, will you <laughs> give me a uh, TK, she's gone. Aunt May is gone, and yeah. unfortunately, as as this is happening, Happy pulls up and he can see mm. what's going on, and and Happy gets arrested, and yeah. he just kind of screams for Peter to leave, so Peter can't even have this moment with May. Really, he's got to run yeah. because the police are after him right now. So, not only is he struggling, he's sad, but he's alone, and everybody thinks he's a criminal and a bad guy. And now he's sort of responsible for the death of Aunt May. Yeah, and and to make it worse, those police aren't just after him; they're shooting at him. I believe in this moment, so like he's got to get out of there. He has no chance to just stay there, explain anything. Uh, they're 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 firing shots at him. He can't even deal with this loss that's this devastating loss that's right in front of him. He literally has to flee. So that's going to add even more trauma to this moment. The fact that he's having to leave his Aunt May in this state uh, on the run as some, you know, like some criminal being shot at by the police. Like, who does he have to go to right now? Even if he does go to somebody for help at this point. Uh, is that just going to create more problems for them? It, are, you know, like he's in a really, really bad spot. This is, I think, inarguably the lowest point in the in the film. It's it's Peter's lowest point, and therefore, 
we need a little bit of bright light to, to, to pick us back up. We need something to come in right now to give us some hope and, and, and joy and move forward. As an audience, we need that, right? Yep. And I think that the, the film does it so perfectly. Perfect. It's perfect. So work. perfectly. Right We're when we needed this most, they give it to us. J. Jonah Jameson lets us know damage, destruction. You saw it with your own yes. eyes. Everywhere Spider-Man goes, calamity and chaos ensue. Everything he touches comes to ruin. And mm-hmm. great Ned shot and, there too. Yeah. The visual. Ned and MJ, the, the local news rep, uh, confirms that at least one person has been killed. There's a manhunt across the city looking for the suspects and looking for Peter. Parker, so we basically see Ned and MJ at Ned's grandma's house, and they're they're watching this on the news. And Ned's got the <laughs> Ned's got the sling ring, and MJ and and MJ has got the box that Peter told her to press that could set everything back. And she's getting ready to press it. And Ned said, "No, no, wait. I just wish I just wish we could see him." And Ned makes a move. With his hand as it happens And the sling ring sparks So Ned and MJ are like Wait what So he says again (laughs) I just wish we could see him And a little portal opens And then it closes And now he's like oh oh crap I know magic (laughs) Like I I, I can do this I just wish we could see Peter And here comes the portal And it opens And through it you could see Spider-Man out there Like at this point, oh man! As an audience member, we kind of know we're, we're knew, like, yeah. I, I, I could feel, I could feel it coming, and it's like, is this gonna happen? Like, what? Before I, I knew for sure. Talk we, about we kind of knew going right into now, it. They're all standing up, just thinking about, dude, thinking about the first time I saw it. You know, just like and what you yeah. were feeling, and you, it still get, like I said, when I've watched it back the three or four times now, it's still an yeah. awesome moment. But that moment yeah. where it was like. And the way it was done, because it's yeah. you see him and the figure off in the distance. So initially, yep. right away, you don't even know who it is. You don't know yeah. it's Spider-Man. It could be Toby. It could be Tom Holland. It could be anyone, right? But with a keen eye, with a keen eye, you you, you can tell because you it's can the, tell the same suit, suit and the, the same suit. build. Yep. And yep. but but it's it's enough. It's far enough, far in, enough. in the distance that most audiences are probably just going to think, oh, you got you got Peter there, or at least you're you're not sure at that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of this. The whole oh, yeah. setup here is they they lied to us in a good way, right? Like yes. they kept this secret. Like we yes. knew it was going to happen in a way, but they kept it a secret enough so so that we had they had this like plausible deniability to where. They preserved this surprise for us And it was a great surprise It was so much fun in the moment here And especially the way that they built it out Like they gave us this huge Shift of a moment where we lose Aunt May And we're just devastated And then right then They give us what we want What we're hoping for And uh, from there I mean it becomes a different movie And this is It's unbelievable to think about yeah. what, what it was like in that movie theater when yeah. when he pops in and you see him walk through the portal, he jumps through and it's Spider Man. And then the moment when you're like, "Oh, it's the di- it's the different suit." Oh, yeah. Like the moment when it's like, because you're so caught up in it, like you're realizing it, but you're just not putting. T- there's so much going on. It's like, and then uh-huh. it's oh my god, that. And here comes Andrew Garfield, and he pulls off the yeah. mask, yeah. and it's like, oh. And I, the funniest yeah. part is like, initially, 
Lola screams She throws a pillow at Spider-Man And then MJ's throwing bread at him yeah. which, is, which is just so funny um, So random Just the first thing on the, on the counter just thrown he says, him. I am Spider-Man in my world But then yeah. yesterday I was I was just here Yeah and now he's looking around and he goes, wow, string theory, multidimensional reality and matter displacement. It's all real. And and he's like just fascinated. And MJ and Ned like it has to be because of the spell because the spell like a magic spell. Their magic's real here, too. And so he's just I can't believe what's going on. He's looking all around. Yeah. He's looking all over. Ned says, I mean, there's magicians and stuff, but there's no I mean, <laughs> so. Now MJ is like She doesn't believe it Prove it, prove you're Peter Parker Prove you're Spider-Man right. He's like, I don't carry an ID with me And it kind of <laughs> defeats the purpose Of the whole anonymous superhero thing So she throws a roll at him yeah. And he goes Why'd you do that? And she says I wanted to see if you had the tingle thing He goes I have the, I have the tingle thing Just not for bread <laughs> <laughs> it actually has to be a like a danger or a threat. <laughs> and she's and she picks up another roll and he says, Can you not throw the bread again? He says, You're a deeply <laughs> mistrusting person, and I respect it. <laughs> he's so he's, he's like, nailing all this like it, right now. Like perfect. I mean so much charm, so much like like natural instincts, like as an actor. Like he just makes it feel very real and fun. At the same time, and you're you're just you accept it as an audience, like you're just like this other Spider Man's here, and we're going with it. And I, I love also Zendaya's uh, performance here. She's oh, just so funny in everything great. she does. She's great. Honestly, this movie was the her one praises. that really yeah. sold it for me because she's good in everything that she yeah. does. But yeah. she really in this movie is so good, and she just she wants him to prove it. Like yeah. you know, he jumps up and he puts his hand on the the ceiling, and he's like stuck to so the good. ceiling. And she's like, just "Crawl around up there." Thing, like <laughs> yeah, like you just start with the hand, and that's a, that's a cool visual thing. And all of a sudden, we get Andrew Garfield Spider Man crawling on ceilings again. Like it's 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 our dreams kind of coming true. You know what we wanted in this movie is actually is actualized in this scene, and it's just a it's a joy. It was an absolute joy to see this in the theater with a packed house. And. He he's able to play to the jokes, the inside jokes that we have with him yeah. and his Spider-Man in his world, but then also yeah. lean into the jokes about MJ and like, oh, yeah. you're a very distrusting person, and I love that. Like it just <laughs> right. so he's dancing in both of these like worlds, which is so cool. He's crawling around while he's up on the ceiling. He gets the cobweb that the that grandma asks him if touch. he could just get the cobweb yeah. while he's up there. So he does. He just gets up there and he cleans it off. And she says, "Crawl around while you're up there." No, why do I need to crawl around? And it's like, <laughs> no. How do I stick to this monkey? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just right. so funny. And um, so as they're sort of coming to terms with what's happened, they say, uh, "Ned realizes I opened the wrong portal to the wrong Peter Parker." And MJ says, "I guess you just keep doing it until we find the real Peter." And, and Andrew Garfield goes, "Ouch." You know, so they lean into how he's always talked about as like the least of the Spider-Man, and and they they play into this right. joke over and over. It's like what the what Marvel's been doing yeah. with Captain Marvel now, 
You know, yeah. they sort of know that she's someone who gets kind of crapped on. It's it's what I think is going to be happening soon with Anakin Skywalker in with in Obi mm-hmm. in the Obi Wan series. You know, with, hopefully it, that was so much comedy. But yeah, yeah that rehabilitation like the, like the rehab, thing. Yeah. just making you yeah. like, and and maybe even in a comedic sense where it's like they'll. They won't take themselves so seriously Some of those things that like when you just take yourself So seriously right. As a fan it's easy to make fun Of you but when you make yeah. fun of Yourself when you've got the M&M approach Like right. what are what are we supposed to do Like it's like oh yeah. yeah the guy Makes fun of the fact that he was like The least well received of the Spider-Man that's cool You know and I, it it Absolutely. just Comes off genuine and funny And uh, self-deprecating. It's it's, oh, it's charming. So and, self-deprecating. The whole movie. And then, and it's, God, it's great. Yeah. It's and great. then he just does so well at making, you know, him. His character just so likable throughout. Beyond that, you know, he does yeah. so, so many great things. They, they do other things. Uh, the fall, uh, which we'll get to, like that that aspect of his redemption is really really cool. Um, and yeah, I think that a, a, a large sentiment after this film. Uh, from audiences is that we want to see more Andrew Garfield Spider-Man uh, and that people are looking at his films in the, maybe a different light. Uh, there's a lot of great things to, to love about those films. I thought like the suit in those films, his, uh, maybe one of the best ones on screen, mm-hmm. um, especially Amazing Spider-Man 2. Some of the special effects in that and the swinging and the CG, I think, is actually better in the film that they made in 2012 than some of the stuff that we we see in uh, the MCU Spidey. Uh, so there's there's a lot to really take from those films and enjoy about them, and not the least of which being Andrew Garfield himself as the uh, as the lead in that. And I mean, he's just a great actor. I haven't seen him in anything where I didn't like him. Um, he did a movie I with... I totally uh, agree. Mel, did, what's that movie with Mel Gibson? He did... It's a historical film about... Uh, it's a war film. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of it but it, it's it's absolutely terrific i mean the guy's worked with um uh, scorsese now uh he's got uh a, a great tick musical boom. that came out in the past year i mentioned called tick tick boom which i thought he was terrific in uh so he, he just had a great year uh, this past year and i think uh his star has never been uh never been hotter you know he's he's a really uh gifted actor and just very likable i want to see more of this guy i know he's someone that you you're like, why haven't I seen more of him? But I think it's one of those mm-hmm. things where it's like he's selective about what yeah. he decides to do, right? He's not just doing corny rom-coms all the time here and there. Right. The movies that he picks are good, like films that he's in yeah. and that he plays big roles. I mean, he's the social network. He's fantastic, yeah. obviously, in that, he's, you know, and that's like that's one right. of the, the ones that sort of I think the kind of brought him to the like the, yeah. the mainstream. The mainstream. So yeah. Man, absolutely. Uh, He's quietly stacking up a, a great, a great record here. Shout out to him because this was, yes. uh, this was great stuff. And Ned puts the uh, sling ring on again, and here we go. Find Peter Parker. Find Peter Parker. Yeah, he does. It's Toby from the Raimi. No, it's just a guy. <laughs> it's just yeah. It's just a guy. It's just it's it's the youth pastor. Is that what he jokes right. about? He calls him afterwards. <laughs> Says you got your suit, or are you gonna go out there dressed like a youth pastor? Which just right. made me chuckle because I was like, "Yeah, that guy looks like what the guys at Life Teen at St. Luke's used to wear when I would go over to the, that stuff." So, uh, <laughs> um, and now everybody's confused. But what's cool about this is that Toby, the 
this Spidey, yeah. he seems to know a little bit more. Like he's like, I've seen you guys, or he's like, you're you're not his friends, right? So he knows right. that that something is off here. That this isn't that Tom Holland and Zendaya and Ned should be together, not Andrew Garfield with them. So he can tell yeah. there's something off. And and the one thing that both of these Spider Men say to Ned and MJ is right. They can sense that Peter needed their help. Right. And they both indicated that they were aware of an of another Spider Man, that there was another Spider Man specifically in this world. So that they're not totally in the dark about what's going on. All. Though they have no idea the context of like how or why, but they they are they seem to be aware that okay we're in a different world where there's a different Spider-Man that's on the news and it's not me. Uh, and then yes, like you said, they're being like drawn uh, in some kind of like a destiny kind of way, a fate. Maybe maybe it's a part of their spider sense. Uh, who knows? But it they're they're being drawn towards helping, you know you know our Tom Holland Peter in his time of need. So. Very, very interesting. Um, I think mesh there of like the idea of destiny yeah. and this multiverse sci-fi kind of thing, which I think you know they've always kind of done. The idea of an absolute point is mm-hmm. is another way of saying destiny. Uh, so, uh, really, really interesting uh, choice there, and I think it it actually just kind of is an easy catch-all, uh, a smart way that they could just write logic into this of how they get brought together because it's a big world uh so that 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 they are intersecting you know is is a you know one in a billion chance you know so the idea that this would happen there needs to be some kind of logic to it it makes sense that they're just innately drawn by some higher power that's that's an easy answer so they ask well wait you're spider-man why didn't you just say that and Toby says, "Well, I don't go around advertising it. Kind of defeats the whole anonymous superhero thing." Right. And then the way, just like the timing of this, uh, yeah. Andrew Garfield, like immediately after, just like repeats, like I just said that. I just said that. You yeah. know, like, oh, and the, yeah, MJ. Like, it's so MJ at the same time. Yeah, it's yeah. so funny how he just says like it's. I just I just said that. It's what he just said, you know. And then yeah. here comes Lola. She gives this big speech in Tagalog. And Ned looks right. over. He goes, "Hey, um, uh, Lola, ask if you guys could clean up the webs that you just shot." Right. <laughs> and then they're both like, "Oh yeah, sorry, Lola." It's so and, polite. <laughs> and you see Andrew Garfield just like starting to clean up the kitchen. He's yeah. like wiping up the webs and everything. It was just really funny, funny stuff here. As um, that's when Toby tells us he's been trying to find your friend. I I just have the sense that he needs my help, and Andrew chimes in, "Our help." And so they try to figure out where he is And Toby asks Is there a place that he goes you know, To be alone, to get away from everything He mentions for him it was the Chrysler building For Andrew Garfield, <laughs> Spider-Man It was the Empire State building Better view Better view <laughs> And God, like the Toby character He is so freaking genuine Right? Like, and it rings yeah. so true to him Because the Andrew Garfield character is more self-deprecating, right? And he snark right. is not a right word, but he'll like be a little more jokey. And Toby yeah. is just the skater kid. Just yeah, Toby's just so genuine, just so mm-hmm. genuine with everything. E- even like the little things that where he says, uh, you know, uh, uh, Garfield says Empire State Building. It's a it's a better view. And instead of like right. being combative or anything, he just goes, yeah, it is a sweet view. 
Yeah. Like, and you can tell he believes it. Like, yeah. Kobe sells that. Like, he's like, yeah, you're right. Like, I do really appreciate that. View. You, you like, or I might go, ah, no, yeah, we, we might get into a debate about what, like, which building was better, right? Th- that would be like a normal right. conversation that two people would have. Ah, oh, no, the Chrysler spot's better. No, nah, my favorite spot. The F-. But he just doesn't even want to get caught right. up into that stuff. He just but wants also, to. Also, it's thrilling. It's it thrilling is. for him in that moment because it's such a joy to go, like, yeah, you know about this shit. You're like, right. Not one other person on the planet that he's ever talked to can go with me. Like, uh, oh yeah, the view up there, you know, from swinging is really awesome. Like, it's, like that's he. He's like, yeah, like you, you, you get me in that moment. That's way more important than like their their you know opinion on which is better. Like just the fact that he's like, wow, there's there's somebody who sees me, you know, who who understands me and who can relate to me like on a level nobody else has, you know, like a brother. And. MJ and Ned realize where he is. He's at their spot at the top of the school where they would always go to uh, when things got a little too heavy, when the uh, the world got a little too busy. So they go to see Peter there, and he's mourning. Obviously, yeah. MJ and Ned give him a big hug. They say, "I'm sorry," and they let him know, Peter. There's some people here, and he's he's. You know he gets backed up he's frustrated He he just let his guard down with his two best friends He's crying and now there's people here What are you talking about like everybody's trying to kill me yeah. Nobody wants to think I'm a bad guy Aunt May just died what's going on And he sees them It's so cool the way they're up They're placed up top you just kind of see their Silhouettes you know And then they yeah. kind of leap down And the uh, Toby says uh, sorry About May and then Andrew Garfield says yeah I'm sorry I've got some Understanding of what it and Peter Interrupts him angry no no please Don't tell me that's a common Response right you you lose mm-hmm. A friend or a family member and, and people Will tell you I'm so sorry I know what you're going through You know and, and the first right. thing I Remember in my head when I was sick And I had cancer and people were saying that mm-hmm. to me I'm like You don't effing know what I'm going Through don't tell right. me that shit You know like it's it gets right You know people mean well but It doesn't it doesn't Hit the way people want it to hit Right it doesn't connect yeah. the way they want It ends up coming off like So my my problems Are nothing everybody else has had those Same problems this isn't that right. big of a deal That's what you're telling right. me right now you Exactly know? yeah It like and, diminishes it uh, mm-hmm. They're trying to you know people do that all the time uh, mm-hmm. in, in real and life on small it's a great things attempt. Too. You, it, And you know what they're trying to do They want to make you feel better right. but I'm So self absorbed too I always Flip it on someone when they do that to me I'm like that I didn't right. take that how you wanted To you shouldn't have said that oh yeah <laughs> Yeah I, I hate when I catch Myself doing that somebody will be like oh My my stomach hurts and I'm like oh yeah I had a stomach thing yesterday like no I'm now making it about me uh, I Hate when the roles are reversed mm-hmm. and, and and That that happens mm-hmm. uh it just feels like you're not being heard, and that the other person is is uh, yep. you know just trying to, to take the moment in a weird way, like trying to like like diminish your thing because, like you said, it happens to everybody. So we shouldn't even almost acknowledge it. That's not even worth acknowledging it because we all that's like the weird subtext that it's never intended, but like that's how it always seems to be received, you know. So Peter Tom Holland tells them that Aunt May is gone. It's all my fault. She died for nothing. So I'm going to do what I should have done in the first place And They the, the two other Peters are able to get Through to him a little bit because they do share Some of the experiences that they've had And mm-hmm. He uh, he says You know if they die if you kill them 
That's on you. It's not my problem. I don't care anymore. I'm done. He said, I'm, you know, he tells the Spider Man, I'm sorry I dragged you two into this. You guys got to go home. Good luck. And as he reaches out for the box to try to press the button to set everything back, MJ won't really let him. She kind of gives him a look like, uh, hey, like, let them talk first. You know, like, let's like hear them. And so he does. And Toby mentions that Uncle Ben was killed and it was his fault. And then this little, this, like, this is when Andrews just starts really just nailing it, man. He says, I lost, uh, I lost Gwen. My, um, she was my MJ. I couldn't save her. I'm never going to be able to forgive myself for that. But I carried on. I tried to, uh, I tried to keep being the, uh, friendly neighborhood Spider Man because I know that's what she would have wanted. But at some point, I just, uh, I stopped pulling my punches. I got rageful. I got bitter. I just don't want you to end up. Like me right? And then Toby tells us you know the night Ben died I hunted down the man who I thought did it I wanted him dead I got what I wanted It didn't make it better it took me a long Time to learn how to get through That darkness Yeah. So this hits him And Peter says you know I want to I want to kill him I want to tear him apart I can still hear her voice in my Head even after she was hurt She told me With great power And Toby great moment Toby oh finishes the, the sentence. Way, the way they both recognize they look at see each it on other. their faces. Yeah. yeah. They all look at the Toby and Andrew look at each other like, oh, we know this line. We yeah. know this. We know this one. It's and, just as it's just as revelatory to them too, because they're also being cued in on this grand cosmic destiny thing. Because, like, wait, not only are there multiple Spider-Man, but we have this specific thing in common, this impetus for you know, our whole ethos and our whole character and our motivation, um, this ties them together and bonds them um, uh, in a way beyond the, the, the Spider-Man identity. This thing is like the reason for the Spider-Man identity. So it's it's just a, a really heavy, weighty moment. And also as an audience uh, member, we get a little bit of story. We get a little bit of the continuation of what happened after, you know, Amazing Spider-Man 2. We get some, you know, it's it's dropped in uh, exposition here. I don't think it's too heavy-handed. Um, but we we get a little bit of a sequel there in our own way. So they help each other here. As uh, Uncle Ben said it the day he died, we realized that this is that absolute point. Ben's maze death, mm. the... The the phrase the, the with words. great power yeah. comes great responsibility because those are the words that that the lesson that Peter lives by. Yeah. Those are the words yeah. that he takes and internalizes from forever. So now they're back in the in the lab, and they got to figure out what yeah. to do. Okay, so they got Connors, Marco, Dylan, and it's great. Like um, everybody's got lab coats. Yeah, they all got their That's lab awesome. coats. Uh, Andrew walks in. He goes, "Oh man, I got Connors. I've already cured him once. No big deal. Yeah. Like, uh, no, no problem there." And they're laughing. And uh, and then there's Toby- another, that's another like metatextual joke there too, because the guys look at him like, "Okay, hot shot or whatever." Like, like, and that's kind of the criticism of that Spider-Man was that he was a little bit too cocky to be Spider-Man. That's the, that's that like that's the difference, or maybe I should say a little bit too cocky to be Peter. Uh, that was one of the criticisms, I think, of Andrew Garfield's uh, uh, portrayal and, and the way they wrote him. Uh, but uh, the, the, again, it's that rehab thing. They're kind of in on the joke and they're playing with it and making it part of the, the new uh, reality 
and, and kind of spinning it in a positive way. And yeah, the, these, these are just, man, the three of them in the lab working together and the three of them on the scaffolding afterwards. Yeah. And the, uh, so Toby says he thinks he can make an anti-serum for Dr. Osborne. He says, we got to cure all of them, right? That's what we do. Yep, and yep. then MJ is just kind of watching him, watching Peter, and he's like, what? And mm. she's just smiling. She's like, it's three U's. You know, and it's <laughs> just all these Spideys, they're prepping their cures and their fixes, right? We get, yeah. you know, we get that montage of the Bunsen burner and the lab goggles and the chemicals being put. And, you know, Ned walks over and he asks uh, Toby, so do you have a best friend too? And uh, Toby says, I did. He died in my arms after he tried to kill me. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and Ned's like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> That's not going to be me. <laughs> yeah, really funny. And um, so Ned's like all nervous. He doesn't even want to look at Peter for a little while. And um, yeah. Peter... And MJ share this really sweet moment where he tells her he's sorry for ruining her life. And she says, look, I'm not going anywhere. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through it together. And you can see Andrew watching this interaction. Like, you know, Um, like kind of longing for his someone. Longingly. Yeah. 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 And uh, Toby sees him watching and he he asks Andrew, do you have someone? And He's like, no, 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 no. He kind of like scoffs it. I love, I love the way he reacted to it. It was like, no, (laughs) no. It was so funny. So there's no, uh, you know, I, I got no time for Peter Parker stuff, you know. I guess it's not in the cards for guys like you and me. But Toby says, well, I wouldn't give up yet. It took a while, but we made it work. And he says, really? He says, yeah, me and, me and MJ. And, and then they kind of look at the other MJ. He goes, my MJ. You know, it gets confusing over here. (laughs) <laughs> These moments are so like sweet. They're genuine. They connect all of these yeah. years of Spider-Man movies and stories together. And it was just like, wow. I, I like, yeah. I loved it. And it's the actors more than it is anything else. Right. It's these three actors. Absolutely. They're fantastic. And that's why it wouldn't have worked if they were less like if they were actors that weren't as good and they didn't have as much chemistry with each other as like you said these three Spider-Men feel like they're brothers. Right. They, like they yeah. totally come off like they've known each other forever and um it's funny we get the meme Tim where yes Ned goes Peter and they all three turn he goes Peter Parker and they're all pointing and they all point and it's like <laughs> him me me him, yeah. him me and uh and it had to happen. It had to. It had to. And so they uh, they devised their plan. Okay, so all we got to do is lure these guys someplace, try to cure them, and while they try to cure them, while they try to kill us and send them home using a magic box. And they look, they look at each other like, "Well, that's the plan." Um, and and Andrew says, right. uh, "So you gonna go into battle dressed as a cool youth pastor, or you got your suit?" <laughs> And then Toby shows he's got the suit on right underneath. I love that little reveal because, yeah, I, I actually had that thought at one point earlier. Like, oh, does he have his suit on him? I wasn't sure how that was going to work. Uh, I was a, almost a little disappointed. Like, oh, are we not going to get to see Toby in his suit? And then he's just like, bitch, please. Come on. I got this thing right here. You know, like 
relax, we got this. And then uh, it's it's just incredible to see them all three sharing a frame in those iconic suits, uh, <laughs> swinging around together, posing together. Uh, the, it's a yeah, fanboy dream. They start talking about the webs. And, and and oh yes, and he's got the web cartridges, and Toby's like, "What uh-huh. are those?" And and uh, yeah, right. Tom Holland's like, "Oh, that's my web fluid. It's it's for my web shooters. Why?" And then he just shoots. He just shows that he can shoot one right out. Toby yeah. and, and Andrew and Tom are just fascinated. <laughs> They're so impressed. Andrew in particular, he's like looking around him. And around his sides and like he keeps looking yeah. at his wrist where it comes out of and, and Toby goes you guys can't do that huh and they're both like no no and how does this even work and there's it's it's just so great it's like it just comes off real and funny and yeah and that, that question of like does it come out of anywhere it comes else out of everywhere else is too like and, I asked the same question after after I first saw Spider-Man when they had that change and it wasn't right? using web shooters using organic I'm like wait a minute what wouldn't it come out like his ass or something it's like, like the whole head, like, like the Hulk or his thing, abdomen? Right? We said yeah. that the, the question. Um, this is man. Um, this is great stuff. It's so funny. And they yeah. said they're gonna draw them in with the box. It's the one thing they all want. And and then Ned says, you know, we could portal there. I'm magic now. He's all <laughs> proud. Oh, you know, I can I can do this. And he says, dude, I got Doctor Strange magic. And I promise you, I won't turn into a supervillain yep. and try to kill you. <laughs> and uh, and so they, um, as they get ready to leave, Peter says, okay, MJ, what's that thing you always say? Expect disappointment. And she says, no, we're going to kick some ass. Yeah. And then they say, cure some ass. We're going to cure that ass. And uh, cure that uh, ass. <laughs> they get all set for our final battle here, which is going to be set up. On the Statue of Liberty Which is newly renovated With Captain America's shield on it And there's scaffolding yeah. all over Because you could tell they're still working on the, the project here And mm-hmm. the uh, Tom Holland calls in To the uh, the Daily Bugle And the and to J. Jonah Jameson And he He says look The truth is this is all my fault I accidentally brought those dangerous people here And if those people are watching just know I really did try to help you I mean I could have killed you at any given moment, but I didn't because my Aunt May taught me that everyone deserves a second chance. And that's why I'm here at a place that represents second chances. He shows that he's on the top of the Statue of Liberty, and yeah. J. Jonas Jameson starts getting fr- the Statue of Liberty. He's going to destroy another national landmark. <laughs> His uh, Peter just says, hey, wish me luck. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man sure could use some. And he hangs up the phone, and now we see Peter on the Statue of Liberty there, and we see just the three of these Peters, man. It's so cool. Um, Toby's, you know, finishing up, uh, you know, what he needs to do, and then Andrew says, you know, he starts talking about Electro, Max. He was the sweetest guy ever before he fell into a pool of electric eels, <laughs> and <laughs> and then the moment. If I was asked to like give me my three or four things that stood out to me, the backtracking, yeah. 
it's yeah, the it's on there because it's like yeah. my buddies and I used to do this. I remember be like, oh, oh. crack my back, Dude. and it's just like, oh, that was a good. You hear the crack. That's the way to do it too. Yeah, that's the perfect way to for, do for, it. For those that don't know, you got to cross your arms and you got to lift up like that. That's the, the drop like, safe back, way. Just the little, yeah, the little. It's awesome, man. And it was like you said, these guys share this connection that nobody else has. Yeah, yeah. it's like twins, like twin brothers, like more so than even brothers because. They're, so, they're they're the same people in a way. So that's as close as you can get to to sharing reality. Um, and it's it was uh, that again those little moments, the in betweens, like just the three Spideys uh, sitting around sh- shooting the webs. You know, like that. Yeah. That's what I loved about this film. He says, "This is so cool. I always wanted brothers." And then he asks, yeah. "So, so you like you make your own web fluid in your body?" And <laughs> Toby's like, "I don't want to talk about this." And 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 then. Andrew's like no I'm not trying to be Toby's like You guys are teasing me aren't you And then Tom goes no no look We're not teasing we just we can't do that So naturally we're curious as How do you how your web situation works That's all and So we're like we're obviously talking about like Your male libido and everything right But it's so funny the way that they're like The, the referencing and the thin veils Here as uh, yeah. It's like if you had three uh, If you have like three brothers and one of them had two dicks. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the other two would like, be like, "What's that like? Like, like I just got. I, I, how do you? How do you uh, make it work? Like, <laughs> exactly. It's just like, and they're all just so impressed. And uh, yeah, right. He, they a little me, bit grossed out, but fascinated by. It. <laughs> they're like, "How does it? How does it work? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I wish I could tell I'm you. I don't do it. It's like I don't. I don't do breathing, <laughs> which I thought right. like breathing just happens. You know." And you know it just like whoa it just it comes out of your wrist does it come out of anywhere else and and then yeah. Toby smiles only the wrist and then Andrew asks him have you ever had a web block you know because he says I run out of webs all the time I have to make my own and you know it's a hassle compared to what you've got and he says uh. wait wait what oh, I did have a web block you know existential crisis stuff I mean don't get me yeah. started on it so they're just. It's like they're just talking about all this yeah. as they're on this like scaffold to save him. the world, right? Like they're yeah. talking about this, like just what any random buddies would be talking about. Yeah, uh, like Toby's just like uh, we're reminded of it out of nowhere. He's like, "I'm glad you mentioned that." Like, yes, I I did in fact have a weblock. I I I, oh, I can't. I'm glad you mentioned. It. I love the way he reacted there. It's just everything about the way these guys uh, interact just feels very. Very natural, very, uh, very realistic. And it, uh, part of that is just that they're allowing us to see that those little in-between moments. Uh, and uh, again, those those stand out as being fun in the way that uh, fun and interesting and, and, and informative of the characters uh, in ways that we're not, you know, normally accustomed to, to seeing. And it's, again, that Age of Ultron party scene that just seeing them in a, a new light that makes them more human and more real, more relatable. They start talking about the different villains that they fought, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and he asks, "Hey, well, what are some of the?" Cr-? Tom Holland goes, "What are some of the craziest villains that you guys have fought?" And you can tell yeah. that he wants to ask that question, so that way he can say he went to space, you know. Like he always right. loves, he loves mentioning that he went to space. Like that's his like his favorite thing. So, you know, they, he, you know, uh, Toby goes, "I fought a, an alien made of black goo once," and. Peter was no, no way! I fought an alien too on Earth and in space. You know, it was purple, and 
And then <laughs> Andrew Garfield's so jealous because I want to fight an alien. You know, <laughs> yeah. just, and uh, Toby, wait, you you fought an alien in space? And <laughs> yeah. Andrew, I'm I'm lame. I mean, I fought a Russian guy in like a rhinoceros machine, you know. And <laughs> then Toby stops him. Hey, you know what? Let's go back to that. <laughs> You're not lame. Yeah. And he goes, No, I know. I'm just I was like self talking. Is it no wait, stop. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> just just take yeah. it in for a minute. Yeah. You are amazing. <laughs> you are amazing. Will you say it? And you could see that, like, Andrew really needed to hear that. And then he, yeah. said, he says it. Okay, thank you. I, I kind of needed that right there. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's great. And again, it's that meta text stuff. Uh, they're being uh, – they're, they're referencing, obviously, like, fan appreciation of the, these characters. And, like, maybe that he, he's the most underappreciated. Always coming last. Uh, he's Peter number three. Uh, but, no, in reality, he is amazing. And it's a great – also a uh, meta joke in that he is the amazing Spider-Man from the amazing Spider-Man uh, series, film series. So really smart writing there. How again, you use that adjective, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was just fun. Like, again, fun, funny, realistic, made these characters like vulnerable in, in a realistic kind of way, but also they're, they're like, they're like rejecting like toxic masculinity sort of they're they're going against that uh expectation that you might see like they're being supportive you're seeing dudes being supportive of each other like i i like that i feel like that's kind of like a refreshing fun take that you don't see too often you you see a lot of like people cutting each other down 100%. and there's a little bit there's a little bit of that uh the, the snark that. In, in here yeah, yeah. in fact those are the moments that don't fly as much uh we'll, we'll get to it very shortly uh but there's that line later where he's like i love you guys and they kind of like hold on a beat and it's it's they do it for for comedic effect they, they like kind of don't receive it i know I, that it was took like, me out of it where I was, me too yeah I'm like he gave him the I, thank I, you and well, it's like no they should have said i, I love wanted, you too yeah. and they should have wrapped him in for the bigger hug even right i wanted sincerity at that moment yeah marvel does that marvel tries to burst their own bubble a lot of times to like maintain the reality and like oh my god isn't this so crazy and a lot of times it works but sometimes they just take it too far and that's a, i think an example of it where yeah, they're they're going for the joke, and it actually undermines the reality a little bit, and it, and uh, they could benefit from a little bit more just straight up sincerity in, in those times. Now shit starts popping. Here comes yeah. Electro, and in then Lizard guy is here. The mm-hmm. Lizard is here, and what mm-hmm. we're finding out is that these three Spider Men are so used to working on their own, they're not used to being a team. So they're trying to do things here and there, but it's not really working. They've all got the right. cures, but nobody is is winning their individual battles, and they're like they're literally getting in the way of each other. One guy will have a web up, and then he'll knock the other one down, and they just yeah. they're they're not playing well with the te- on the team here. You've got uh, yeah. Andrew battling Lizard. You've got Toby and uh, Electro. Kind of going at it a, a little bit here and, and back and forth And then we get uh, Spidey getting knocked down Like they're just all over each other here And now mm-hmm. Sandman Jumps up and, and he You know him he's in the mix So we get all of these the, the three of these uh, Villains yeah. are here And they've got the, the better of the Spider-Man Right now no doubt about it And to the point where the They gotta regroup 
these spideys mm-hmm. they, they they basically like come together and they're like what the hell is going on out there <laughs> they're confused he says i keep yelling at you peter 2 peter 2 and he goes wait i'm peter 2 i thought i was peter 1 i'm peter <laughs> you're peter 3 like nobody <laughs> nobody wants to be peter 3 obviously right. so that ends up being andrew where there's right. a moment where they're peter like three. oh peter 3 exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny and so tom holland says look i've been in a team before I was in the Avengers, and they're going, the Avengers? What were the Avengers? What is that? He starts telling them, is is that a band? You were in a band? No, they were Another, okay, another example here. Another example here where I I thought they went for the joke, and it was just that I didn't like it. Like, like when Andrew says, were you in a band? Like, that, to me, cut that line. Like, it was, it was, again, doing that thing we were just talking talking about where you're kind of undercutting the sincerity of it and we didn't didn't need it i didn't feel like it landed quite quite as well um yeah i don't know i do like the moment though where he that he's saying he's in the avengers and that is the thing that differentiates them uh but because it makes sense something about that line like stuck out no i know the line was like a little cringy shoehorned in yeah Yeah, but it makes sense he's worked with the team he's been on the team before and so they figure it out okay here's what we're gonna do we're going to pick one target. We're going to take them off the board one at a time. And they here yeah. they go. Peter one, Peter two, Peter three. They all get ready. <laughs> <laughs> and they're on yeah. their way. And yeah, that's when they have the moment where Garfield says, I love you guys. Yeah. And they don't say it back. And they say, thank you. Like, like you would say to thank a you. person that says, I love you, but you don't want to say it back. So I don't, after they were just establishing all the connections with them and Toby. Yeah. Telling him how amazing he was over and over, it kind of ringed hollow a little bit. It did. I, I'm so glad we agree on this. It, just, yeah. it was just something that didn't quite fit uh, for the for the tone of the moment. Uh, it was they were going for the the humor, and I feel like they. I, I would have laughed if they, if they just tweaked it a little bit. I think if they were if they were just a little caught off guard by it, but were also like, "I love you too," but uh, at least said it. But they were just maybe it's a little too soon for that. Like, uh, if there there still could have been that awkwardness uh, a little bit like it, he was being too forward or like why are you doing this right now like we're in the middle of everything but like it was it needed to be embraced a little bit more like the, just the fact that they kind of were standoffish in that moment again it, it like it contradicted like you were saying the, the the previous scene that we had just established with this this new level of rapport between them again though um it's a great scene overall. Like, yeah, these are li- minor quibbles. We're, um, we're nitpicking with that some was of the just stuff one that like stood out vi- to me. Visually, yeah. it's awesome. I mean, with the look yeah, for the of most the, part, yeah, of the yeah. Of just like where they are too, like up on the scaffold. It's a great scene for like a yeah. final battle here on the the Statue of Liberty. You've got the the Spideys all trying to get the get the villains cured, and yeah. it's okay. They figure Sandman first, so. Doesn't completely go as planned, but they are able to oh. just as. Is this when they jump though? Sorry, I, I don't no, want no, to go ahead. jump ahead. Like they have this great jump moment at this point, right? The like right after they hug together, the three of them all jump in their own like iconic ways. Like Andrew Garfield does, like the dive bomb down. Um, and, and everything is like harkening back to the individual Spideys, like go to kind of poses and moves. Uh, but I love this moment when they're swinging and uh, uh, Tom Holland's Spidey actually gra- like 
thwips both the other Spideys and does this like twirl thing to like whip them in the air and, and propel them forward, like carrying him them with him. And I thought like visually it was really cool on its own, but it also had the layer of like metaphorically, it's like this new generation Spidey, like sending a, a line out to the, the previous ones and bringing them in on the action and working together. I thought that worked really well, like symbolically, but then also like the exact move that he did was a an echo of when he was first introduced uh in the civil war battle and he's fighting captain america and he uh he web shoots cap's shield cap does this like twirl thing and then pulls spidey it's the same exact move so i thought that those little touches like that just helped to tell the story and and through those details and through the action in a way that you know people might not even perceive uh but but it's all there it's great stuff this this is cool. This is just really cool what they're doing, and yeah. we get uh we get the Sandman zapped first, and so he gets cured, and so their you know their plan is working one by one. They're able to take them out first. Sandman mm-hmm. first, Electro uh, then Electro, and then uh, and then Lizard. They get a little bit of help from MJ and from Ned, and this is a really memorable. Scene. I mean, there's just a lot of action going on. Yeah. We have these three Spideys all helping each other out, and yeah. um, we, you know, Electro with the arc reactor, he looks really awesome, and and yeah. he's going crazy, and he, he says, "You're not going to take this away from me," and just great stuff, man. I, I mean, this is this is good. Like, it's a lot of fun. It, it would be impossible to try to dissect every single thing that's going on here because right. there's so much. So, you know, it's three Spideys on screen. It's great. But yeah. I love that you mentioned Ned and MJ too, because their part in all this, I think is really, yeah, it's a great extension of what, what Ned's been doing uh, up until this point with his kind of magic journey uh, and a great kind of like twist on it that he's not, you know, he's, he got ahead of himself for sure. And then the, him trying to close the portal as the lizard is coming towards them is just a great moment for comedy. And it also, it, it harkens back to previous uh, scenes in, 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 uh, in the amazing Spider-Man film, the first one. Uh, and it's just a great like mashing of these worlds together and a great use of those characters, the Ned and MJ. I love that. So we know when, uh, when these three are done, that's, that's not it though. And uh, poor Ned, we find out that Ned doesn't really know what he's doing all that much with the magic You know, it's sort of like accidental <laughs> When he gets the doors open, when he gets the portals open When he's trying to close it, it's not working The lizard runs through the portal And then uh, uh, Tom's got to chase, Tom Spidey has to chase him all through there So, just fun action And uh, a really great climax as we build up to what we sort of know uh, is going to come another face off with the green goblin doc ock is the one who actually kind of turns on electro he he comes in and he pretends like he's he is evil but then he's actually uh he's actually helping the spider-man so he's the reason why the arc reactor uh gets sort of yanked off and we get to see max uh normal max jamie fox Jump back up uh, at one point So it was cool for the The complete arc here for uh, For Doc Ock Yeah absolutely um, He's uh, 
it, it's a great little twist. Like uh, he gets to be good, and that's that's true to the original uh, incarnation of the character in the in the Raimi verse, and uh, it makes sense. It, it's an extension of his redemption in, in that film. He actually gets to be a little bit of a superhero in, in this. So I, I love that little uh, twist. They they faked me out. I wasn't sure what the hell happened. Maybe like the maybe the the chip broke or whatever their solution didn't didn't stick but it just turned out to be him being clever and, and uh, trying to get the jump on uh on electro there and and help out in the end so very cool use of the villains and it also reinforces um the idea that they're not villains that they are worth saving and that if they can if they can save these guys that they'll do good in the world so it, it's reinforcing that theme of, of rehabilitation so as this is happening and as their plan is working, Doctor Strange shows back up and he's pissed. He, he's been yeah. like is like hanging out in the mirror dimension for a while and he he sees Lizard transforming back into Connors and mm-hmm. and so he's he's impressed. He's also impressed with the fact that Ned just opened a portal. He's like, "What? What? Did right. you just open a portal?" He's like, "Yeah, I did." And <laughs> and so Doctor Strange now is trying to like survey everything, like what's been going on, like what's happening here. As uh, he he's like, "Was well, I gone this long? All this is all this is happening." And we got a funny moment between Andrew and Max Dillon, Jamie Fox, who's no longer Electro. He says, uh, "Don't worry, I'm all tapped mm-hmm. out. I'm back to being a nobody." He says, "Can I tell you something? You got a nice face. You just a kid." You from Queens, you got that suit, you help a lot of poor people. I just thought you was gonna be black. <laughs> and then Andrew Garfield's like, I'm I'm sorry. He's like, nah, I don't apologize. There just gotta be a black Spider-Man out there somewhere. Which Miles Morales. Gotta be. <laughs> coming to a screen near you. Miles oh, Morales, no doubt about it. And he says, Goddamn eels. <laughs> um so Doc Ock. Gets to have his moment with Toby They have a cool little uh, Oh how you doing Oh my good boy And they're uh, they're excited to see That things are going well for one another uh, Doctor Strange lets Peter know Where he's been and what's been going on He says I was dangling over the Grand Canyon For 12 hours <laughs> He's so mad when he says he's that He's just furious But uh, <laughs> Peter says I'm sorry Look um, this is Peter Parker This is Peter Parker they're me's from other universes. They're here to help. And he, I love when he introduces him as the wizard all the time. You know, this is the wizard <laughs> I was telling you about. Yeah. He's impressed. He says, kid, you've given them all a second chance, but this has to end. And as they ponder what to do next, here comes the Green Goblin. And uh, Green Goblin swoops on down. And our fight, which sort of felt like it was winding down, has another... Act here TK We get the Green Goblin And we end up getting uh, A big explosion That sends MJ falling And as Ned tries to catch her he can't And Peter goes to To dive for her But the glider nails him And so MJ is falling and falling and falling And Andrew Gets the moment He gets his moment to save MJ And Wow, I cried, man. I like this one got yeah. me for sure in the movie. Like when it happened, it was just like, Big time. oh man. And like the look he gave right after, where he's like, "Are you okay?" Yeah. 
And then MJ says back to him, "Are you okay?" Yeah, yeah. Which is and like, he's he, oh. he needs a minute. He needs a moment there because I mean, like he he's okay, but that was this crazy catharsis for him. I mean, that was him getting the chance to do it right, but there's still that aching pain of that he can't change what happened to to Gwen, his love. Like he that, that's still she's still gone and. Uh, it was it was this incredible moment, like for the audience, I think, and for you know the character to to see it. And he sold it so well, Zendaya sold it so well. But uh, to me, that was like the heart of this film, and the whole reason for having these other Spideys in it is to give them their due, to give them closure on their stories, which you know we're supposed to continue. Uh, when the studios cut them off and went in other directions. So they're on, on that aspect uh, and to give these characters uh, just some, some, you know, finality, some ending, some catharsis there as well. And, and the audience there have that catharsis for those characters that that's, that's the whole reason to bring these guys in the, in the film. If they weren't going to use them in that way and like continue their stories, it would have been a waste, but this really yep. made their inclusion so much more meaningful. That they were able to tell all of that um, So MJ needs to be saved Andrew is able to do that But when Ned needs to be saved It's the cloak The cloak The cloak steps up Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the cloak of levitation man That cloak does some good work Now and then doesn't it <laughs> Absolutely yeah it's a character unto itself I love it uh, I, I believe it was involved in the fight uh, Earlier with uh, Strange and, and Spidey Uh uh, early on outside the Sanctum Sanctorum. And uh, I, I was thinking that then, uh, and I, I want to say anytime Dr. Strange is on screen, that cloak play plays a big part. Uh, even in the what if episode, I remember it was a, a, a really fun part. Wasn't there a part in that when the cloak yes. battled another cloak? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, that cloak and uh, it saves Ned. So they're uh, atop the statue of Liberty and, the we see the sky is basically opening now, and yeah. we're we're getting just like what we were seeing in what if, kind of like in Loki too, where you kind of see like yeah. the timeline being fractured. There's all these purples and and um, Ned and MJ embrace, but yeah, as it was that like happened, reality, it was like yeah. reality was cracking. Like, cause it, the, right. the, the sky was it. like parting, but it extended like into the horizon. So it was like, there was no sense of uh, three dimensional space to way that, to the way that it was tearing. It was just like the, the literal fabric of reality tearing apart and all these weird, I don't know, extra dimensional entities we started seeing coming through. So this is the moment where Peter is on the, the visual here is kind of cool So he's on the shield now And the Green Goblin jumps mm-hmm. up on the other end And so now they're face to face And he says poor Peter Too weak to send me home to die But Peter says no I just wanted To kill you myself And yeah. man we're going Just Hand to hand combat Here first You yeah. know swings And they're just battling Peter's Brutally just crushing Him and he's battling and the Goblin's on his knees and Peter is just Punch 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 And now both Toby and Andrew Garfield 
are watching this. They're seeing yep. Peter. He's got the better of the Green Goblin, and he can yeah. kill him at any moment if he wants to. And and he's like Peter's liking this. Tom Holland yeah. is like is enjoying the revenge that he's getting out of hurting this guy who killed Aunt May. And yeah. so the Spider Man realize that both Toby and Andrew realize they got to do something. There's even this moment they see, where they see what they uh, they felt in themselves. Hundred like percent. They alluded to it earlier. They've been but down. Yeah, they this see road themselves exactly. in that moment. Uh, yes. Exactly. Yeah. And M and Ned, uh, MJ and Ned look at each other because now they're kind of worried. Like, uh oh, we haven't really seen this before. What is he going to do? Is he going to cross right. the line here? And Peter grabs the glider mm-hmm. and he holds it up. Think just like Cap holding the shield up over Tony Stark or John Walker, yeah, holding up the shield. And as he, as they're on top of the shield too, they're on top of the giant shield. On the shield, right? Yeah. Yeah. And as he gets ready to bring this glider down, Toby jumps right in between, and he doesn't even say anything. He just looks at him, and he he stops him from killing the Green Goblin. It's great. You know, Peter is letting out these screams and he just sort of looks at him and he's kind of with that look. He says, you know, don't don't do this, Peter. And Peter kind of lets his guard down. And as he does, Toby gets stabbed right in the back. Yeah. Green Goblin's still around. Of course. He gets stabbed right through the back. So that causes uh, Andrew to come over. They. You know they it get the better. me to gasp very hard in the theater. Yeah, I think everybody else. Me too, because you don't feel this coming. Yeah. You sort of feel like it's, and and yeah. then I guess I think after, and maybe a weird way, like I thought, oh no, Toby's dead. He wasn't. Yeah. Right? So yeah, that was that was the other thing. So it didn't. It was. It was yeah. gasp. It didn't really matter all that much because it didn't end up killing him. End. You know, in the end, yeah. but it was a big it moment. Pl- like, yeah. It's almost played as like a joke a, a few minutes later. <laughs> it literally I've is, been yeah. stabbed. Uh, I've been stabbed before, right? <laughs> Something right. like that. <laughs> but in that moment, you know, like uh, we, I fully believed that they were killing off. I mean, he's the oldest Peter. You, you, you believe totally that maybe sense. they're not going to bring him back. Yeah. You know? So you yeah. think they're going to maybe close that loop here and that they can, they can't. I'm glad they didn't. I would Me love too. to see him come back in something else, to be honest. It was a great moment nonetheless. Uh, but oof, I love how uh, they're not just saving Green Goblin here. That's obvious. The, this whole movie's been about, you know, saving the, the villains. Now it's about, you know, the, the, these other Spideys saving Spidey, you know, saving him from the, from himself. Saving Peter because Parker. They, yep. they know. Yeah. Saving Peter Parker. Exactly. From himself. And, and they know that it would eat him alive if he betrayed the the ethos uh that his aunt instilled in him and that that uh that guilt would weigh on him for so long and that would take him down an even darker path and they knew that from personal experience so they were saving him from all of that and it was really cool uh the whole film kind of is constructed to give these like life lessons from these previous uh spider-man films correct you know right wrongs and then move forward with almost like fast tracking spider-man and all that all this backstory into this new iteration of the character so that he's this recognizable fully formed kind of amalgam of all the previous spideys we've we've come to know and love and 
you know, eventually evolving into this, like, the, like the most pure form of Spider-Man that we've seen on screen uh, to date. Now the Green Goblin laughs. He says, ha, 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 she was there because of you. I may have struck the blow, but you are the one that killed her. And as he laughs, Andrew throws the cure. Peter grabs it. Uh, Tom Holland, Peter grabs it, and he stabs the Goblin in the neck. He staggers a little bit, and then Norman looks up and and says, Peter? And he kind of sees what he's done. To Spider-Man and to May And he even asks what have What have I done Yeah It's a sickening kind of moment that you put yourself in that guy's shoes He's waking up out of like not understanding And like all that devastation Around him You know uh, Peter Parker the the one that he knows Is is lying you know he's stabbed him He's realizing he's a monster Like that's an awful realization to someone with a Conscience that you've been a monster That's that's like a type of Hell to wake up in so and he sells it. I mean, he just looks like he's so lost. Like that's how May describes him at first when she first uh, meets him in, earlier in the film. But he's absolutely lost in this moment and, and desperate. And it highlights the fact that he is this victim and that they needed to save him all along. And it was it was right that they that they spared him from you know this vengeance because he was he was being held captive by whatever that the green goblin is uh, inside <laughs> him. Then we get this moment where the the three Peters are there together, and uh, so Toby's you know stabbed, so he's laying there, yeah. and um, Andrew and and Tom share a quick like, oh hey, nice throw, good good catch on that, yeah. you know, just it's like real real funny stuff. And then yeah. he he says, you know, I've been stabbed before, <laughs> and then as he's laying there, the sky starts rumbling, and you know the sky is like opening up and cratering, yeah. and he goes, what is that happening or am I dying? <laughs> and then, and, and then the great. way that Andrew Garfield so matter-of-factly just oh yeah no that's happening that's real and yeah. he just he says are there people in the sky and yeah. he's like you see like the silhouettes of this like reality cracking all these different people like you said it's this weird branching from multiverses to different so hard to even explain you have to really see right. to see it and it doesn't make sense no visually almost like it, it doesn't how would they be able to see people in the sky from that far away that <laughs> they're people so i don't know where they people what was the scale of the people in the sky i know, I um, know. but worth noting like what people we could make out there right like i obviously recognized a, a rhino Guy, uh, were there any others that you you recognized? Gosh, I gotta look back now and check. That's funny. Yeah, I I didn't. Yeah. I I will dive into that a little bit more though. Yeah, because it we know with Marvel and with MCU, nothing's by accident. Nothing's by accident. Right. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, they're teasing what's to come for sure. Um, I believe there was a there's like a hulking character. Uh, new rock stars suggested that was um, Venom. They also suggested maybe there was this character that could be um, Miles Morales, but uh, that was a little bit more ambiguous. And there, there's a few others that seem to be more um, cool, uh, concrete. Yeah, awesome. worth looking up. I love that. I love that. So we are now we're running out of time here as uh, Doctor Strange says they're starting to come through and I can't stop them. He says we're too late for that. They're here because of you. Peter says, what if everyone forgot who I was? He says, cast a new spell. 
This time make everyone forget who Peter Parker is Make everyone forget me Yeah That is true superhero stuff What's What's Best for the world what's the common Good not personally The opposite of what may what may was saying Earlier right Peter is this good for You are you doing what's best for you Or are you really trying to help them And this is the moment Where you I think This is the moment where Dr. Strange Really feels The respect for Peter because I think you can hear it in the verb In the in the some of the verbiage where uh, He asks Dr. Strange says no to Peter's response And Peter asked but it would work And Doctor Strange says yes it would work But you gotta understand that would mean Everyone who knows you and loves you We We'd have no memory of you So he includes himself Which I, I think is yeah. You know someone like Doctor Strange Who just was telling call me sir Damn it you know right? And now he's saying we all love you We all aren't gonna know you I just thought that that use of we Was was telling because yeah. Doctor Str- Strange now goes okay. This guy is willing to sacrifice himself. Like this is the hero that I thought he was. This is the guy that yeah. we all love. You know, um, yeah. and that's a cool. And they moment. hammer, they hammer home that 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 shift in respect too by calling back moments later uh, with the whole um, call me uh, Stephen, call, call me, me Stephen, sir. You know, like. <laughs> Says that I still like feels that. weird. <laughs> yeah, that it comes. Yeah, it came full circle, and they, they did that thing. They did that Marvel thing where, where they like kind of popped the balloon uh, of sincerity mm-hmm. there by by being a little snarky and being a little jokey. Yeah, I don't know if I did. loved that moment when he said Me still neither. feels weird. It Me worked neither. enough. It, it wasn't the it wasn't as bad as the other ones that we mentioned. No, but that that's kind of stuck. That stuck, I love you, Spider Man one is going to bother me forever because it's like you do yeah. love him back. Tell him I love you too. Yeah. Don't tell him thank it, you. Maybe that. Get out of here with that. It yeah. just betrayed. It betrayed the spirit of that moment. Like we were all like really into the bromance, and I know. then you're, you're you're like you're kind of making it. You're now you're making it weird. I know. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Like, I, we were cool with it. We were cool with the guys bonding. You know, I, I didn't mind it. Um, but, uh, man, the, the uh, the Goodbye. end here, it, oh, uh, yeah, it's heavy. It's heavy. I gotta say special effects here. I'm a little mixed on a lot of the Dr. Strange stuff. Um, to me yeah. felt like it was rushed or, or very blue screeny. Um, and when the sky's opening up to me, it didn't look very like that much better than what we saw in Wanda. Uh, and one at the in the finale of that, I thought it was about the same level, which good for Wanda, not great for Spider-Man, in my opinion. Like you want you want to feel like you're getting the, the premium cream of the crop, like uh, with the with the uh, theatrical offerings, especially Spider-Man in a big event movie like this. And for the most part, like they delivered excellent visuals, but just some of the compositing and blue screen stuff just did not work for me. And th- that was an example. Unfortunately, a lot of times. In these MCU films, that stuff happens in the third act more than any other act, uh, and it becomes most—it seems most rushed there for for whatever reason. And uh, I, I kind of felt that in this moment. So Peter says his goodbyes. <clears throat> Doctor Strange says, you, "You better go say your your goodbyes. You don't have very long." And he uh, he says goodbye to Doctor Strange, who says, uh, "See you around, kid." And and then he goes to say goodbye to the other Spideys. He says, hey guys, I think you're about to go home And he says, look, I, I just want to thank you I, I want to tell you, I really know, know how to say this And I, I just want to 
and he looks at them and they all look at each other and smile and Toby says, "You know, it's what we do." Yeah. And they uh it was is a corny great moment. So great. It just I love yeah. it. it. Makes my heart feel good. The three of them just smile and they like you get a little group hug. Yeah. And you're like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." I it's like, "I guess I'll I guess I'll see you." And you know, and it just right? Oh, yeah. A cool Maybe. smile. A cool smile. And then when when Tom Holland goes, you've got Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire sitting there and they've got their arm around each other. And uh, Andrew Andrew says to him, you're in so much pain right now, huh? And Toby's like, I am. Yeah. I am. You know, it's just like I love the, that moment. It's the old like, I'm too old for this shit. You know, like yeah. it just reminds me of like a lethal weapon uh, line that they'd have at the end. And. Yeah. Oh man, and that one that one lands for me. That me too. It, it that lands, one was it because it's, it's not it, snarky. It's not like it doesn't. Mean. Yeah, there's nothing it doesn't mean about it. Betray anything yeah. that we've just it's, established, whether it's logic or like the the feeling that we're trying to like get from absolutely. it. Like, uh, absolutely, yeah. it's not cute just to be cute. It's cute because mm-hmm. we know that the guy's getting older. He's got back problems. Right. He just got stabbed. Like, there's a lot of ways that you can lean into it. Yeah. You know, and it, yeah. It feels like an honest, natural extension of of the moment that they they've established honest. there. So honest and genuine, uh, exactly. Yeah. So Peter swings over to MJ and Ned, and he they they have a hug, and then he says, um, they, "You know they, they're getting ready to go. They're like, cool, we're done, we're finished, let's go, like let's get out of here." Yeah. And he has to tell them, "Not so fast. You're gonna forget who I am." Like what? Yeah. And MJ's like forget who you are What are you talking about He tells her it's okay I'm gonna come and find you and I'll explain everything I'll make you remember me And it will be like none of this ever happened But she's freaking out But, but, but what, what if that doesn't work What if it doesn't work What if we can't remember you I don't wanna do that I don't wanna do that Peter I don't wanna do that And he goes I know I know And she's She's like incoherent, but what, but no, what if it's something we can't do? We we can come up with like a plan or something. You know, there's always a plan. We can do something. And Peter's like, no, there's, there's nothing we can do. And and MJ's like, she doesn't know what to do, what to think, what to, and I think Ned sort of calms her down a little bit because he just Mm -hmm. looks at Peter and says, do you promise? And Peter says, yeah, I promise. And it's sort of like, okay. I think Ned and MJ look at each other and they're like, hey, do we trust this guy? We do. We trust him. And they put their faith in him. And mm. Peter and Ned do their little handshake, their uh, handshake from from homecoming. And he says, I'll come find you. And Ned says, I know you will. And so the hug, uh, they hug. And then MJ says, you better, because if you don't, I'm just going to figure it out. I've done it before. I can do it again. Yeah. And Peter says I, I promise I'll fix this And uh, MJ says I hate magic So they have a big oh, I love the way she says that I really too. hate There's magic something. Yeah yeah. You feel it Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You do. And uh, they laugh She says I love you And Peter says I love And she stops him She says wait yeah. and tell me when you see me again Oh and as the sky's rumbling and opening up, they give a big kiss. Um, finally, not interrupted. They they finally have their embrace here. And they're up top the Statue of Liberty. Doctor Strange is still working on the new spell, trying to get it all 
fixed We see the uh, The two Spider-Man Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Watching as everything's going mm-hmm. on All this magic Doctor Strange directing traffic here And then everybody kind of goes One by one away First Max Dillon Then Octavius Then Norman disappears Then Marco Then Connors yeah. And we see Doctor Strange kind of floating above the Statue of Liberty He's working with the circles And the Peters wave goodbye to each other Toby waves goodbye And uh, Andrew goodbye to him And they both evaporate And then Peter and MJ They don't want to let go But he he lets go And he jumps up And he looks up at the Statue of Liberty and uh, And he is on his way and Doctor Strange kind of gives his own little nod, mm. and uh, whoo, yeah, this is sad stuff. Is yeah. you get one little, one more like "I love you" that's mouthed from MJ to Peter, and the sky gets clear, and it's just like we're back to normal. It's like everything, all the cracking, all the multiverse, all the everything. We're back, and it's J. Jonah Jameson, and we can tell instantly. That the spell worked TK because J. Jonah Jameson says that Spider-Man's cultists continue to contend that He's a hero if he were a hero He'd unmask himself and tell us Who he really is So it worked Nobody knows who Spider-Man is But in a very scary Terrifying way It's as if Peter Parker Doesn't exist Yeah, All of the memories Everything that he's done it's all been wiped away. Nobody knows him at all. Any of the people that he's interacted with, it's nothing. Even the stuff at the end with Happy, that was weird to me. Because it's like, yeah. how does he know Spider-Man, but he doesn't know Peter Parker? But it's so... Yeah, it's all very confusing. The logic it of it. And uh, the more you think about it, I think you can kind of close those those loops uh, and and you know provide some logic to it and, and uh, think it through. But in the moment watching it, that was one thing that kind of stuck out to me was just thinking like, wait, why do they have to do? I don't get it. Wait, does if everyone's just like uh, brainwashed that they don't remember him? Well, what about all the physical records and stuff like that? I think ultimately we have to assume that this magic did change some of the actual reality that it, you know, warped records and like physical things, various um you know, pictures of him and like school records, things like that are probably very different now. But it's it raises a ton of questions like, you know, what all these memories that uh, MJ and Ned shared with him? Like, what was what was high school like to them? Like, what were the did did Ned have a crush on MJ? I know. Like, are they, uh, is there something weird? Like, like you almost felt dynamic? like them flirty. You know, it was almost yeah. there was it, it's it's incredible to think about, honestly. Um, yeah, and opens up a lot, a lot of raises a lot of questions and opens up, opens a lot of doors for things to explore, you know, in terms of storytelling. So now, uh, Peter walks into the donut shop to go tell MJ. He told her, he promised her that he was going to tell her, hey, to explain it all to her. And you see, he's like, he's practicing as he's walking up to the donut shop. He's got like, he's got his notes. (laughs) And he's like, okay, hey, my name is Peter Parker. I, you don't know me, but I, hi, my name, Peter Parker. You don't know, like he's he's working on his tone. How am I going to say it? 
And at least he's learned. He's he's rehearsing now. He's rehearsing, right? You're right. That she said you didn't rehearse this, Peter, earlier on, and so he's practicing. Yeah. And as he gets ready to walk in, there's a, a Stan Lee lookalike there that uh, MJ is talking with, which is kind of cool, like an older person. And MJ looks up at him, and as Peter's about to walk in, it looks like she's waving to him, and he's like, "Oh, like what? She knows me." She's waving to Ned. Ned was behind him. Ned was about to walk in the door. So the way that they played that was pretty cool. And Peter walks in and he says, "Hi, uh, my name is Peter Parker." It's almost like he says his name because he want he's hoping it elicits a response from yeah. her. You know, does she is she gonna remember it, me? Is she gonna? I think it does on a subconscious yeah. level, right? I do like, too. There's something there. Yep, she notices. They 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 have a connection. It's there. And what he notices. Yeah. She's, and she's still wearing, wearing the necklace. The necklace. Too. That the was Black Dahlia. That, yeah. The necklace yeah. that he gave her um, that she was wearing. So, where did she get that necklace? There's got to be a story, mm-hmm. an origin story for that. And as Peter is getting ready to tell her who he is, he looks and he sees that like their life is going pretty good. She got yeah. into MIT. So did Ned. And MJ, for, you know, she's kind of a cynic and snarky and stuff, mm-hmm. but. She's very happy at this moment in her life. Yeah. She even talks about how how excited she is for something which is not like like her at all. And and Peter's watching this and wondering, is there are they better off without me? Like, is there what else does he see? What else does he see? He sees the the injury on her uh, that's on healing her. up. I think she's got like yep. a bandage on her face. Band right there. And so he's like, she, they're better off here with me. They're getting, they're getting injured. Hurt. She she just almost fell to her death. I couldn't yep. save her if it wasn't for Ned. With the cloak needed dimension. to save him, you know. Yeah, and yeah. So, like, that's just reminding him of of that and crystallizing it in that moment. That like, uh, he even asked her about it. Selfish thing. He said, "Yeah, what happened there? Yeah, yeah. You know, he, oh, I'm okay. It's nothing, not a big deal." And so, his whole plan completely changes. He doesn't come in here and tell her what happened. He doesn't tell Ned. Yeah. He notices that they are genuinely happy, and when he a- when he asks uh, MJ if she's excited for MIT, she says, "Yeah, actually, I am," which is kind of weird because I don't really get excited about these things. I kind of expect disappointment. And Peter mm-hmm. finishes her her sentence because he knows the line that she always uses. Because then you'll never actually be disappointed, right? And in- funny that they did that again with just the other saying earlier with great power comes great responsibility, the same dynamic of like finishing yep. that thought and yeah. that instilling like a level of trust somehow between between the two characters. So MJ, uh, yeah, there's something there. And she says it's uh, just kind of feels different for this this time for some reason. And he asks her about, you know, her, the cut and uh, her injury. She said, ah, it doesn't really hurt anymore. Is there anything else? She wants she wants something more from him even. And he waits and he just says, uh, no, uh, thank you. I'll see you around. And he sort of watches MJ and Ned and like that's the that's like a one of the more selfless things you could do right there. Right? Like that's a total superhero. Knowing that that's the woman you love, your best friend, but knowing that they are probably better off without you, and I don't want to get them caught up in in the stuff they were caught up before. And if I go tell them I'm Spider Man, that's gonna happen. Yep. 
But it's also this betrayal of what he just yeah, promised to them. It is. What, At the he same knows time. what it was important to them. Yeah, he told, it's a he very interesting them. moment. Like exactly. And so, so you you wonder. Ultimately, when they when you because they're gonna remember at some point, you know, they're not gonna Absolutely. leave it there. There's gonna be another movie. So when they do find out, is that gonna be something that they hold against him or or hold some sort of resentment about? You know, like you you robbed me of my my memories here in a way. Like you promised me that you wouldn't do that. Uh, that that might feel like a betrayal. So uh, we then get to the cemetery, and we see Peter standing. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside Aunt May's grave, May's tombstone, and on the tombstone yeah, yeah. it says blue screen, blue screen yeah, alert. Yeah, yeah. This, was, yeah, this is a really obvious one. This was a bad one. <laughs> this was like inserted at the end, even. You know what I mean? Like you could just like, oh, yeah. the movie was done, and they put this in, and it just, I know the the scene is fine. Like the the interaction it between is. the two of them, it's it's great. But the the visual, yeah. it's it's hard when you're trying to do a, a, something really emotional and it doesn't look great. You can't help but be taken out of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the uh, this is where Happy doesn't recognize Peter, and he he asks Peter, "How'd you know her?" Peter said, "Through Spider Man." Happy said, "Same. I lost a good friend a while back, and it felt like this. It hurts because they're gone, and then it hurts all over again because you remember what they stood for, and you wonder, is all that gone too?" Peter responds, "No, it's not gone. Everyone that she helped, they'll keep it going." And Happy asks, you really think so? Peter says, I know it. Take care of yourself. And they nod and walk away. And uh, Peter's alone. No MJ, no Ned, no Aunt May, no Happy, no Tony Stark. Nobody knows who he is. Doctor Strange doesn't know who he is. He even said, we, none of us, we won't know. So, man, we finish up the movie seeing him getting in his new apartment. Talking to the landlord, rent is yeah. due on the first. Don't be late. He has to create an entirely new Spider-Man suit again. We see him working yeah. on it. We see him listening to some of the uh, police activity on on his phone, and you know, the sewing machines out there. And one of the last thing we see is him swinging through Rockefeller Center and Rockefeller Christmas tree as uh, yeah. he gets to go Spider-Man and kind of start all over. This is like. This is Spider-Man now, not Spider-Boy anymore. You're so right. Yeah, no more Iron Spider, no more Tony Stark Jr. Uh, Again, this is like that IP um, rehab a little bit. Like they're addressing directly criticisms of their own franchise and their IP, and they're giving fans what they want, while also not betraying the initial story and arc that they had set out to do. It's really quite brilliant, I think. Um, the the way that they folded in generations of Spider-Man and Spider-Man stories into this new character, they've kind of smartly been able to give fans everything that they wanted and even all the different fans. So the Amazing Spider-Man Garfield fans are, are happy. The Raimi fans are, are happy. The MCU fans are all happy. Now this new version of the MCU Spider-Man has elements that are more familiar from you know the previous Spider-Man and it all works It all makes sense that he would have that Evolution and that influence because You know these are his big brothers and and He he learned a thing or two from how They did things and and uh, I thought that was really cool and a natural Way to evolve the story and Also give fandom Exactly what they want which can be very hard To do yeah very hard to do without Without uh, pandering And this didn't feel like pandering this felt Like 
just the smartest way to approach uh, the story. I mean, I guess you could say some of the, you know, this whole thing is a nostalgia sure. play on one level, but they nailed it. I don't know what to say beyond that. It's just that they, they did it well and they made it work. They made it work without betraying any of the things that they had done before. In fact, they boosted and elevated those things. So like kudos to them for all of its faults. This was all a winner of a film by, by by leagues, by like many, many stretches. So, and it was most one of yeah. the most important MCU movies of all time, no doubt about Hands it. Down. Yeah, just because of what it did. Like, if anyone wanted to say it's the most, you wouldn't really be wrong. It's a conversation that's debatable, mm-hmm. but you just for the multiverse, what it opens up, bringing these different Spider Men in, bringing in the Netflix Daredevil yeah. and all and all that stuff, and where we're headed moving forward. We got the post credit scene with Venom in the bar. He's talking about tons right. of people, right? And he's kind of like, he asked the bartender about Iron Man and Hulk and Thanos. And so Venom, yeah. Eddie, flashes away, but they were teasing us again about the connection with Venom. You mentioned uh, yeah. Morbius coming up. And so now all these worlds, the Sony worlds and the MCU are coming together yeah. and connecting. And it, it led us to the trailer yeah. at the end of the movie for Doctor Strange, the next uh, Doctor Strange movie, where uh, Wanda will be popping up and playing a, a big role in that. So yeah, we're back. And man. it's a Sam Raimi movie. Let's, yeah, let's not forget Sam, about that. It is a right. Sam Raimi movie. We're coming off Spider Man, and uh, Sam Raimi has always been a Doctor Strange fan too. He, there's a Doctor Strange Easter egg in the original Spider Man. They mentioned Doctor Strange. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson does, I believe. Um, and so this is like a long time coming. We already know from posters and things that Patrick Stewart is, is somehow involved as professor X. I've been trying to avoid as much of that as possible. I was a little disappointed that I even saw that. I was like, damn it. Tell me nothing. I don't want to, I want I'm thinking this could be a possibility, but I don't want to know before I go in, you know, but, uh, uh, I, I think this could be, it could go either way, but I have a feeling it's going to be maybe even bigger than Spider-Man. I do too. Uh, Cause it's coming on the heels of Spider-Man and it's, just, it's saying, yeah, we're doing more of that shit. And we have even more of a, a, a reason to, cause this is a Dr. Strange movie. Uh, and they're putting it front and center that, they, that there's more multiverse uh, crossover stuff. I mean, it's right in the title. Gosh, uh, what does that mean? Are we getting Reed Richards? Are we getting fantastic four? Are we getting m- many generations of different, Marvel heroes, like, are we going to see some, some never, like, I've heard rumors of, like, maybe we're going to see an Iron Man played by Tom Cruise, because that was a movie that almost got made, and yeah. so they might do stuff like that, like yeah. fantasy casting, that you know, be because there's, we're dealing with variants. Awesome. You know, so. That would be so cool. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, man. You can I only, am. uh, it, yeah, it's, it's a lot to look forward to, because they could really take it anywhere. Uh, and they could bring back anybody that we want. So it's like uh, the sky's the limit. And I think for us, the timing of when we did this recap, we hadn't talked mm-hmm. in a while. So it was so exciting to kind of come back after a few months, talk back with you. And we could have mm-hmm. gone for, I mean, even longer than we did. And this will probably be the longest one that we've ever done as far as a recap. But it was yeah. so like it didn't feel boring. I actually, for people that are listening, we were going and I had a different uh, interview that I had scheduled that I had to do live. So we had to stop in the middle 
and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to rush through. And you were so cool. You're like, no, we'll yeah. come back after. We'll finish it up because we were really excited. I think to talk about this movie because there's yeah. so much to talk about in it. There's so many Easter eggs. We're talking about yeah. all three different Spider-Man worlds and all of the characters in those worlds, and then the multiverse and where we're going moving forward, and all these feel-good moments and. Like anything, there's going to be some critiques and some criticisms, and I think in in here it was mainly some of the visual stuff and maybe one or two of the things. But for the most part, I really enjoyed this movie. I I, I got such yeah. a kick out of it. It made me feel so great going to the movies and and that remembering that experience. And I will, yeah. like you said, this is one that I will throw on in the background over and over. And mm-hmm. as much as this is a movie that. Yeah, you know, you got to know all the different characters from all the different Spider-Man stuff. I think you can kind of watch this movie too without all of that knowledge and still understand mm-hmm. the different Spider-Man and like get the sense of how big certain things happening are, man. This was this was yeah. a blast. I love this movie and it was so nice to be uh be back talking MCU and Marvel with you, buddy. Absolutely. It's a, it's a pleasure to be back, man, and I'm excited to be chatting Moon Knight with you starting next week. I mean, we're yeah. just days away from that coming out. You and I were talking a little bit before because we don't this. really know a whole we, lot about that. I don't. Yeah. I don't Limit, have limited like, exposure. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to keep it that way going Me in. Too. I want to. I want to dive deep into it after I kind of fall in love with the character on the show. Absolutely. That's my that's my hope for it. I like to um, do the research when we find out little things, then I'll research those things. Yeah. But I don't want to go in and then have all these expectations because this was right. supposed to be from the comic or this was supposed to be, and then it doesn't. I want to kind of yeah. I'm going to follow with what they're telling me, right? How they want me to, how they present the show to me, then I'm going to start diving into that. And uh, we will be here with all of you each and every week. We'll help be uh, the eyes and ears for you. We'll be all the things that you're thinking and formulating in your head. We're going to be spitting those out, some verbal diarrhea, you know, back and forth here (laughs) with with me and TK. Buddy, thank you so much, man. It was was so great to to catch up with you again. And we'll have a a fun uh, couple months moving forward. We've got Moon Knight, and that's going to lead us right into Doctor Strange, which isn't all that far away. And um, I'm sure we'll even talk a little bit, at least with each other, about uh, Morbius, which is coming up soon. So that's going to be a Moby. What that's going to be blast. I'm I'm sure I butchered it. I said it wrong. I think three times already. But uh, (laughs) anyway, Morbius, yeah, Morbius. I said Morbius, Morbius, Morbius. I kept thinking of uh, of uh, Loki. Lo- yeah. Oh, yeah. Logie. <laughs> Lo- Logie. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I'm thinking so. I'm like, oh, um, man, this was fun. Thank you so much, TK. You have a great Thank rest you. of your day. Uh, send some love out there to the family, and uh, we'll be talking some Moon Night next week. Sounds good. You have a good one. Thank you for having me. Don't go anywhere, folks. Uh, we have a lot more to discuss, and you're going to hear that voice. TK will be back with us now each and every week talking Moon Night and everything going on in the MCU universe. Don't go anywhere. So that's going to do it for this episode, but if you are looking for a lot of the other stuff from That's What G Said, don't worry. We're going to have a ton coming out for you all in back-to-back-to-back. We've got a full WrestleMania week episode coming out. WrestleMania Roundtable, Chad Cooper, Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne. We preview the full card, about two and a half hours. Then Chad Cooper joins me to talk about NXT. We preview Stand and Deliver, and we'll also talk about AEW. So there's a full wrestling episode that's going to be coming out. And then there'll be a full 
horse racing episode that's going to be coming out where you'll have Friday Santa Anita best bets, Friday Sam Houston full card. You'll have Saturday Oaklawn with Mary Rampolini from DRF. We'll talk about the Oaklawn stakes there. We'll talk about Gulfstream Park with Matt DeSantis. We're going to go through the full card on a live stream and I'm going to pull the audio from that. So we'll talk about Gulfstream Florida Derby Saturday and then you'll get Sam Houston and Santa Anita Saturday. So we'll get you all that great stuff. There's going to be three different episodes this weekend. That's because we had so much content to discuss. So don't worry. Plenty more coming. And uh, you'll be hearing a lot more from me very soon.